Patricia, my darling Patricia, I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love with you. Patricia, my darling, Patricia, I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia. You could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love with you. Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. everybody Saturday night 2016 hope you got all your Christmas shopping done it'll be here before you know it here she is the lady who got everything put away wrapped up and under the tree the adorable one Patricia from Florida that's a sure thing did we lose her that's why we were late. We were having... No, she's here. She's here. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's why we were having phone trouble, are you? <laughs> no, because we are having trouble with phones. No, that was my fault. That was my fault. That's why... <laughs> my presents are under the tree. <laughs> the shopping is done and Christmas is coming. And... Oh, my. <laughs> Hi, Walden. This is, the, this is the adorable one here. Hello, everybody. It is May 21th. Uh, I'm getting ready to transfer them all when you were with me, I think, Christmas of 2007. We're, we're, we're working backward or forward? Oh, backwards, you know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I... I, that, I well, that's I, pretty consistent. 2005. <laughs> 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 oh. Yes. Have we, have we gotten to Fred yet? Well... We probably did. We probably did. We have to go poof it. You know, we're probably going to need, 
Well, Bob, we have to put all our ears in it, because <laughs> I, I, I did all the Christmas stuff for 2011. But I think, I think Bruce, our buddy Bruce from uh, San Diego, had to record <clears throat> the, the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh-huh. Consecutively since night ten two thousand seven. Are you serious? Yes, and he has sent me Bruce, two. Are, are you all right? <laughs> oh my goodness! And he okay. got and he got file go back to nineteen ninety nine, but uh, but so well, what is you know, Bruce, Bruce um, looks after his mom and dad. And so uh-huh. he uh, records this, and then he listens to us at work. And so that's why we get email from him two weeks later, because he wanted a faithful one that record us and goes at a more convenient time. Well, bless his heart. He and Brian Henderson, there's a whole group of them out there. Brian records us and listens to us on the bus going back and forth at work. And, you know, there's a whole group of people who just love to record us and were at a more convenient time for them. So, anyway, so Bruce earlier this year sent me two drives. So, I know uh, if we have to, we're going to, I'll start sharing your file and our file, and we'll get put our ear to July and December from 2010 on. Okay. You know, so we'll find it. It's got it. it oh, know, my I goodness. Don't, I, I just, as we were... As we were talking about squirrels here, yes, I did a quick computer search, and a whole bunch of pages with the word squirrel came up, and I thought, <laughs> well, January twenty fifth, two thousand fourteen, might be promising, except <laughs> the word squirrel in that page is National Squirrel Appreciation Day. <laughs> <laughs> what would be great if, if we could find January twenty first, and I didn't make any notes. What we got? What would be great if we, if we could find your notes saying when you had that topic? Then we could zero in. So I'm just I'm transferring everything and then spot checking for Fred here and there. So you know. I'll I'll just have to go back to our Christmas. Yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll I'll check all of our Christmas notes around the holidays. But you know, yeah. But <laughs> gosh, I, I, an, you're right. It was an answer to a theme question. Correct. So. I, I should be pretty close. But I, uh, <laughs> about, about, about what I think. We've never spent so much time on a critter in our lives. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think by the end of the summer, I will have all the interviews done um, that uh-huh. I have and everything. And uh, Larry says, look like, you know, it's, it's just an enormous amount of interviews and Friday shows, Saturday shows we've done yeah. since I've been on the air. There's a few. There's a few. I think quite a few. It's a few. It's so cute to hear you when you're just a little kid. <laughs> you and Te- you and I'm, I'm you, adorable. You and Teeny were just first. You and Teeny were on the same level when you started the show. I know yeah. it. Yeah, I'm still looking for the 18, the 17 hour film again, Molly special. So, so that's still on my hunt list of tapes to go through. I've, so, do you, do you need to know the the date? Of I know. That? Yeah, I know the day of that one. Oh, okay. April sixteenth, two thousand ten. It's a Friday, and I just came across March, so I know I'm, I'm getting close. Well, you need North Pole, right? I found I found those. 
Oh. I found it. Each, I oh, found. Oh, I have. This was Fibber McGee and Molly White because yeah. we did a long show. That's right. On those on that Christmas season. Yeah, and I have those. I I just found those and I transferred all those. Okay. So, you you and the mayor and. Can we sell these? <laughs> well, I think I think so. Uh, I'm looking for added income if anybody can help. <laughs> Send pennies to Florida. <laughs> okay, that's my PayPal account also. <laughs> because be, Florida at hotmail.com. Yeah, because it's my goal eventually to have these on demand in a mobile app. And that way, Patricia can retire wealthy. She can retire in yeah, the Bahamas. Yeah, for, for a dollar a pop. Uh-huh. Well, oh, uh, or, 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 uh, a penny, a penny, a penny, a, a minute, you know, something like that. There, there was a song mm-hmm. way back. Roll a bowl, a bowl a penny. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. And I'll have to look. Up. I'm not sure I have the words correct, it's, but uh, um, roll, ho- roll a uh, beneath roll a ball. Benita Coleman. I think it was. I think it was originally a Merv Griffin song with with the band singer Freddie Martin. With okay. the band and but Benita Coleman sang it as part of the theme of the Hall of Ivy broadcast. So that's where I know know it from. Okay, there used to be arcades, penny arcades. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Penny arcades. You could play games for a penny. So you rolled a ball for a penny a pitch. Ah, so maybe that's what we need to do, get you back on the arcade circuit. Right, a penny a pitch. Yeah. Or something like that there. Yeah. That's a lot of pennies. A penny a day keeps the doctor away? No, no, would, would PayPal take a penny? Well, ah, PayPal would take anything, wouldn't they? They would, yeah. Yes, <laughs> donations may be sent to. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear me, what a night. We're going to have a goofy night tonight because I have goofy stuff. Goof? Do you have some announcements before I announce? Well, next next Saturday, Patricia's going to be talking to Dick Tracy. So put that on your calendar. Could could we be a little more specific <laughs> about this? We're going to be talking to Chester Gould's grandson. Chester Gould was the originator of Dick Tracy and drew and created the storylines for Dick Tracy for a million years. So this week, my homework is to find out all the great stuff about Dick Tracy. So what, what is his, his grandson's name again, please? Don't know yet, but I've been negotiating. You don't know his name? <laughs> no wonder you're saying to people I'm talking to Dick Tracy. Oh, gee. Oh, gee. Oh, Walden. I got okay. a week. I got a week to find out. Okay, I'm. I'm. I'm need to go to Wikipedia. I'm negotiating. I'm. I'm negotiating with the. I'm impressed then that I know Chester Gould's name. You. Do, I can't believe this. You well, don't know who I'm going to interview. Yes, I do. Okay, I'm negotiating with the, the with the Chester Gould Museum, and so we're having two guests. The guy who sort of runs the museum is now an online, and he said, we're also going to have Chester Gould's grandson. So we're going to have two for the price of one. You will let me know. Uh, Ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> At least 20 minutes. Oh, <laughs> gee. You know, you're yeah. a dice roller. 
I am a riverboat gambler. There's no doubt about that. Well, we blew it on Nyquist. This uh, came in third on the Preakness today. Actually, we should have picked in my house. We should have picked the winner. You you what? We picked the winner. You did pick the winner. Yep. He had he was um gee five to one I think. Mm-hmm. Did you bet on him? No, because Dad didn't like the odds. Dad likes okay. Dad likes really long shots. And that one wasn't long enough. Not not for Dad. I don't know. Five to one sounds pretty good. Eh, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. However, my dad knew in in, in about he's wanted a horse racing story. We all love horse racing stories, don't we, Patricia? Okay, if you say so. My dad. What's Chester Gould's grandson's name? That's your trivia question. <laughs> <laughs> you better do some searching before we get to Walden's questions later. Okay, go. My dad, story. my dad is from the great state of Nebraska. Very good. I knew that. Yeah, and so he grew up with the Vanberg family. Vanberg family was the famous training family in Nebraska that trained okay. that trained racehorses. And the uh, the old man, Van Berg, had 400 horses. And in the 30s, he bet $10,000 on a horse. He thought for sure we were going to win. And How much? Ten, oh, you, oh, I know. Okay. 10000 So it, yeah. And the horse broke late, never won. That was the last time the old man ever bet that, ever bet that kind of money. So mm-hmm. his his grand his son took over the stable, and the family really never thought it'd be worthwhile sending a horse to the Kentucky Derby, except until they had one, Ali Sheba. And I think it was 1987. And my dad kept track of this horse. So Ali Sheba was 19 to one, and Dad laid down 100 to win, 100 to place. And Al Sheba broke and fell, almost fell. His nose hit the track, and he, the horse got oh him, the horse got himself up on it and won the race. So, Holy oh yeah, it was an incredible horse. Anyway, just interesting, interesting side stories like that. Well, there's a side story on the Preakness today. In <laughs> pre Preakness run race, yep. you know, the, the yep. championship race, yep. there were races, and two horses died yep. today. Two of them in two separate races. In two separate races, as a result of two separate races. Right. Um, and it, it was just, I, I'd never heard of anything like that before. I mean, I, I know that horses die, and sometimes terrible things happen on the track, but two in the same day. Well, the and first... On it's fairly. I I've been at track where the horse breaks his leg, and they gotta euthanize it. I know and that, that. That was one. And the, fir- the other one. The first one. Dropped dead. The first one was in, he won the race, and he was going back to the stable, and then had a heart attack. And had a heart attack, a ruptured aorta. They weren't uh, from. I I haven't seen any updates other than a couple of hours ago, but I mean the poor horse just dropped dead. That's unusual. He won the race and dropped dead. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, anyway, Nyquist didn't do it, 
so no triple crown this no year. No triple crown. No triple crown this year. So, okay, what else have you got on your list? No, just next week Patricia's going to be interviewing Dick Tracy. That's all I wanted to <laughs> <laughs> You got your two-way wrist radio tuned in here. Oh well, then you're going. You're going to have to help. I found his daughter's uh, uh, something about his daughter. Uh huh. But there's nothing about her son in here. Um, it's, it's grandson. And well, this is it, this is Chester Gould's daughter, and there's nothing in here about her son, which would be his grandson. Um, he he only had one child. Well, it's pretty likely it came from that daughter, right? Exactly. <laughs> and, and are we ready to say good night now? <laughs> Not quite. Okay. I, I have I have stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, here she is, the adorable one. With stuff. The first stuff I am obligated to mention last week was it was Dan in on this when you said. No, I, I no no. Um, okay, I did it off air. Oh, well, never mind then. <laughs> <laughs> never mind. <laughs> okay, well, we don't have to do that one. <laughs> well, but now I do. Um, Walden mentioned that my sister. Did she friend you, or did she friend me, John Lurie? She friended the three of you. Yes. And talked about a birthday. Yes. And during the week, just that week, uh, like uh, two days before, mm-hmm. um, my sister had mentioned, she said, I'm baking a birthday cake for me tonight. And I said, it's not your birthday. That was months ago. <laughs> And she said, I know. And I said, what are you doing, borrowing against the year up to 110? And she said, yes, she's baking herself a treat. So she called it a birthday cake. Walden tells me Barbara friended them mm-hmm. and talked about a birthday cake yeah, and ma- her birthday. Yeah, her, in her <laughs> Facebook line, it, it makes him a happy birthday, and it makes him Barbara Smith is having a birthday. And guess what? <laughs> she's not even on Facebook. So there's somebody else up there. Um, whatever it is, it wasn't my sister. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, think, I, think, I, I, I think your sister should get on Facebook, and that way we can, we, we can make sure she really had the right birthday. Okay, well, she'll have to make up her own mind on that. <laughs> but I have fulfilled my obligation. I promised her I would say... She ain't the one, and she will never again lie about her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and she did, and, and it was so spooky that that that, that had happened. Mm-hmm. So maybe somebody is out there having some fun with her name and friending you. Well, you know, you know, I mean, but they wouldn't have known because well, they would wait, known. wait a minute, but we we it's really spooky. Well, then it's it's sure running in the family. Spookiness? Yes. Okay. Well, don't you remember? What? When you tuned what? in, when you tuned in and heard <gasps> somebody just like you? I said, honest, I mean, it was really spooky. This was maybe two years ago? Uh-huh. Does that sound about right? It sounds about right, about, yeah. 
about two years ago, I was cruising through some talk shows on iTunes. And I guess they were all Live 365. It doesn't make any difference. But I got to one that looked interesting. I was just kind of hopping around because I'm a talk show junkie. And I heard this voice. And I thought, that's me. And I'm listening, and the woman is talking about gardening and how to plant. I'm saying, that's right. Correct. And I'm thinking, maybe I was having an out-of-body experience (laughs) somewhere. If I had to sit and listen to that, I would sit in front of a jury and say, that's my voice. It was the spookiest thing to listen to. I don't have a particularly distinctive voice. Yes, you do. a common one. No, it's a a beautiful, very distinct voice. It's apart from others. It it just blew me away. It it just blew me away. You have one of the most beautiful, distinct voice in the whole wide world. You are so sweet. It really is true. However, in there. Yeah. Everybody, I guess, at one point or another, everybody is supposed to have a double. You'll come across mm-hmm. someone in your lifetime who looks enough like you that people could get you confused. And some of them make you wonder if maybe you had a twin at birth that got mm-hmm. separated. Yep. But I, this really shook me up. It really shook me up. I mean, that woman, whoever she was, she and I could sit side by side, and I don't think people could tell us apart. Maybe she'll call in one time, and we can have a you two can have a conversation. Maybe that, yeah. Maybe maybe she's going through the same thing. Yeah. There's this woman on Saturday <laughs> night. Oh my gosh! You have to listen. At least she's in the same place every Saturday night, and they can find us. I don't know who it was. I don't know where it was. And now that Live 365 is gone, the titles of the individual um, stations are not on my iTunes, and I refuse to get a new version of iTunes. It's like I keep getting notices. Uh, you can update iTunes, update iTunes. The last time I said, okay, it created a train wreck. The thing looked like it had gone over a cliff. It was just <laughs> so bad. I actually had to go out and Google what to look for and what to click in order to bring up I remember what I needed that. to look at. Yeah. And I thought, it took me so long to do this, I'm not going to risk it again. So I, maybe I, station names will come up if I, if I upgrade, but I'm not going to do well, it. Well, I think what more, more people are doing now to find a station, okay, you would like, like 365 with a, like a hub where you could uh-huh. go. More people are using the two mobile apps now to look for a station. Tune in, which is online, also, mm-hmm. and O-Tune. So you could go and search... Alt talk or whatever, and that's how, that's how people I notice are finding us through those search fields now. Okay, and I did look about two weeks ago. I checked TuneIn.com, mm-hmm. and by golly, there we were. Yeah, there are two hundred, oh. there are two hundred sixteen old-time radio stations on that on that site. That many? Yeah. We have to start knocking the competition out of line. I love having competition. It makes us makes us better. Nothing could make us better. Oh, I just we're love, wonderful. I I just think it's funny. We're lovable. I'm adorable. What more could we ask for? You know, and we haven't heard from Cuddles. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph in California called yeah. in one night and said, "This is Cuddles." <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, anyhow, 
I do have a couple of things. I have discharged my responsibility. It was not Barbara's birthday. She is not on Facebook. If you hear from someone who claims to be my sister on Facebook, it is not her. Now, what happens if that, 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 that Barbara on Facebook sounds like you're really Barbara, then do we, what do we decide then? You better call me. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I don't want, I don't want, oh dear, oh dear. Okay, just want to make sure. I'm resigning. No! Could I please be excused? You want me to call you back in 10 minutes? (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking more in line of seven nights, maybe. Um, Anyway, this week we lost Alan Young, Mr. Ed's daddy. And, um, of course, he had the Alan Young show. On radio, he was 96 years old. Thank you to Dan in Indiana absolutely, for flagging that for us. Absolutely. That's not a correct age. Oh, that's right. You told me mm-hmm. that he fudged it. At, tell What number should it have been? It really is 91. 91. Because, because he was so young, they had to make him older right. in he, order for him to get radio jobs. Got well, it. no, because when he came down to uh, New York... Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, you know, broadcasting Canada, and he was starting his own show. It was his writers that said, oh, you really need to be older. So that his writers just add five more years on to his birthday. And he Isn't felt... terrible to go through life knowing you're a lie? And he, he felt he felt bad about that. that but he really? He, oh, and yeah. I, I, was being, I was being a brat when I said that. No. I didn't realize that he felt uncomfortable Yeah, he, he he did. Okay, he told Frank that, that he felt very uncomfortable about that. Oh, that poor guy. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't, well, you've always got a choice. Mm-hmm. Well, some people just don't like to rock the boat. And Alan Young is one of those very nice, congenial people I dealt with that I could yeah. see him not wanting to really rock the boat. Yeah, I haven't heard the word congenial in a long time, and that's a very nice compliment. I'll give you an example of that. Um, I arranged for him to be at the Spurvac Convention in 2008 over the Sportsman Watch, and mm-hmm. he lived a couple of cities over, and he wasn't driving, so he said, I'm going to just take a cab, and <gasps> I said, "And I said, Alan, I'll be happy to reimburse. No, no, Walter, I'll take care of it. You know, just those little common things yes. he would do. How sweet. Mm-hmm. Well, he was a wonderful person. He was a wonderful entertainer. He made a lot of people smile, a lot of people happy, and it's sad that he's not here, but I'm glad he was. You know how he got the Mr. Ed part? I don't recall. You may have mentioned it at one time. George Burns... George Byrne owned the show. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, it was one of the TV shows he produced and owned outright. Uh-huh. And they were trying to figure out who could, who, who, they needed somebody, a sidekick for Mr. Ed. And George said, you know, Alan looks like somebody who would talk to a horse. So that's when they decided to choose Alan Young. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked. Yeah. It worked. And, and it worked. I know he loved that horse. Oh, yeah. He loved Mr. Ed. So, anyway, Alan Young. We have lost Alan Young from our presence. We also, lost, Ju- we, also, we also lost Julius LaRosa. 
I did not know that. Yeah. How old was Julia? 86. My gosh. Mm-mm. <sighs> okay. Well, that kind of feeds into one of the quotes that I pulled for tonight that made me smile. I don't even know who said it. I think it was attributed to Anonymous, and a million people have said it <laughs> in the meantime. Growing old is mandatory, but growing up is optional. Ah, uh, very nice. like that one. Very nice. I, I don't ever want to grow up. I want to be Peter Pan for the rest of my life. And... I tried to do some homework for you this week, and I was kind of a bomb. I did try, though, but just for the heck of it, I found out the origin of the word piggy banks. And when you have a piggy bank uh-huh. and you put money in uh-huh. it, uh-huh. it actually comes from the Middle Ages. And it was from the use of family money being put in jars. And it, those jars were made from a type of clay called pig P-Y-G-G, but it was pronounced pig, and that's where a piggy bank comes from. Money that went into the jars made of pig. Very nice. I like that. I thought thought you would like that. And then on Friday, we had Be a Millionaire Day, which was very good. And I picked Friday because it was also Pick Strawberries Day. I had strawberry tonight. Good. Oh, you're right on target. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the 21st, Saturday, Armed Forces Day. Thank you, everyone, and your families of our Armed Forces people. You are so special. You keep us safe, and we just love you to pieces. You know what? There was a stat I heard a few weeks ago that really just shakes my head. You know what the percentage of the U.S. population are now vets? No. Okay, I guess. Of the entire population, boy, mm-hmm. that's, and when you say vets, are you are you talking about people who served in the military or Correct. people overseas who have served in the military? In the mil in the military, okay. Um, I'll say fifteen percent lower. Really? Yep. Eight percent lower. How many? One. I guess. One percent of three hundred million people is a lot of people, but I I tend to think in terms of adults. I forget that we've got a lot of people. Yep. Eighteen and under, or seventeen and under. Yeah. But still, one percent. We have so many people with us from World War Two. Right. The Korean conflict. Right. Vietnam. Right. Iran and Iraq. Right. And everybody who served in between right. without conflict or war. Right. We've always had a military. Right. I mean, a really strong military. And 1%. That's what they say now. My gosh. I'll, I'll, I'll really have to ponder that one. Wow. Well, in any event, today is Armed Forces Day. And I think that's a very... Good one to say thank you to. Amen. Amen. It's also National Memo Day, whatever the heck that is. I don't know. (laughs) 
it is also Saturday, National Waiters and Waitresses Day. I think they call them servers now rather than stewards and stewardess on airplanes and stuff like that there. But waiters and waitresses have always been on in the top three of underappreciated people in our world. I can't – anybody in a service position is vulnerable to being underappreciated, and I think waiters and waitresses are pretty darn close to the top of the list. So I'm very glad that they have a day all to themselves. And the 23rd, which is Monday, is Lucky Penny Day. Do you know what a lucky penny is? When you see or find, if when you find a penny mm-hmm. on the ground, mm-hmm. when are you not supposed to pick it up? I don't know. My dad picked up every every one. I pick, I don't care. I pick every <laughs> one of them up. I've got the dirtiest pennies in my penny jar. I just I pick them up from all over. Right. A lucky penny is a heads up penny. An unlucky penny is tails up. And people who grew up with old wives' tales, no matter how much they wanted a penny, if it was tails up, they would not pick it up. Can you imagine? Nope. Nope. Uh Uh-uh. I I can't either, but I do have old wives' tales. If we get a break tonight, mm, tell me to go to some old wives' tales. And we haven't done useless but fun in so long that some of them have been dragged around for two years. So on May 21st, Charles Lindbergh landed the spirit of St. Louis near Paris. He had completed his solo flight across the Atlantic Ocean. And on May 21st, 1880, oh, I'm sorry, that was 1927. Did I say that? No, everybody, everybody knows it was 1927. Except me. <laughs> Patricia did not know until she read it. May 21st, 1881, the American Red Cross was founded. Thank you, Clara Barton. And in 1901, Connecticut became, I should have asked you this question, gosh darn it, Connecticut was the first state to pass a speed limit law for motor cars. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, in the 1700s and 1800s, maybe even, yeah, 1700s. There were mileage, you know, miles per hour limits on carriages and horses and yeah. stuff like that. There. That's why but U.S. Motor vehicles. That's why U.S. Mm-hmm. That's why U.S. Grant got arrested while he was president for speeding. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think that's a hoot. You <laughs> um, got a ticket, but anyway, it was limited to 12 miles an hour in cities and 15 miles an hour on country roads, and if you were competing with horses just kind of cantering or walking, I, I guess those were pretty reasonable speed limits. Yeah? Sure. Why not? I, I like that. What the heck? Sure. 12 miles an hour. Sometimes I do wish, well, you know, 15 miles an hour, um, 15 miles and 20 miles an hour in school zones when kids are getting out of school, sure. you do 15 miles an hour in school zones. Sure. And it feels like you're creeping. You're really not. I mean, if you whack somebody at 50 miles an hour, you can really hurt them. Oh, yeah. yeah. But um, that was it, 15 miles an hour on country roads, 12 miles an hour in cities. 
And for you, I did some national park information. Remember last week yes. I was supposed to look for that? I was supposed to look for something else, too, but and it's here somewhere. I remembered it, but then I forgot it. So you want to give me a, oh, nas- you want to give me a national park question? I'll give you a national park question. How many national parks do we have in the United States? Um, uh, excuse me. United States beyond continental. And they can be territories. They can be states. Mm. They, whatever it is, we have a national park in these locations. How many do we have? Uh, I've got two numbers in my head. I'm going to go with the lower one first, 19. Go with the higher one. 27. 58. Wow. Can you imagine? No. I mean, some of these I can't even pronounce. Mm-hmm. I do have a list, and if you have nothing better to do later. <laughs> okay. Let me see. Who, which was the first national park? No, erase that. Mm-hmm. Which president signed the first national park into law? Abraham Lincoln? No. Oh, man, I thought you would get this. That's what I, I always thought. I, had, I got it wrong. That's what I always thought because he signed um, Yosemite, I thought. So, um, hmm. Thomas Jefferson? Nope. And, you know, after I read this, I think we had this one night. Mm-hmm. I said Theodore Roosevelt because he was such a conservation-minded right. person. Right. And forget it. It was, um, the correct answer was Yellowstone National Park, mm-hmm. which tips over in, into Wyoming, Montana, and yep. Idaho. I've been there. It was first, it would, I know you were. Yeah. Yellowstone was the first national park. It was signed into law in 1872, and it was President Grant. Good old Ulysses. 2,219,000 acres. Good old faithful there. With mud holes and everything. So anyway, that's, that's your, and I got that one wrong. I, I answered Theodore Roosevelt, and it wasn't. It was President Grant. So that's, that's your question, your launch question. Perfect. Um, and we have to go down a couple of more before we get to one where, where I had a correct answer. Oh, dear. The end. All right. I yeah, go ahead. Oh, you ready? Okay. I have one yeah. I have one theme for for Patricia. Oh, oh, we ha- oh, that's right. I have a theme for tonight. Too. Good. Good. You go want what, you want to do your theme first or my theme first? Well, you do your theme first and then I'll do mine and we'll roll dice and see which one we have to pick. We, maybe we should pick two. We we could do two. Cuz I came up with this during the show last night and I want to continue it cuz I think our family would love love to participate in this theme. How many cookies are in a dozen? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a good. How many cookies? Walden, how many cookies are in a baker's dozen? Thirteen. Very good. When it comes to cookies, we know our stuff. Okay, what's your theme? I think one of Patricia and my favorite show that we rarely talk about is Information Place. Yes, yes, yes. So, Patricia? Yes? If we were going to start... On radio today, the Information Police show. Mm-hmm. Who should be on it in today's personalities? In today's personalities? Yes. 
great question. I pass on Alice Trebek. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm really serious. No, he he's he's a very nice person, mm-hmm. but he just wouldn't cut it. Information, please. Uh, well, would information please even fly? That's what. That's what we. That's what with the conversation. Would it even work? It wouldn't work. We've got stupid people saying, "How many fingers are on your right hand?" And they say, "I need to call my friend." And I'm. I should get to Tom Bokoff. The, the stupid level. Mm-hmm. I, the, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I'm. I'm. Information. I want Franklin P. Adams. I don't care <laughs> how you do it. I want Franklin P. Adams, please. I thought Tom Bokoff would be a nice personality to host the show. He would be great as a host. Mm-hmm. What a great pick. What made you come up with him? I don't know. Somebody that would be congenial. That would still have some... Uh, a combination of congenial and somebody you would believe that I think and 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 uh-huh. would be smart enough to be on a, sh- a pa- to be you know to ask questions and to and to repertoire mm-hmm. with with the panel. So Tom Brokaw is a very easy person to listen to. Correct. And I know he's got a sense of humor. He smiles a lot. Right. So that's so that's my oh. that's my that is my nomination as the uh, as our host he, for information. He got please. the easy one. Now, who do you think today's music genre could be Oscar Levant? Oh, my goodness. There is none like Oscar. So we need somebody to be an Oscar, a John Turner, and an FPA. Do you know who would have been, and this is past tense, mm-hmm. who would have been a master at this? Tony Randall. Uh, perfect. Perfect. He would have been terrific. He 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 just he would have. Period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except he's not with us. I know. So I want a personality that is still with us. Two could be, if we were to, if Patricia, if we were going to take information, please on the road. Mm-hmm. And and if we were discussing last night, would it even work today? And that's probably a good question. To, to are we to the and point? It, yeah. You know? It, well, I'm going to have to think about that, and we're holding up our family on calls over this. It, I, has, do you think the majority of our family has heard an information, please, and knows the show that we're talking about? Mm, probably probably not in a long time. It's probably, we should... We should probably have Mark Grams on one night and just devote another show to information, please. Another show to information, uh-huh. please. And maybe when we take a break later, mm-hmm. you could just insert a, a portion of a show. Any one of them would be great. The, the ones with Oscar Levant were fabulous, I think. I mean, I'm prejudiced yeah, in I, that department. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I don't know if I added. have anything handy at the moment. I just go dig around. But, you know, eventually I could... Uh, Cause I always love the Oxford event one myself. You oh know. my gosh! Oh my gosh! Yes. Um, if I Dropbox one to you uh-huh. while we're talking, would that yes. make a difference? Yes, it would. I'd, I will. I will find one when we start. Uh, and I'll apologize for being distracted, but I've got them <laughs> on my desktop. So. <laughs> I'll find one with Oscar Levant and um, you know maybe even a Boris Karloff, and 
give people a taste of what we're talking about, mm-hmm. I think it's one of the best shows that was ever put on radio. Four panelists answering questions that were submitted by the audience, all of them. There were three regulars, actually two regulars. Um, Oscar was fairly regular, Oscar Levant, and then they always had a guest. They would field questions that were sent in by the audience, and Clifton Fadiman, who was the book reviewer for the New York Times, New Yorker or New York Times? He, well, I think he probably did. Probably did both. The New Yorker, you know, he read a book a day. I know, and he was so brilliant, and never flaunted it. It just came out in the way. He presented himself and the kinds of questions he asked, his sense of humor. He had a great sense of humor. And you knew he was brilliant, but he never advertised it in terms of anything he said or did. So it was a great, fun show. They all had a sense of humor. They all had great fun with really intricate, detailed questions. And Oscar Levant was not only brilliant in everything he did, and he did everything, he was the resident musician. So we have to play a piece of that. I will, you know, I mean, you can just take from the middle and, and drop it right in as a sample of mm-hmm. what's there. So, but Dan, Dan, Dan Golden Paul, the producer, had, he, he did not take no for an answer because he, <laughs> he recruited that, he, he knew who he wanted on his panel and he, uh, he, he would not take no and just drag, kept begging, pleading, Demanding the, until he got the uh, the people he wanted for, mm-hmm. for, to make that show work. So, well, I I will go up to Radio Gold Index and find information, please, and just run down the list and find an Oscar and pull it from my collection and send it to you. Perfect. Amen. And for the most part, I can see my computer tonight. Hey. Oh. Boy, that that was a rough period there for a while, <laughs> and it only happened for three or four hours a night. But my goodness, you got so I have to get shows ready for this week, don't I? Uh huh. It's showtime for Patricia. Mm. Yeah, you gotta get ready for the awful show and interview Dick Tracy all the same week. <laughs> you know, if it were Dick Tracy, it would be easy. <laughs> it really would be. I mean, how did how did how did you finally How'd get flat top? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. When, when did you finally propose? How did you propose to Tess Trueheart? To, yeah, to Tess and, yeah. and um, B.L. Plenty and stuff like that there. And how, so, anyway. And how's Junior doing today? And Junior, yes. Yeah. And Junior was adopted, was he not? That's right. And, and Tess Trueheart and Sam Ketchum. And Vitamin Footheart. I don't remember that one. And, I'll have to go through the characters. This oh, is yeah. good. This is good. Okay. Barbara is not on Facebook. We can take all of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, She'll be thrilled that I, I remembered. Amen. Okay. I'm ready. All right, family. Here we go. 714 Yes, you had a busy signal because I had the phone off the hook. But I put it on the hook because I wanted to have Patricia have the floor. 
714. And the walls and the whatever, whatever. I've got some great quotations. While I, you know I have a Nook. A lot of people have Kindles. A lot of people have Nooks. I chose Nook. I should have chosen Kindle because I'm getting robbed on some of the free books. But in any because because they're only up on Kindle and not on Nook. But anyway, one of the books that I got for free is One Thousand and One Great Things People Said, and I think that's the title of it. But you get the gist. And so I'm about two-thirds of the way through, and I've pulled out a handful of quotes that I thought were particularly poignant or fun. And the first one I pulled is, age is a question of mind over matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. And that was Satchel Paige. I like that. I like it. And what surprised me is how many out of a thousand and one and how many people have we had all the way back to the Roman Empire he was at least I've come across at least three and I'm only half to three quarters of the not even I guess not even half yet he was such a wise person he had these wonderful sayings or pieces of wisdom that he shared and I thought it was really cute so anyway that's a satchel page and I have a whole bunch more hello Carl you're on with Patricia Hi, this is Marilyn from Converse. Hi, Marilyn. Well, hello, Marilyn. We have not talked with you for a while. How are you? Well, fine. I just had trouble getting through, you know. Uh, yeah, oh, I know. Wait, wait a minute. No, nobody ever calls us. I mean, how could you, how could you ever have trouble getting a hold of So what's new by you, and how is stuff in Texas? Good. Have you gotten any of that bad weather the last couple of months? Or, uh... Rain. Rain and more rain, <laughs> you know. So you have ducks in the backyard yet? Well, we have frogs back there. We've uh. got all kinds of stuff. Oh. Is your area vulnerable to flooding? Um, well, not really, but it's uh, when it rains, we get a river at, uh, kind of or kind of a river kind of out in our backyard, or, you know, Kind of like a little, I guess they call uh-huh. it a pond or whatever, you know. But yeah, you have hail. And your house is you have your hail. House is okay. You have hail problems <laughs> or anything like that. We did, and we had to, we had to take our car in to get to see the damage, you know, um, to get the damage looked at. But that only happened one time, I think, a month ago or something like that. Mm. But Not what I was going to ask you guys is. Yeah. Do they still have postum like uh you know the the on yes. the, on the radio shows? Yeah. Yes do they, they do. Still, do they still have postum that you can buy to drink, you know? Yes they do. Oh. I I think it was John in Maryland saw it in his supermarket. It is up on amazon.com and a couple oh. of other places. Well, I think some, yeah, I, people, some people I've don't like had it. I've posted them, yeah. them so long, I forgot what it tasted like, you know. And I've never tasted it. Walden, have you ever? No. But, you know. It kind of reminds me. I'm getting the impression from a couple of people that maybe it's not something that should be on my bucket list. Well, both of them are cof- a coffee substitute, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And it was supposed to be you could drink it at night, and it wouldn't you wouldn't have trouble sleeping, or you'd, have, you know. 
you, uh-huh. you remember in the 70s, the, and it advertised itself heavily at the coffee substitute, especially with, you know, the coffee without caffeine? You remember what brand that, what that was? Oh, it was Horlicks. Horlicks? It had no caffeine, and it wasn't supposed to keep you awake, and Postum was another one. Yeah. I would think of another brand. And tell me again the, the year. 70s. The 19, in the 1970s. That would have been Sanka. Yes. I would think of oh, Sanka. Oh, Sanka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't remember Sanka. Uh, you know, Which I never one, tasted. One thing I wanted to tell you guys is I really enjoyed Celeste. Oh. So much, you know. She, Isn't she I, fun? Yes. She is. Yes, she is. And Wait I just minute. wanted to, if she's listening... Uh, I just wanted to tell her that I enjoy hearing her talk over, you know. Now, 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 my two coffee lovers here. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Let me ask you a big hard question. Never hard, never hard. No, no. No Maxwell House, that's it. No, no, that's not Maxwell House. It's a question I've never okay. asked you two before. All right, I'm ready. Is coffee really coffee if it doesn't have caffeine? far as I'm concerned, no, it's not. Yeah, I don't, see, I don't. I mean, that, that's like taking the zip like, out of chocolate, for goodness sakes. Yeah, I don't, I don't like the, I'm like Patricia, I don't like the uh, uh, decaf. So, no. Okay, so. I, I so, want the whole thing. Okay, so. It's like a marshmallow without the marsh. So, the ca- so what do they do? Do they just squeeze the caffeine out? Do they just take the, caf- the coffee nut yeah. and crack it they open? And- it, they put it through some kind of a process that. Used to be, please don't quote me on this, this is something that could be a wives' tale that was circulated, but when Sanka first came out and the decafs were becoming increasingly popular, one of the pieces of information that was circulated was that they used a type of benzene, which is cleaning fluid, (laughs) to flush to flush the caffeine out of this stuff. It, it was a cousin to benzene. It was not benzene itself, but you could have used it as cleaning fluid. And that discouraged me from even wanting to taste the stuff, although I, I did at one time taste Sanka, and it was dreadful, just dreadful. I mean, I didn't care for it either, I don't think. Yeah. Um, and it was I think I only tried on it one time, and I didn't, I didn't care for it. You, yeah. How old were both of you when you first had your cup of, first cup of coffee? You want to know? Yeah. You sure you're <laughs> 10 years old? Yeah, I'm not surprised. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was pretty grown up. I don't remember. Because I was, when I... I would think maybe a, a teenager. Really? For, uh-huh. for a, you know, a full cup of coffee, maybe even college. I was such oh. a... Because I remember I'd go over to my grandma's house, and that was my d- dad's mom, you know, but mm-hmm. I'd, go over to, I'd go over to his house and... Um, or her house, and she would fix. She'd have her cup cup of coffee in the afternoon or whatever, and sometimes in the morning she'd have coffee. And so I just decided one day I was going to try it. And she says, "Well, if you try it, you're going to drink it black. You're not going to drink it with all that <laughs> sugar and cream and all that kind of stuff." All that but, stuff, yeah. And I liked it. it you know, I got. But then when I went to the school for the blind, they didn't allow us to have coffee until oh. we were juniors or seniors and, you know. Uh-huh. 
then they allowed us. Interesting. Uh, what? This is really interesting. Okay, now you you went to the school for the blind, so they controlled your diet. I mean, this was residential type stuff. So they controlled what you had for lunch yeah. and dinner. They you didn't get a menu like, for that. Like um, and and your your actual living schedule. You had a life schedule that you had to follow. What mm-hmm. other things were not on the list? No coffee. No guys in your room. Well, no, we couldn't. We couldn't uh, smoke or drink anything like that. You know, uh-huh. of course. Did you have um, was everything like a cafeteria style breakfast, lunch, and dinner? So actually, when we were in the first grade and all that, they sat us down in the meal. Of course, the meals were already on the plate. You know, and, um, and they made us eat everything, which is, which is, I guess why sometimes when I had sweet potatoes I didn't like their sweet potatoes so you know I'll take yours so to this day I don't care for sweet potatoes you know but I'll have yours I'll give you my mashed potato what would you like in exchange I'll eat everybody's sweet potato pumpkin like pumpkin pie or something like that you know oh sure you can have my pumpkin pie I'll trade that for a sweet potato Okay, I guess. Oh, you don't like pumpkin pie, huh? Oh, I like pumpkin pie. I just love sweet potatoes. (laughs) Oh, and you like the marshmallows in them, right? Or no, no. I I take a sweet potato, I put it in the microwave for eight minutes, and then I take it out and scrape it out and put margarine on it and eat it. See, which I'm going to do when we take a break later. Maybe I think maybe I would like that uh, better than the school made them. You know. Mm-hmm. No, the, the, candied, the candied stuff and marshmallows, no. No, I don't like that either. Mm-mm, I'm on your side. No, if that's what you're going to give me, you may not have my pumpkin pie. <laughs> now, Melon, did they have, the school for the blind, did they have, you know, manners and things, you know? Oh, yeah, they, like, like um, you know, the way they taught us to... to Eat with our we eat with a spoon and fork. They right. had they broke a piece of bread in half, and we had to hold one piece of bread, half of bread, and push the food onto our spoon or right. or whatever with the bread. You know, right? But that's how they taught us to do it at school. But okay, I want to go back to what was not on the list. A no, no. So you you had no coffee. You weren't going to get coffee at any of your meals. What else during any time in school did you not have something that you were allowed to have when you grew what? up and got out? Well, for a while we weren't allowed to have soda pop, you know. Um, oh, really? But then they got soda pop machines in the dorm and we could <laughs> have it any time we wanted. And, you know. and the school got a cut. <laughs> okay, I got that. All right, and what else? Candy sometimes. You know, we weren't allowed to have candy unless somebody brought it from home to share with every, we, we had to share with everybody, you know. Wow. Oh. I mean, we couldn't just keep the candy and shit and eat it, you know. They doled it that out. Thanks. They took it away from us and doled it out, you know. So what happens you got it in the mail from, from home? You supposed to share they, it? They knew what we got in the mail. They went through our mail, stuff like that. Wow. Yep. My gosh. And they took your candy? Yep. They would, well, 
actually, nobody ever sent me any candy. Now, one time, my my mom's mom, she made me some fudge, and I snuck it in my room. Well, of course, this was when I was in the seventh or eighth, sixth or seventh grade, and I kept it in my room, and nobody knew about it but me and one of my friends, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. I'm on your team. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Okay, so were they were they organized social activities? In other words, would they have a school dance and then teach you guys how to dance before the dance, or how? Yeah, we had a prom and stuff like that, uh-huh. you know. And uh, we had our own rec center, and it was uh, in another building, and we had a swimming pool and a bowling alley, you know. So you guys play? You cool. guys, did you guys play basketball? Yeah. I never really played basketball. You never played basketball, okay. Um, 411, I don't, you know. Can you swim? I can swim a little bit, but I can't swim straight, uh, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So if we threw you overboard, you don't know which direction you're going, and you can come right right. back to the boat. That's That's good. That's right, yeah. This is good. You keep stroking hard with one arm, and eventually you're going to make a circle. Yeah. So you get back and bonk on the boat, yeah. Okay, so would you, uh, did you ever, could you get leave? In other words, once you were on the facility? Yeah, well, actually, we were allowed to go home. At, well, when we were, when I first started to go go to school, we were only allowed to go home in certain, certain times of the year, um, which was like a week at Christmas. We could, we stayed till after New Year's and then we, came back, you know, and then some, may, uh, maybe sometimes Thanksgiving, but some of us had to stay there because there was no way we could get home then, you know. That must have been incredibly hard on you and the other kids. It was. Cause, well, there were some kids that lived near Kansas City that could go home, you know. Yeah. And they, they would always brag about how they could go home, and then, of course, the ones of us that couldn't. We, we kind of got homesick, but, you know. I'll bet you did. Do you, you think most kids were unhappy going to a boarding school? Because, you know, it boarded, it boarded and away from the family. You think it was, you think it was hard? I think, I think they were, you know. Yeah. It, it sounds like it was extremely difficult. Does, does this mean that you were at, at the school during the summer months as well? Oh no, no. When once the summer was here, we we left. We went home around the twenty seventh of May, and we didn't go back until about the second of September, I think it was. You know? So that would have been pretty close to the traditional school schedule then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what grade okay. was it? First grade through or kindergarten through? It was first grade. They didn't. They they had a kindergarten at one time, but I wasn't there when they had the kindergarten. And what did it go up to? Uh, the 12th grade. And then what? And then we just went home, and, and of course I graduated when I, uh, you know, I made it through graduation, of course. But, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, then, and then after that, I went to, when it, when about nine months uh, later after I graduated, or I think it was, yeah, I went to the center in Topeka, Kansas, and, you know, uh, that that's a center that they taught you how to do stuff like 
like I learned to do uh, weave tennis rackets and all that kind of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised I you talked about that yeah. one night. Huh? I'm surprised those things weren't taught at the school. That way, once you graduate, you had a head start. And they didn't—they didn't really teach mobility at school either. We had to really? learn. Really. We couldn't use a cane outside. We had to go, you know. Uh, but after that, we—when we got into high school, they—they mm-hmm. they gave us a cane, and we had to learn to use it. But so, um, did did anybody ever have a guide dog? No. I think there was an assembly, a general assembly, where they talked about the guide dog. Uh-huh. Nothing ever came of it, you know. I'll be darned. So, so you you had what euphemistically, I guess, would be called book learning, but in terms of life skills, yeah. you were. We, we learned to do home ec, cooking, stuff like that. In the seventh uh-huh. grade, we, you know, that was... Yeah. But in terms of occupational work uh, and preparation... In fact, that's that when I much, first... Was, you were on your own with that. That's when I first started to learn to knit, too, when I was in the seventh grade and stuff like that. Uh-huh. So, even by the... I thought that was the neatest thing to learn to knit, you know. Boy, I'll bet. Okay. So, from first to sixth grade, you would have... One teacher, I'm assuming, like uh, that would teach all the courses. That well, actually, when we got to the sixth grade, we had a we had two teachers. Hmm. Yeah. So the seventh in the seventh grade, we had a lot of teachers. Okay, so that's why I was wondering when did they start the uh, you know that you had to move from class to class format. Yeah, that was, that was the seventh. in the seventh grade. Uh-huh. We did that, and then in the seventh grade we. We had what they called an initiation, which they made us do weird stuff one day, all day long, you know, like wear these costumes and stuff <laughs> all day long at school. Yes, I'm, I'm familiar with initiation days. Yep. <laughs> okay, so uh, your class, your roommate, I'm assuming the school picked out who, we're going, who you're going to bunk with for the year, right? Yeah, they did. So what happened if you two didn't get along? We had to learn to get along. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And then hmm. my mom, my mom, one one time they they room they chose a black person for me to have for a roommate. Mm-hmm. And and my mom and dad didn't like that too much, but you know. Oh my goodness! Wow. When I think, golly. That's kind of prejudice. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it. But 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 when I was home in the summertime, we had we had black people that lived next to us, and we and they let us go over to their house all the time. You know. Mm Mhm. So you know, I can't I couldn't understand really why they were prejudiced when I was going to school. Right. And and then they let us go play together. But they wouldn't let my mom wouldn't let us eat over there. At their house, you know. Huh. And for you, it didn't make a heck of a lot of difference. You didn't I know the difference. Black and white, it didn't make a lot of difference. Right. Because I like black. You didn't know. I like all kinds of people, you know. You you were the fortunate one in this whole thing. Yeah. 
Okay, so how was discipline? It was discipline very tough, or was it like... Um, we got spankings every once in a while, <laughs> you know. Wow. So how was it at your school, Walden? Uh, well, I, they... I, yeah, I've always, I, 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 California's been blessed, because John Lurie never went through it, I, I never went through it, we never went through a, a blind school, so I was always oh. in a fully integrated school system. Oh, okay. and so you... So, How did you learn Braille and all that kind of stuff? Well, basically, what they would do, because uh, I lost my son at 10, they had an assigned class that I could, you know, that I could, at the beginning, I spent several periods there, and then throughout, uh, once I would do Braille, I, I would take all my classes eventually in with everybody else and then have one period a day to double check with Braille or, or if I had to have some note taking like a like a home class. Eventually that's out did you know about color? I mean you were you were sighted before, right? Right. Or you So I knew color, oh. I knew I, I knew my numbers and everything. So I that my when I was ten I had that that one year I had a transition. I lost yeah. a, I lost a year pretty much being blind. And then I had a transition uh, to learn everything. Yeah. And so. So you went. You went to public school. Uh, always. Uh huh. Always. Huh. Always. Yeah. And they taught Braille at the public school. Yes. And in fact, um, I was very fortunate in my area. They, the, the different school districts would, would recruit certain people. In other words, uh, I went, Garden Grove was just a half hour away. They took all the blind kids into the public school system. Oh. All the hard hearing kids, like my brother, they would stay here in my area for the Newport School District. So they had spe- specialists in each of the district. But so did you did you learn sign language or anything? Nope. Nope. I never had that kind of hearing loss. Oh. But, um, but I was very fortunate um, we knew the head of the school district here in Newport Mesa, and he told my folks, whenever Wall wants to come home to his school district, we'll put up the money and, and hire yeah. personal people. And so, well, what, I, I know my parents, they had to buy my ticket, you know. Uh-huh. And I had to, the one of the house, one of the people from the school would take us to the train station. Um, we would... They would put us on the train, and then we would go from, say, Kansas City to Wichita, uh, to Pratt, Kansas, mm-hmm. which is where, I, which is that was my hometown. Right. And uh, then after a while, they took off that particular train, the Rock Island train, and they put us on buses. Mm-hmm. No, but what we did for the special kids with special disability, we had our own personal bus service. Which oh, was really? a van that took it up and down to classes, and then, but no, what I was talking about once to school, once I was ready to come back to my own school district and take classes in my area, uh, my school district put up personal money to for make that work just for me. Wow. Yeah. So I, I was very fortunate. Wow. Well, I guess I better let y'all go because I want to give other people. Okay. A chance, Thank you, Melon. Okay. This has really been great, Marilyn. Thank you for sharing all the information.
Oh, okay. Thank you. I'm glad to share. Yeah. We learn stuff around here. And 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 how. I said hello, and I like the way she talks. (laughs) You like that Texas? (laughs) Yes, I do. You like that Texas accent, huh? I wish I could meet her sometime. Ah. You know. (laughs) Why not? Well, we're we're hooking it. We're having... We are having different family reunion. Last week we had Chad and Dan meet in Kentucky. I said I had to take a guy from Nebraska and a guy from Indiana, and I met in Kentucky. Go figure. Yeah. But I did it, so you know. Yeah, yeah. So. You did good. Well, thank you, Marilyn. Okay. Give yourself a great week and be safe. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. Our number. You can talk to the adorable one. Who's here? One who's got a twin voice somewhere out in cyberspace. I know. I had forgotten about that one. It really was spooky. So, you know, so if you if you got a twin sounding like sister out there, then your, your sister must have a twin Facebooker. You know, just something right. like that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I was disappointed that I did not catch this lady's name and I did not write down the name of the station which I of course should have done who could have known that live 365 was going to evaporate no nobody I'm not sure I could have found the program again anyway but my goodness wasn't that spooky I would have told the jury that's my voice <laughs> that'll uh, teach me to keep my mouth shut that is huh? true that is true Hello there, you're on the air. John from Maryland. Hi, John. John from Maryland, and ten minutes to go before bedtime. I know, so i got to go fast. No, I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to late church tomorrow, so I... You are. Yeah, 11 o'clock, so I'll be, I'll be So what time do you have to get out the door by to make 11 o'clock? You, by 10.30, what time do you guys sneak out? 10.30. Okay. It takes about 15 minutes to get to church. Boy, remember the... So you, you get the pick of the seats. You know what used to frost me? What that? Get what? there in time to get an aisle seat, and you say, okay, this is great. And the ushers would come through and say, okay, shove over. We've got more people. Well, I don't think so. I'll stand up and I, I, walk I, past me. I was here I, 20 minutes I, ahead of time. I can't get up and walk to the altar or anything for communion. They, they bring it to me. I wonder if there's any churches today that still have, like, you know, the really, really old churches had pews, was like, that, that the families almost sat in it every week, which almost signed to mm-hmm. certain families. Mm-hmm. I, wonder if that's, I wonder if that tradition is even still hold anywhere today. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. You know who might know something about that is Dave in Rhode Island. That's a good point. He might he might be able to help us with that one night. Because, you know, I, I, I don't know that was sort of like a fundraiser for the church. They did it that way. That'd be my guess, but I, I don't know. No, that was just, and I remember as kids, if during the week, not so much on, on Sunday, mm-hmm. um, but during the weekday services, you would see family sitting in exactly the same places every day. <laughs> That's that still goes on. Does it really? Yeah, my aunt, she, I have an aunt, and she goes to a church in, in um, Baltimore County. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's the same place every Sunday. And she knows everybody around her, and they always sit in the same place. Isn't that interesting? Okay, here's the question then. Mm-hmm. How early do they have to get to church ahead of the beginning of the service in order to lay claim to that particular place in the well, church? I, I, think, I don't think my aunt gets there extra special, you know, extra early. I don't think so. But uh, no, I don't. I now, don't even, uh, if, if I were a visitor, this is a serious question now. It sounds mm-hmm. terrible, but if I were a visitor and I sat in a place where a parishioner was just customarily sitting, would I be asked to move? No. Nobody would say anything. Because I was sitting one pew from the front, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they usually put things on that first pew. When they have communion, they have the the place where you pick up your uh, little glass for communion wine. And and, and, uh, they usually keep, keep things there, so I usually don't sit in that pew. But once in a while, like, uh, uh, what was it, Pentecost? I think it was Pentecost. Or maybe it was before Pentecost. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. You had the confirmation class, and the first two pews were reserved. And I didn't see the flap over the pew that said reserved. Mm-hmm. And and I was walking, and I was going to walk in there, and I looked, it says reserved. So I, I, I realized what was wrong. So I turned around, and I saw... Uh, a place I could sit on the end. I had to sit on the end. So I saw a place, and I sat down, and I know somebody sits there every week. But I sat down, nobody said a word or mentioned yeah. anything. So, and, and, and especially because that was a special circumstance. My goodness, everybody got me- mixed up that day. Well, John, when you were growing up as a kid, when you went to church, yeah. um, was there part of the time you attended the, the big church, then broke off to Sunday school, or was it always, did they always separate Sunday school from the main church service when you, when it, you were there? It church? was separated. That was downstairs. We had, a, like, a little auditorium downstairs, the church I went to, and the classes went down there, and they went from K to 12. Mm-hmm. In other words, uh, the kindergarten was kept special separate. Okay. They had these folding doors that would fold across and they keep that area separate because they, the things that they were learning, you know, small children, right. know, weren't the same as, uh, like you're in first, second, third, and so on and so forth. And uh, they kept that uh, segregated, so. But, uh, and then if you had everybody attending your, we had classes, and if everybody showed up every Sunday, you'd win the banner, they put a post with a banner on a banner attendance class. Mm-hmm. And everyone strove, you know, strived to have to be the one that had the perfect attendance banner, you know. And Sunday school, when I was going to Sunday school, there was about, I would say, 50 to 60 people, kids, 50 to 60. Now you're lucky if you get 12. Yeah, yeah. But uh, because uh, they're not uh, uh, their parents, it's their parents' fault. They they do a lot of things on Saturday night. They don't want to get up on Sunday and things, so on and so forth. You know. So, but uh, I was brought up to go to Sunday school. Not always Sunday school and church. Mm-hmm. 
sometimes I did it on my own. I said, well, here I might as well go to church, too. I would go up and sit with my family. And so, I didn't have to, but I did. So was it always suspected that your mom had a big Sunday dinner right when you, once you got home? Yeah. As soon as you got home from church, my mother had everything all prepared ahead of time. And, uh, and until the war interrupted and you, you couldn't get, like, roast beef or, you know, something like that. Ate a lot of chicken, a lot of fish. <laughs> so was Sunday dinner the best meal of the week? Yeah, usually was. And remember oh. that old phrase, chicken every Sunday? Yes. Yeah. Well, that came out during the war because that's what it was. Just about every Sunday had chicken. <laughs> there was all kind of some people even raised them. You know, chickens. They were plentiful. Once in a while, if you, you could get. Uh, if my mother would stand in line, or my father would stand in line. They had, they had it there, but you had to have the ration points to to get it. If you didn't have the race, you you sit up on something else. You don't have the ration points, you don't get it. So. Ooh, ooh, Patricia, this is something for you. Yeah. Um, what, what? Ron and Jim found a news show from 1948, and I bet John remembers this. There was a major debate, and they, the, should Oreo have a tax? You know, m- margin and... Oreo or, cookies? You know, Oreo butter. You know, Oreo the, margarine. The, the oh, Oreo, oh, yes. yes. So, so they found a show where they had oh, a yeah. hot debate whether, it should be, whether they should have a tax on it or not. Which makes me think or want to ask, butter and dairy products did have a tax, and they wanted to know whether or not margarine or oleo, as it was called, should be included in that? I don't know. What, dairy products? My guess is there were no tax on food, right? No, there still is. Well, in Maryland, there's no tax. Right. But uh, back then, you had to pay they wanted the oleo tax. I remember that. You know, they were trying to consider whether oleo was food. <laughs> I don't know what else you call it. <laughs> but a lot of people didn't know, really know what it was what it was made of. But they they had a little pill in the package and your mother would my mother would take her hands and squish it back and forth, making it soft and the pill eventually would like dissolve and tint that oleo uh, an orange color. Appeared to be like mm-hmm. it. There was no taste to it. I don't know why people would go to the trouble of doing that. All it was is coloring. So, but anyway, did we have a sugar substitute in the forties or not? You know, I mean, if we forties, yes. Get here. You know, we I, had it, a debate with butter. And I was just wondering when did we it, start having a sugar kind of, substitute? It's some kind of junk to come out that didn't taste very good. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But. If you got butter, I don't even know how much you were. It's not the, whether you had it or not. It's whether you had the, the stamps to get it. Like if you would go in and say, uh, only pound of butter, and it's, that's three stamps. So you get three stamps. If you use up your stamps like that, if, if you wanted to get butter, you didn't have enough stamps, you didn't get the butter. <laughs> so would, yeah. would, would family pool coupon together? So in other words, let's say he had your butter... Oh, yeah. I don't recall anything like uh-huh. that. Of course, they may have done it. I don't know. But uh, we weren't allowed to handle uh, the coupon, the ration stamps. You know, so we weren't allowed to touch them. 
So did did your family keep money in the sugar bowl? Did you what? Did your family keep money in the sugar bowl? No, we. My mother had. We had a china closet, and we had a uh, a bag she would put her loose change in. But uh, it was a, like you said earlier, a piggy bank. Right. But it was made out of metal, and uh, like it's. Uh, Newspaper boy was collecting. She go there and she shakes some coins out and go and pay the newspaper boy. But, uh, that's about all she would use that for. I don't know. We might have put it put it in a teacup. I don't know. I don't know how she did it. Because <laughs> there was always this little bank in here. And you know, when your kids and the you want to get something for a nickel, you maybe you can shake it out of there. You know, our trick was to put a fork. I'm not a fork, but a knife. Up inside, and turn it upside down, and put a knife up. Uh-huh. The coin will slide out. <laughs> and my mother couldn't tell if uh, you know <laughs> how much money was in there. <laughs> we take it, you know, if it sounded like a lot of money in there, we put the knife up in there, turn the bank upside down, and the coin would slide out. I know how to do that. <laughs> so, what would you? Did you have an allowance when you were growing up, John? No, no. So any money you got, either you they were given to you or else you you worked for it. When we'd ask for it, uh huh. Can I have uh, time to go to the movies or something like that, or can I get a, a nickel to get a, a ice cream cone? You know. Were there certain chores you expected to do every week at home? No, not really. My mother, uh, my mother, when she got married, she never worked outside the home, and you were talking earlier about cleaning. Maybe it wasn't you. Mm-hmm. Somebody, we had a discussion about house cleaning. My mother cleaned the whole house every day. Yes, we, all we, every day. Yes, we, we talked about Are you yeah, kidding me? Frank Bazin. do it more than once a year? Yeah, Frank Bazin and I were talking about that last night because Bobby cleans every day. Oh, that, that's where I Yeah, and yeah. She, so he was saying Bobby loved to clean. She cleans every day. She cleans outside. She cleans in a... My mom shoots a house, a room in my house every day to clean. And so she has a, a routine every day, of, you know, Monday yeah, through Friday. She would dust and everything. That is so funny. And I sit here and I say, oh, gosh, which one do I have to do today? <laughs> yeah, the last thing she'd do was vacuum. That was the, when, when she did uh-huh. vacuum and then her house cleaning. It was interesting. My mom... My mom, my my grandmother would not allow my mom to to cook. She would let she would let my mom to dust. So here, my mom, my my poor mom, for the last fifty three years, have cooked. We've calculated yesterday thirty five thousand meals, and that's not her favorite thing to do. So what can I say? You know. <laughs> well, see, you know. Do you think your mom could come visit me every once in a while? She loves you. You know, you can move out here easily. Well, that's not quite what I had in mind. (laughs) (laughs) That's an offer. I I would come out, though. I know. Yeah. As long as I could sleep by the refrigerator. You could have any parts of the house. You you could have run to the house. You know that. Hmm. Now, you know, now you want mom to help clean? I mean, my mom could clean your apartment pretty quickly. She, she could yeah, possibly rip through in two hours and have it in a condition that it has never seen before. Yeah, but I mean, would, you, would, your, would your work Maybe. permit you to do that? 
I know you're a writer. Yeah. Yeah, now, that's an interesting question. Would you... Do you have to know what everything is in your house? I mean, you know, in my fa- in my life, those things I'm still looking for. Every time I go to Texas, I haven't seen certain things, Patricia. Oh, dear. Every time your mom goes through in, on a cleaning yes. binge, yes. you don't know where things are. <laughs> yes. Now, the, the, it sounds a little quirky, but I file in piles, and... There are parts that might look like chaos to some people. I know exactly where everything is. Please my don't da- move it. My dad, my dad, the same way. My mom, my, my it's amazing. My folks been married for fifty three years. My dad lives in uh-huh. pile. My dad lives in pile. Mom doesn't want to see any piles in the house. Yeah. You know. No, and I have always been like that. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, forgive me if I've told you this already. When I was working in um, nursing and hospital administration, I had a really long afternoon meeting to go to. And I came back, and the office crew had come in and created a showcase of my office, my desk, my office, my bulletin boards. <laughs> I looked around and I thought, what did you do? And they were just thrilled. I found the urgent file behind a potted plant a couple of days later. I, I mean, it, it was just a catastrophe. Please don't do that. Your mom, yes, yeah, she would, wouldn't she? You would just have to lay the lay the wall down ahead of time, Patricia. Write it out. This is what you expect. You know. <laughs> just don't touch anything. Thank you for coming to clean. Don't touch anything. <laughs> How about you, John? Are you like to work in piles, or you you have you always sort of maintained a clean workplace? I always kept my my desk was always uh, neat. Uh huh. Yeah, I kept uh, pencils and pens and all in the drawer, in the middle drawer in the middle of the desk. Everything was organized. I had uh, paper clips, large and small paper clips. I had everything organized. And then back of me was my file cabinets. And on top of that, I had a bookcase for my manuals. I uh, the company subscribes to all these that engineering. Uh, uh, let's see, uh, engineering comp- not companies. I'm not at a loss for words. Like, uh, like uh, uh, reference books or whatever. They're, they're ma- manuals. Uh-huh. Uh, like every year we get uh, ASTN manual. Uh, that's American Society of Testing Material. Mm-hmm. And I get ASME, American Society, you know, or the API or the SAE Society of Automotive Engineers. I mm-hmm. use it every year, and then first thing I do is go through looking if I can spot any errors or mistakes. A couple times I have. <laughs> so do you write back to him and say, "Hey, I caught you." And uh, so anyway, uh, that's what I my my desk was always clean. Mm. My in basket, out basket. As soon as something come in, I get rid of it. I I take care of it right away. I wouldn't pile anything up. Well, I think we are, it's interesting, and I think it's, it's a way our mind think. I think some people work best when they just see one single piece of paper on the table. Others like to have everything handy, so they get work in pile. Well, it's interesting. Well, I, had, I had associates that, that their desk was a catastrophe, but if they asked them to find something, they knew where it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. See, I'm not alone. 
we had a uh, a time we had to, when the company was making money, we had a basket to be filed, and we had a, a, two people in the ops. All they did was file, and they would come by and take the things out of your basket and file them for you. Well, they got a little austerity program one time. They said they're going to have to let the file clerks go, mm-hmm. and you have to do your own filing. Well, I didn't care. <laughs> but we had one guy. He didn't yeah. file anyway. <laughs> and he had, piles, he had piles of stuff. When he, yes, he wouldn't believe. Or if he asked you for something, he knew where it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. He knew right where it was. I thought my office looked like downtown Beirut in 2003. But I interviewed someone who was, and I'll call him pioneer, when, when you're in southwest Florida, something in the late 1800s was really pioneer stuff. And in the early 1900s, his family, actually, I guess 1800s, um, his family started the only general store on an island off, you know, just on the other side of Fort Myers on an island. You had to get there by ferry. And that was the only way you could get to the general store. If you were going, when I say to the general store, it's the only way you could get from the island to the mainland. And this general store was there. This guy who was past retirement age, quite well past retirement age, had his grandfather's file cabinets in there with wooden racks and wooden cubby holes. The, The place hadn't been dusted since 1889. And... He knew where everything was. There was not a single person who would dare put a finger on a piece of paper. I was really at risk. It was like living in the the Collier Brothers' house in New York City where they booby-trapped with stacks of newspapers and piles of stuff. They booby-trapped the home. And it was just the most incredible experience I have ever seen. It was the only place that ever made my office look great. In the garage, we still have my grandfather's um, filing cabinet. And my my mom's dad was the, the county lawyer. And so we still have in the filing cabinet from the 30s. And, and let's face it, during the Great Depression, nobody had money. So you could see the notes. Got paid for a second set with a chicken. You know, just fun thing to see mm-hmm. how people were trying to survive in the 30s. And so you could see his payment book. Well, I got paid for a chicken by filing this brief today, or whatever. It's just, you know, it's interesting to see what family records there are. Hmm. You know. Well, that's how, that's how it is. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, like, like the desk I'm sitting at right now, mm-hmm. I have a, a two-drawer filing cabinet right next, right next to it. And in the top drawer... We keep all our personal papers in, you know, insurance for the car, right. different things, doctor bills and all, everything, all in the files. My wife come up today and she just filed some new things. If everything's, if you want to find something, just open up the top drawer and look through there and you'll find it. You know, I thought of a good, another great topic, Patricia. Let me ask John. Yeah. In your In your library, John, what are some of your favorite books? Oh, my goodness, uh, Robert Louis Stevenson. Let's see, I used to like Treasure Island. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see what else did I like. 
I gotta think. Some of these titles of the books escape me. But I like those uh, pirate type things. Uh, oh my goodness, you, you caught me the bad time. That's okay. I, well, I, next time, next, next, during the week, look through your library. I'm gonna ask people what. What's their favorite books in the library? I think that'd be a fun topic to find out. Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, Winnie the Pooh is Patricia's nomination. Okay. <laughs> no, it did. well, that's, I would have to think about that. And I think you know, I think that's one like music. It's mm-hmm. similar to music. If you ask a person one week what their favorite music is mm-hmm. or what they would like to hear, it would be different from the following week. See, I think people giving up their favorite books in the library is almost too hard for them to do. Oh boy! I'll wait. I'll wait. Oh boy! Five bags, five shopping bags full of books. Just gave them away. Mm-hmm. My son, my son picked them up, put them in the truck. He's going to take them to the Goodwill. Mm-hmm. Five bags full. Because uh, we're out here in my daughter's house now, and right. my wife would have hundreds of books laying around. So <laughs> he went through them and she filled up these bags, and my son picked them up today. In going to take them to the Goodwill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're the paperback books. You don't buy any good backs any uh, hardback books anymore. I tell you, my mom belonged to a book club once a month, and there are yeah. still people who buy new books. Uh, I mean, that's great to hear for the authors, but my mom gets to snag them, you know, because they all bring it to book club, and they leave them for other members of the book club. Mm-hmm. They want to take them home. Sure. You know? Sure. Yeah, my, my wife gets... Books every uh, uh, all during once a month, I think the mailman delivers a big box of books. But she reads them so fast, and then she's always buying books. Well, she's supporting the author. She'll, she'll take a book and read, you know, sit down and read the whole thing. You know. Mm-hmm. What's her favorite genre? I like this. What's her favorite? I like this. We get to t- we get to talk about messy offices and somebody else who reads a book in a day. I Okay. So, what's your wife's favorite genre of books of right of literature? She likes likes about most anything, mm-hmm. and uh, she likes these love novels. Right. I, I think they're terrible. <laughs> and, and then she she uh, she she read I think everything Pearl Buck ever wrote. Oh. I think she read all of those, and uh, she have a a whole lot of books. She have a little rack. Put on the inside of your cupboard door. What, so, the whole door. Mm-hmm. You put racks and racks of books in it. She got rid of all it. They were all hardback books. Well, so was she always a reader when you were dating her? Was she always a reader? Yeah, she loves to read. Always. And if you're sitting in the, we're sitting in the living room. I'm sitting in my chair. She'd be sitting on a sofa. If I start strike up a conversation, she's like she don't even hear me. <laughs> <laughs> And then she say, I'm reading. <laughs> oh, my. But anyway, that's how it is. Oh, while I got you on the phone, yeah. uh, I got Facebook in front of me, and I got a picture of Bill Bragg and uh, Kim Kramer. That's uh, Sylvia Kramer. Sylvia. I know Sylvia. We're both uh, supposed to be down there yesterday. Yeah, she's standing next to him, Walter. This is no lie. The top of her head only comes to the bottom of his armpit. <laughs> <laughs> she's uh, he's like, pretty tall and like she's a, pretty tiny yeah. then. 
it looks like if they put another person on top of them, she'd be the same height. Well, you know what? They, they were busy cleaning. I was listening to Bill Thursday. Uh, and, boy, it was a little scary there for them because I don't know if people heard the Thursday night show. They have really good neighbors across the street. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, and I don't know if Patricia and some of the listeners might have heard this, but their neighbor cut themselves really bad on the hand. Ooh, is that what it was? Yeah, didn't know. yeah he, 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 he had a workshop, and he told he cut. And so, and they just adopted a baby. So the, the, the mom went and took the daddy to the hospital. And Kim went over and baby. Yeah, and nobody nobody's over at the house with the baby. So they kept talk, calling Kim, calling Bill. They didn't recognize the number because it was out of zero. Then Kim took a chance and realized it was the mom. So they asked Kim to go get the baby. So she was basically, wow. you know. Yeah. But, but no, because they were trying to get the house ready for Sylvia because I think they had, they, they have these stiffy diners, everybody. But because that whole house is in major construction, it's basically a, a workshop with stuff and tools all over. So... They were busy trying to clean it up. That way, Sylvia and her aunt and uncle could. Well, Sylvia, she looks like she's about maybe four feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> he looks. He looks like a yeah. monster next to her. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's been looking at. She. I've been following her posting on Facebook, and so she's been so excited about going down to visit with oh, yeah. Bill and Kim. So I'm glad it's all working out. I imagine she'll get lost in the train. I imagine they got the train going around. She'll be able to <laughs> drive it that around town. Well, I kept I kept swearing. I told my wife, next time I, we go to Texas, I'm going to go up there. <laughs> you should, John. You'll never forget it. Yeah. You'll never forget <laughs> it. I don't, have and you to can take, take it cars. any way you want. Well, I forget what Bill's building now. he got some, some other building project going. Oh, good grief! Yeah, I like it when he. Oh, I know he got a he got a uh, he got a he now got uh green green and red stoplights. Yeah, he, yeah, he he was talking about that. Even the lights on the car, the the, the the truck that looks like it's coming through the wall, he's got those uh, lights that work. Good grief! Stop. Stop like yeah, red. So he got his filling station, his his telephone booth. Whatever, you know, it's just uh <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I would like to make an announcement. There's only one Bill Bragg out there. I don't think there's any other Bill Braggs in the whole whole wide world. He is one unique puppy. There's no doubt about that. Who else would have a telephone booth in the living room besides <laughs> Superman? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like it when I like it when he talks about that, but he doesn't do it too often. But he gets he gets carried away sometimes. But I enjoy that. Well, yeah. Who else has a, a the mural painted on the ceiling? I, I you know besides Bill, I'm feeling better and better about this mess I'm sitting in right now. Besides besides Patricia and Bill, I don't know who else would have a mural painted on the ceiling. Not cross me off that <laughs> list. When I lie down to go to sleep, that's exactly <laughs> what I do. I, mean, I am toast before. You know how people say I'm asleep before my head hits the pillow? I know. The truth is I can do that. Well, I did that the other day. Did you? I, I, I was forced to do it. 
I went to the eye doctor and had my shot. Oh. And that usually gives me unbearable pain. Yeah. And oh. I told him that, so I got the prescription for cetaphetamine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With codeine. And uh, you take it every six hours. Mm-hmm. The last time I did it, it didn't do anything. I still had the pain. And I told him. Well, I went to my I was my heart doctor, mm-hmm. and I said, can I take that? Double dose, he says, oh, no, that's too much codeine. And so he said, but what you can do, he says, if you can take it, and then maybe an hour or two later, take a regular Tylenol. And that'll, that'll do it. But I, I did that mm-hmm. before I laid down at night. I, I was knocked out. I didn't get up till the next morning, and I did, looked like I didn't even move in bed. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But, but the next day, my eye wasn't giving me any pain, so... Oh, that's good. That's good. Okay, well, we have kept you after your bedtime, sir. Yes, and, one minute. <laughs> and, I love, and, and you gave that time to us, and I appreciate it. <laughs> okay, I couldn't think of anything else to talk about. Oh, no, you have a, you, I have one other thing. You, you have a nomination for an information police panel. Who do you think? Information police? Yeah, who do you think today could be on the information police show? Is information, please. Mm-hmm. You have to have a person that's very knowledgeable, right? And one that's knowledgeable and a, and a little comedic, uh, comedic, comedic, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And, and we ran, we just ran out of people. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of the show because I used to listen to that a lot. That's the one that had uh, Oscar Levant and John. Oscar T- Levant, yeah, yeah. John Tenn. all the musical questions. <laughs> Wasn't that so good? I mean, some of those music questions were just holy cow, and they, he, they were so obscure, so yes. out of space, and he could do it. You're right; he did it. Mm-hmm. Music expert, yeah. Yeah, he was um, a good pianist player. He played in one of my favorite movies, and Baldwin knows what that is. Romance on the hey, High Sea. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oscar yeah. Levant. Doris Day. Doris Day, yeah. Uh, Jack Carson. I can't remember who else. Every time it's on television, I watch it. Mm. It's sort of like the musicals from the 20s and th- the 30s, rather, when it's sound, they had sound. I loved all those. And that's when Dick Powell could sing. <laughs> could he ever? He was a good singer at one time. He was a good singer. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, he was. At one time, he was a good singer. That's when all the tenors were popular. I think we talked about this yeah. before. Okay, who all would the... the who would... shows had a tenor. Had to be a tenor. Who with the best tenor, mm-hmm. who with the best tenor in radio? Dennis Day, without a doubt. No doubt, huh? He's the one I liked. I, I would go along with that. Yeah, he was the best. I think so, too. He had a wonderful voice, hit all the notes just right. No falsetto. He had, What's he had his own director. That's right, Van Alexander. Yeah, he didn't use the one that Jack Benny had. That's right. He had his own. <clears throat> you, uh, what I was transferring just before we went on the show tonight, John, and I bet you remember this singer, and he was such a nice guy. You remember Jack Smith? 
Yes, I do. Yeah. Meaning smiling. Yeah, smiling Jack Smith. And people said that because the way he's saying it, he sounds like he has a smile in his voice. Yep. Mainly, that's how he, he had a 15-minute program yep. every day. Yep. And that's how they'd introduce him. Now, here's the man who smiles when he sings. Hmm. Yeah, we, we listen to that every day. 15 minutes. I think come on around 7 o'clock. Remember the sponsor? No, I don't offhand. It was Oxidol and Tide. Was it? I don't remember yeah. offhand. But uh, I, I listened to him. He was a good. I liked him. <laughs> it's so interesting to think in, for on CBS for a lot of years, you have a lot of these fifteen-minute everyday and, music shows. And and yesterday USA doesn't play them. I know. I I complained about that. They, if they got a gap between two shows, they put all these commercials in, and they're the same ones all the time. We need to have more music. And they got and they got, they got all these good fifteen minute shows that they don't put on. We need to put them in the system. I agree. And the only ones we play are the awful ones that I pick. Well, no, well, yeah, so but what happened? What happened last night? The second one didn't come on. Uh oh. Really? Uh oh. We had Uh-oh. We, dead air. We had dead air for fifteen minutes. Uh oh. Uh oh. Make a note. Uh oh. Well, I know which one didn't play. And I went to the Blue Network to see if it was all right. And yeah, they, they're playing something on there. So I left it on. So oh, uh, I want to be very... Yeah, only one of the 15... I, I had two 15-minute shows from the same program, moving stories or yeah. something around there. So Larry might have to check the file. Played. Interesting. Well, Larry would have put together one file, so I wonder if he needs to double-check the file. What? Well, thank you for the heads up. Now I don't have to do a script for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, what happened? I thought maybe they had trouble again, because you were having trouble last night with, with Skype, right? Not, we finally figured something out with Skype, so I think, we, I think we were okay last night with Skype. But, you know. So I think... I think a question last night was... When Patricia going to Skype, so that was the big debate on the show last night. So, <laughs> well, it, I, last night. Yeah. I like that Alan Alan Young that tribute you had to last. Uh, he was such a nice guy. I'm just I'm glad we we uh, could put everything aside and just devoted to Alan Young. So I'm glad we did that. Yeah, I liked him. So. Super nice guy. You know, well, and it, it was it was, and he, he, Alan Young was in a tough spot. He replaced Gary Moore on the Jimmy Durante show. And Alan said, I was not very good, but Jimmy Durante was such a nice guy, he just could not fire Alan. He just kept him with him. Yeah, well, you know, it was just the way Jimmy was. Yeah. They say he died broke. Gave it yeah, he pretty away. much gave everything away. He gave it away. You know, um... Candy Candido, remember the guy who said, yep, I'm feeling I, mighty low. Yes, right. He, he always picked up Jimmy when they went to the radio studio. And the car, well, he picked up Jimmy and the car broke down. And so Jimmy felt so bad. They went, they went down to the local Cadillac dealer and he bought him a car. That way they could get to the studio. So that's how. I, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the way he was. He died he, broke. He died broke. And you know what he liked to eat? Because Frank, when Frank Brzee would drop over to his house, 
they you, you look in the cupboard, it had all the same... Oh, it was like cornflakes, corn wasn't That's what he liked. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Cornflakes. Cornflakes. Yeah, that, that was a, a good show last mm-hmm. I I'm really glad. enjoyed that. I'm glad. I like what it did. Oh, and I have to tell you, mm-hmm. you had on your Facebook about wearing red to church. Yep. Yep. Well, I'm looking through my cupboard here, mm-hmm. and I don't know which which one works at Disney World. Or Disney John. Land. That's John. John works there? Yeah. He wouldn't have liked what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the cupboard. I said, I'm going to wear something red today. Uh-huh. And the only thing I had in there was a pullover T-shirt, bright red, with a big picture of Mickey Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wear it at the church. So I told the pastor, I said, I could, he said, sure you can. And there was a girl in there that she had a T-shirt on and had a Maryland crab on the front. <laughs> yeah, Mickey should be able to attend church. I think so. It's <laughs> oh, so funny. You had, we're wearing something yeah. like that. Okay, so you're fine. never going to get up in time for church, John. <laughs> I know. I'm going to stop talking. It's Walden's fault. He's I know. I know. You said good night, and he said, wait a minute. <laughs> okay, he listen, because I'm a half an hour late. All right. Well, John, <laughs> we'll have Patricia write you a note tomorrow for church. That way you can be, that way if you're running late, you can turn in Patricia's note into the, into the minister. He'll, 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 yeah. he'll won't deduct you for being late. I'll write the note and say it's Walden's fault. <laughs> Okay, well, I'll be talking to you later. Okay. Okay, okay John. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Are you going to sign my name to it? Oh, no. I I, I would never do that. Okay, so... What? I, would, I would lay all the blame on you, but I would not forge your signature. So you would say, signed by adorable, right? Yeah, I'll sign it adorable. Okay. Sure, that's good. <laughs> that's a great idea. Someone, that's good. Someone four, five, four, five... Two oh seven one. You need a a late slip. Email Patricia. She'll <laughs> she'll send one out please. for you. Saying that Walden fault. Please excuse Harold. Um, he had the chicken pox but. this afternoon. <laughs> I did send before you say hi to our caller. Don't hang up, caller. I sent or dropboxed one of the information please shows, and I. Pulled one with Oscar Levant and Fred Allen. Nice. So we'll play that later tonight. So that, that'll that be a great... He, Fred Allen was so oh. good. Okay, I'm ready. Oh, what a Who's show. There? What a show. What a show. Hello there. You're on air. Howdy, y'all. Holy <gasps> cat! I, would, I was just thinking about you this week. I had you on my How Come We Haven't Heard From You list. Well, I tell you. I tried Uh-oh. several times. And this um, Wi-Fi receiver in this Victor Stream thing yeah. leaves mm-hmm. a lot to be desired. And I have been sitting here since about 11.30, keep punching this thing, trying to get the station back up. Yeah. And all I'm getting is a few words at a time before it drops out again. And several other, I think last week, I had the same problem, and I just gave it up. And the week before that, I can't remember what the problem was, but it, it's just been a time getting through lately, and it's not your fault, it's mine. But 
Well, I think they're using. I think the Vector screen is using old tunes. I think. I think uh, that's what Maryland uses and Virginia uses. I think a lot of people. So I just don't know. You know, it's it, it they're having some buffering issues or what? So I know they. Well, uh, you know, my phone is good. Okay. Got a good signal. I've got um, what they call access points around here. It's one in the shop, one out where we sew, and one up here at the house other than the router. And they do a good job, but I just think the receiver in these streams are not very good. I think what the real problem is, I know... So you need to build a new one, Hollywood, right? Well, I can't, but oh, okay. I'm sure wish somebody would do something. I'm afraid that they not going to be able to do it with an upgrade on this. It's it probably going to have to happen in the next one, whenever yeah. that may be. But anyway... I'll have Patricia um, write a note to them, you know. <laughs> well, i got a feeling I won't call Our receiver help. is thick. Please send the doctor. Yeah, or take us back and do something. Uh-huh. Now, while How old is this piece of equipment? I'm sorry? How old is this piece of equipment? How long have you had Just it? Just got it. Um, I think it was about the 24th of November. It's the latest one they got out. Yeah, it should be on the warranty, I assume. Wow, yeah. Well, I really hadn't thought about that. But uh, I do intend to say something to them about it for whatever it's worth. Yeah. Sure, I, I mean, you can be right at the router or right at one of these access points or whatever. And still lose it. Yeah, I think I think I think you got a, I think you got a complaint. And good thing it should be under warranty, Hollywood. I would think give give him a whoop and a holler. Well, I, I really ought to do that. But otherwise, I'm tickled to death with the thing. I think it's uh, it's a neat little trick. I wish I'd have had a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, the first one I was aware even having was Kurt from La Habra and. Uh, it looks like a very popular piece of equipment for a lot of people. Oh, it is. Um, I think it's great, and the book downloads are so easy compared to what they were when it first started. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just nothing to it. And you got hundreds of thousands of books to look through, which you can't even start to do, or I can't. So you just pick out four or five and download them and be done with it until you read those, and then you get some more. Anyway, what little I was hearing, was it Maryland? Yes. That had gone to the school in Kansas? Right. I was missing a lot of what she was saying, but I was really interesting, interested to see what was different there than what it was in North Carolina. It would be interesting. She was there. Okay, so we, we asked her, she went from first to 12th grade. There and they were pretty tight in terms of what you could eat. You know, they didn't allow coffee per se. Um, she talked about the school. She talked about we asked about you know living skill things. You know, good manners, just different wide range. Seemed like a very strict place to be. Yeah, yeah. To but me what, too. what did she say? What years she was there? No. No. And I didn't think to ask. Hmm. Well, the one in Raleigh, my daddy was there from 24 to 28. 
And I was there from 57 to 68. Okay. And it was definitely a different world, let me tell you. And I'm, I'm awful sad to say they weren't too picky about house parents and house mothers and oh boy. a lot of things. And there's a lot of bad stuff went on there. But that's just the way it was, I guess. Um, I spent two years longer there than I should have. They had this stupid policy when I went there. I'd, I'd finished the third grade at public school when I had to go to Raleigh. And at that time, you had to take, spend a year to learn Braille. Mm-hmm. You had to repeat the last class you were in at public school. I never understood the logic back of that. Uh, it didn't take no year to learn Braille, even though they didn't know how to teach it, but I didn't know that until after I'd learned it. Mm-hmm. So I learned it the hard way. But there was no excuse for repeating a grade, and it it put me two years behind because of that. But um, they did a lot of crazy things there. I guess all in all, it it had a good purpose, I suppose, but still. um, Were you bored? Because, you know, I mean, you, Patricia and I have always talked, you are a very bright person. About that. Well, only when the sun yes, on me. You are, and so I. Done deal. We've already decided that. Yes, we Patricia and I declared. So we'll put that in a note and send that to you. Um, but you know, I was wondering if you felt bored because of you know maybe they were teaching at a certain level, and they didn't have the facility to you know put you in a faster, um, you know, learning curve than maybe some of your associates. I don't know if I would call it bored. I'll I tell you what really happened, and it started with the learning Braille business. I never was much of a fast reader, even when I could see. Mm-hmm. And then when we got into the Braille deal, they did not know how to teach it. Now, I'm sure there's plenty of people listening that said, well, they were teachers at a school for this, and you don't know what you're talking about. Well, when they were teaching it, no, I didn't know what I was talking about. But it was after I learned how to read Braille that there was, you know, 50 times easier ways of teaching it than what they were doing. So I never really did learn to read very well. Mm -hmm. Um, I I still use it some to make notes and label stuff and things like that, but reading for pleasure, I never did it. I read a lot of talking books, though, mm-hmm. and I would have done a whole lot better in school if I had had um, textbooks on records at that time. That was records was all we had. There was no t- um, cassettes or CDs or anything else back then. But um, because I could not keep up with the reading, like in high school, mm-hmm. you know, we'd have... 40 to 60 pages to read a night in one class and there was no way I could do it. It was impossible. If I'd have stayed up all night long, I couldn't have done it. Mm. So therefore, I didn't have very good grades. Uh It wasn't because I couldn't learn. I just couldn't read it. 
Now, what was covered in class that the teacher read or whatever, there was absolutely no problem. Uh, I knew exactly what was going on, but I just couldn't read it fast enough. And I should have tried to get something done about it. But back then, it was one of those things you lived with it and kept your mouth shut. Uh-huh. Um, I would have done a lot of things different seeing it in hindsight, but that's not doing me any good anymore. But it, uh, I can't say I wish I hadn't gone, because I had no choice, but well, I, was asking Melanie, I think things would have, should have been a lot better than they were. I was asking Melanie, do you think most kids at school were unhappy? You, did you think the same way? I don't necessarily think so. I mean, we had some excellent readers there that could read just as fast as they could move their hand, but I couldn't. Never could, and a lot of it was now was taught, and part of it was just recognizing things. Mm-hmm. But listening to it was a different situation. But that was not as it is now. And uh, I'm trying to figure how to say what I'm trying to say. We had a lot of kids there that were extremely smart, but we had kids there that it was a place for their parents to dump them. Right. They had mental problems of all kinds. Mm -hmm. They should not have been there. They could not go in normal classes. They just had um, classes that were more of a babysitting thing. And they were there from little bitty kids on up to 17, 18 year olds until they finally left. They never graduated because mm-hmm. they couldn't. But they shouldn't have been there in the first place. So there were kind of two different parts of the school, so to speak, although everybody uh, lived together or whatever in dormitories. But um, it was just uh, a mix of, of quite a few things. And then people that they hired enjoyed ruling somebody or keeping their hand on them for whatever reason. And so many times some of the most ridiculous things would come up because, you know, they make mountains out of molehills. They were just so silly. It's like a bunch of six-year-olds in the playground getting in a big argument or fight over nothing. Mm-hmm. And these were adults doing this. And I never did understand that either. Um, but nevertheless, uh, that's just the way it was. This, this it, all sounds so stern and sterile to me. I'm sorry? You're, what you're talking about um, and what Marilyn talked about sounds so sterile, such a sterile environment for kids to be in. Now, it had gotten a lot better than it had been earlier when I was there. Mm-hmm. After I left, things changed a great deal from what I understand. I haven't been back. don't have any desire to. Yeah. Well, and no. I went to the Tennessee school. Now, when he first went there, um, 
course, classes, even in Raleigh, uh, classes and all were kept separated. Uh, boys and girls were in the same room, but they were on different sides of the room. But he mm-hmm. said in Tennessee, when he was first there, um, a teacher, a male teacher, could not touch a female student in any way. If they had to guide that student anywhere, they had to roll up a magazine or something and hold one end of it and the student take the other end and they would lead them. Holy cats. Wow. Talk about puritanical. That, that, will, that will work just great with an unruly student. Yeah, of would, course I'll, uh, take, I'll take the other end of your magazine. Let's go. Yeah, well, there's just a lot of crazy things happened, but as I said, they were not very careful in hiring people. It, it was yeah. nothing like what it is now. <clears throat> um, we did not, we had two campuses in Raleigh, one on Ash Avenue for the white students mm-hmm. and one at Garner for black students. Now the Garner school was blind and deaf. The white school was just for the blind. The deaf students went to Morganton at the school there. But the last two years I was in Raleigh, 67 and 68, we had two black students that lived there mm-hmm. um, in the same dormitory I did. Um, I think later that changed a great deal. Um, but there was practically no association with other people at all. Now, one of the teachers there... Um, that I had in the eighth grade, she said when she first came there, now she could say fine. I mean, she was just an everyday teacher there in Raleigh, and they hired her. But she said when she first came there, and I I think it was before I got there, she said that all the girls had to wear ankle-length dresses. And she said it looked great on campus, but if they went out into town somewhere, it looked very peculiar. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, because nobody else was doing that anymore. Sure. What set of Now, matter? by the time I was there, they had stopped that. But um, I have no desire to go back. Um, as I said at the time, I had no choice. Yeah. And you did not go to public schools at all. That just started. It had started. Started a, a small amount by '67 and '68, but I never did get back to public school at all. Uh, after that, I think is when what Walter was talking about. Yeah, I, I just he I, went to and all. I went to it uh, always, and I I wondering if it's because some states have more resources than others. I just that might. Be, but what year? What years were you in um, grammar school? Uh, I well, I was here born in '66, so I started. I started kindergarten when I was pre- preschool when I was three, so you know what you're talking about uh, seventy four. Yes, seventy three. Yeah, that time, uh, the school in Raleigh had really gone downhill, so to speak, from what it used to be when I was there because they weren't going there anymore, and, and I'm not even sure who is yeah. going there right. now. Now, see, for example, John Warrior, who, you know, born in 55, they always were in public schools. Uh, and I, so I just, I just wondering, 
And my folks said, you know, if, if they if we were in Nebraska, it would have been tip, you know, the, I would have had probably been shipped off to a blind school. But California had the resources, so I didn't. I think ha- that, that makes a lot of difference too. You know. Now, in North Carolina, the state paid for everything, the, the school, right? Your meals, your room and board, the whole bit. But you had to supply your own clothes if you went home. Most everybody rode the bus, you know, the, like the Trailway or Greyhound buses mm-hmm. um, across the state. Uh, you had to get a cab to go to the bus station or you had to walk. Uh, the school did not get you there. Mm-hmm. You had to get yourself there, and when you got back on Sunday night, uh, you had to get back to the school. You had to pay for that. Uh, they took no responsibility. Now, I was told in years after I left that the school was actually, um, they would take a load of students. They would leave on Friday morning, so apparently they were only running about a four-day week. They would take them on uh, Friday morning and drop them off from one end of the state to the other. Mm. Um, You know, all the way as far west as Asheville and Murphy, and I guess from Raleigh to the coast. There was no such thing when I was there. It was your own tough look. You stayed or you paid. Now, I don't know if this is really true. I was just told that. Marilyn was talking about in Thanksgiving time, it was really for a lot of kids, it was not a good time because they didn't really have the the chance to go on home, so a lot of them stayed on the campus. Exactly. And we had some in Raleigh that that stayed during the summer, too, and worked at the mattress shop and places like that because either they had no desire to go home because some of them came from some pretty bad homes. I understand that. Um, But, you know, all they knew was there, so they didn't have any desire to go home anyway. This is is just breaking my heart. There there was nothing... I hate the word normal. I'm not ever sure what normal is, but but there was no consistency with what was going on with kids in other areas. No, you really were seg- you were absolutely segregated from what mainstream kids were doing. You're absolutely right. You you had no uh, coherency with with anything outside the, or off the campus. Um, now, by the time you got to high school and all, and when I was anyway, um, you were allowed to go off campus to, to the grocery store or the uh, drugstore or whatever, you know, the soda fountain mm-hmm. type thing and all, there in Raleigh, and um, you could go to different things and all, but you had, there were certain students that they trusted to be chaperoned, so you had to go with one of those. You weren't allowed to go by yourself. No, by yourself. Um, you know, that I can kind of understand. If you were restricted for all the time before then, how in heaven's name would you develop a familiarity with people and places and who did what? So pairing up, I yeah. guess, was a... That's a good know. question. Did, did, did blind kids feel isolated from society because they were in a blind school? I think a lot of them didn't realize that... that they were isolated. Uh-huh. And the ones that had come there from public school or whatever knew better. But so many that, 
started there in kindergarten, first grade, where I've never been to anything else. Really didn't know they were any different than anybody else. That that was their normal. That was the normal world. They didn't know yes. there was an other world on the outside of that circle. Exactly. Yeah, because essentially my dad philosophy was we live in a side world, and he wanted me to make sure I knew how to handle myself in a side world because that's what we live in. That that was never considered until near the end of the time I was there. Um, nobody considered What was the highest grade you went through there? 12. You did go through 12. Oh, yeah, and then what happened? Right through 12th grade. When, when you finished 12th grade... What happened? Where did you go? What Most did you of the do? the students that were in my class went to college. Now there, you're in the outside world. It's altogether uh-huh. different. I did not. I went to work. Uh, I was absolutely sick of school. Um, with the years at public school, the repeats there, and, and uh-huh. all the mess I had to put up with there, I know that was probably a bad choice. But... It was my choice, and I made it, and I still don't regret it. If, but if it was right for you, it was the right choice. Well, did you did you have an? I'm sorry, I'm I'm tripping all over you. I've got a million no, questions. Go ahead. I, I, go ahead. Now go ahead. With what you were saying, I, oh, my, my question was going to be: What kind of preparation within that 12-year period did you get that would have that would have helped you when you finished and said, "Okay, I'm ready to get a job." Very little. The I'm, only I'm, I'm actual pause, but it wasn't very much. The only actually, only actual two things they did training wise was chair caning, which I knew how to do when I was six years old because my daddy did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll get to that in a minute. And the other thing was they had a mattress shop that uh, they made uh, mattresses and gym mats and. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that, and some did go to places that where they made stuff like that. I didn't. Um, after I got out of school, of course, my daddy wanted me to keep doing chair caning, and I have never seen anybody faster than I was. And I'm not trying to toot my horn here. Uh, my daddy had done it all his life. He couldn't believe what I could do. But if I really push myself. In a week's time doing that, at the end of the week, I was dead. I mean, I was just totally out of it. The next week, I couldn't hardly do anything. Mm. It is it. It was very hard to make a decent amount of money. Well, sure, I made good that week, but then it took a week or two to get over it. You make nothing. Sure. So it was a lost cause, and I saw real quick that that wasn't going to get it. That's why I started climbing towers. And, and, that, and I, now you're into the next um, You're into an area with the towers that the average bear wouldn't even consider. Well, I shouldn't either. Additional challenges one of those things what, I how did this happen? Well, the radio, of course, was the main thing, I guess, and I saw, well, this is a need, and I can do it, and I can make some money off it. Well, my daddy had a fit. He thought I was crazy. <laughs> I needed to cane chairs and quit thinking about this other junk. And after, I guess, about two years, 
when I told him what I had made that year, he didn't believe it. I said, it's a fact. I said, is there any way you could cane chairs and do that? He said, no, I sure couldn't. I said, you know, I can do that a lot faster than you can. I can't do it either. And he didn't ever say any more about it. Um, now, I didn't live that good. I, you know, as money goes, I wasn't making that much. But yeah. compared to what I was doing, it was tremendous. Yeah. Now, was it a bad choice? Yeah, it was. I should have found something else. You really think? Well, I'm, all right, well, let, let's roll back the time clock. And you have an opportunity to make a different decision. What would it have been? I don't know. I still don't know. At the time, I couldn't, I just couldn't think of anything else that would pay. And I. Uh, uh, money aside, it, and I, I realize that's a big thing to ask you to do, but can we separate money from appreciating and enjoying work? How did you fare on that side, on the enjoyment of the work? I enjoyed what I was doing. It was hard work. Uh, it was something I probably should not have been doing. Today, I couldn't. Mm -hmm. Regulations have gotten so stiff. Now, mm -hmm. the guys that do work for me now, what little still comes in, mm -hmm. restrictions are just so high. I mean, he has to carry more than $5 million worth of insurance. Oh. To every guy that works for him has to be recertified. I think it's once a year or once every two years. It cost him over $2,000 per person to send him to a week's school to get recertified. Wow. Okay, now, <clears throat> excuse me, we've, we've got a, a gang of listeners out there. Walden and I have had an opportunity to talk with you over periods of time, so we at least have a working idea of what you're talking about. Fill me in and fill everyone in. When you say recertification, what are they being certified for? What do they have to do? What, 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 what? They have to go through all kind of uh, climbing stuff. Uh, safety is a primary thing. How to now, this is for building towers or working on towers? towers. Putting them up, not actually but, manufacturing them. But putting them up, assembling them, okay. The towers come into a site, they go, um, some crews do footings, some don't, you know, pour the mm -hmm. concrete and all, some do that, and some erect them, some just do the erection, some do footings. But the the actually stacking or, or, or putting up the towers, mm -hmm. the regulations have gotten so stiff. Um, they go to these schools to be certified in all these regulations that they're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. uh, they more or less have to train all the time, even on the job. They're mm -hmm. inspected. Um, the state has inspectors that come to by to see that things are going as they're supposed to be. Some of it is so ridiculous that all towers now have safety fall lines. Uh, a lot of them, they're putting safety cages on them. And he said, well, that's a good thing. Well, yes and no. 
if you've got a tower that's, um, you know, more than a two-foot face, uh, and, and some of them get up to 10 feet or more, you're attached to this safety fall line. How are you going to get around this tower to work? You have got to unhook sometime. Now, are you still hooked into something? Yes, you are. You have two lanyards you're using now, and you move one at a time to bracing, legs, whatever. You're not loose, but you're loose from that fall line. And the people coming up with these rules have never been there. They're sitting behind a desk. Well, just for example, now Gene and his crew have done a lot of uh, redoing cell sites in West Virginia and several other states. They have they work a full day from daylight to dark. They're up over half the night doing the paperwork. When they mount an antenna or replace an antenna, let's put it that way, they have to hold a protractor against that antenna showing the angle of down tilt it has. They take a picture of it. They have to email this picture back to an office somewhere across the country, somebody to look at. When they put up another one, they have to do the same thing. They have to take pictures of all the connections, every single thing. So they're up half the night filling out these forms and and pictures and everything, emailing, all this stuff, back to a guy that has never been on a tower in his life. And if he doesn't approve it, they've got to go back and do it again. And just stuff like that. And it can actually drive you nuts. I mean, I could not put up with it, uh, even if, if I got that far. Yeah. yeah. So What's the highest totally tower? World. What what's the highest tower you ever worked on? Oh, I never worked any high much. I I've never been over about three hundred feet. <laughs> well, when you compare that that's feet, that's nothing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I I'm sitting down again. It's all right. Go ahead. No, I I said when you compare that to two thousand feet, that's nothing. Yeah, well, you know, there, gee, that, that, you compare a, an a, airplane to thirty five thousand feet too. 300 feet is a very high tower. No. No, it isn't. No. Well, you're talking to a chicken here who would prefer well, to look at the window. you know, if if you fall, it doesn't matter if it's 300 feet or 2,000. You got oh, yeah. Well, when you're going you up that high, sure. Also. Yeah. Just make sure you swan dive and splat flat. Yeah. Well, people don't really understand how much can go wrong on a tower and ridiculous things that can kill you. Um, several years ago, there was a crew out of Winston-Salem that was down at Laurenburg, North Carolina, and they had a 300 or 350-foot tower there. They were putting a ladder on it. And these ladder sections come in 20-foot lengths, and it's a welded steel ladder you've got two uprights of quarter by inch and a half flat bar stock, and then you've got rods welded between them about 15 inches long to form a ladder. Well, the easiest way to do this is you've got 15, 20-foot sections for like a 300-foot tower, and you lay one on top of the other, and then you bolt 
the end, the opposite ends together, you know, one end, and you go to the other end, the next one up, and that back and forth. Mm-hmm. You've got an accordion fold here with this thing stacked up on the ground. Mm-hmm. All right, a guy goes up the tower and, and hooks their uh, winch line to the top of the ladder. you got to block at the top for the rope to go through or the cable, whichever you're using. And they hook this to a winch trailer or winch truck or whatever, and they pull this thing up and it starts up. The ladder just unfolds, you know, like an accordion thing. Um, and they pull it to the top. Well, then the, the guy on the tower or however many is up there start coming down, bolting this thing into place before they turn it loose. I never did know for certain what happened in this case, why it was turned loose. But the guy near the top, he did something very, very stupid. And what that was, the ladder was away from the tower enough that he couldn't put the bolts through the brackets. Now, it doesn't matter if this was just a few inches or what, and that's probably all it was. But he took his safety belt loose and ran it through the rung of the ladder and then leaned back to oh, pull boy. it closer to the tower to get the bolt in it. For whatever reason, it came loose above him. It snatched him right through the bracing. <gasps> and he mm. fell 300 feet in that pile of mess. Um, another one of my customers, their crew, went down and got got him out. And he said that was the biggest mess he had ever seen in his life. Oh. And a, another occasion up here near Statesville, North Carolina, there was a whole family, three guys, I think, riding a winch line. The man's wife was running the winch. This is a capstan winch, and it's got a small drum. You use rope on it, not cable. And you've got three or four turns of rope around this, this capstan head. And as it turns, the rope feeds on at one end and comes off at the other end. Well, you keep your hand on this, and, and, and as the rope comes off, you, you feed it behind you to get it out of the way. But those several turns around that drum is what's holding everything. This was a 1,500-foot tower. I think they were probably up 1,200 feet when that rope got away from her. Mm. Tried to catch it and just burned the hide off her hands trying to catch it, and she couldn't do it. Killed all three of them. So it's just, you, you cannot be too safe. See, I was never in a situation like that because uh, I never rode a winch line. But we didn't have them like that. But things can happen. And um, should I have been doing this? No, I shouldn't have been doing it. And I could never be certified today to do it. But back then, um, yeah. things were a lot different. Yeah. My gosh, you guys are such an education for me. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but... Oh, I do. <laughs> this is on my head, yes. You are. And these are not things... How, how would I know about these things? What What's really just blowing me away here is how isolated you all were 
because you were in a specialized school for the blind. Exactly. It, it should ha- it should have been a program built in to make sure that integration to the nth degree was happening. Exactly. Well, see, nobody considered that was necessary. And after I left, they started to see that and started doing that. Um, and that's why I say I really don't understand what the school in Raleigh is still doing. I don't know who would go there. Yeah. It's still there. And I'm just not sure why. Uh, but back it, then, just, that was it. Um, you had no other choice. And, of course, public school wasn't about to mess with you. And nobody saw any need for it. Yeah. And, oh my gosh. you know, it was a bad thing. But... Um, were there any good things that you took away from this? Well, if you have to think that hard, never I'm mind. sure. I'm sure there was. Um, under the circumstances at the time, you know, I got an education, or at least a high school education anyway. Yeah. Um, I think I would have been better off in public school, but not at the time because they weren't going to put up with anything like that. Uh, things are different now. Um, I think, you know, all everybody's understood the need for it. Mm-hmm. Then they didn't. You went to the blind school, and that's all you needed to do. Well, it wasn't, but that's why everybody saw it. Yeah. Wow. And so it was still, even when I was there, it was a lot different than it was when my daddy was there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I guess what I'm looking at. What is, was different between your daddy? For nothing. What would you? What it, would? What would different between your daddy time and your time? I don't know all of what was different. Um, you didn't go home any time during the year at all when he was there. Uh, just in the summer. I know um, sometime between 24 and 28, my um, granddaddy and grandmother went to see him at Christmas. And it was cold as gee whiz. They, my granddaddy had a T-model Ford, no doors on it. Mm. They got from Greensboro to Durham. I never understood why they didn't go on because it was, they were a lot closer to the school than they were home. But they were so cold, they finally turned around and came back home and never got there. So they never did go see him. Um, restrictions and all were even greater at the time than they were when I was there, and I don't know how, but I guess they were. Um, I guess it's like everything else. It's just an earlier time, and... Um, but a, piece, a couple of pieces of trivia a lot of people didn't know. We had a large iron bell. Now, when I was there, of course, we had electric school bells, you know, type thing like every school has. But before that, when my daddy was there, they were using this bell 100% of the time because there weren't any electric bells. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, they had electricity. I don't mean that. But they didn't have electric bells. Yeah. And this bell was mounted on top of what we call the big house, which was the main school building, which used Mm -hmm. to be the plantation house. Uh, The columns are still there um, on the front porch. They're 24 inches in diameter. Huge columns. 
But anyway, in I guess it was 54, Hurricane Hazel blew the bell off top of the building, and they never put it back. All the time I was there, it was on a stand right outside the auditorium, and it was used when the power went off and the bells wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, that bell was given to the school by General Joe Johnston during the Civil War. Wow. Where he got it, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have been a liberated bell, but nevertheless, that's where it came from. Um, <laughs> I really can't find much about the history, but from what I understand, that school was one of the major private suppliers of munitions to the Confederate Army. Wow. Um, they made cartridges, bullets. All kinds of things there. Not a particularly safe place to be. I didn't catch the last you said. I said that that was not a particularly safe place to be. Back then, who cared? Yeah, there was no such safety back then. Yeah. <laughs> there were jobs to do, and everybody did it. Mm-hmm. And it was no no different for them to be doing it than anybody else. Um, oh, my gosh. It's just the fact that, that they did it because it was a need for it. But anyway, that was just primarily trivia. But what really scares you is the work programs that have been done. I was listening to a podcast a few weeks ago about how blind people were treated uh, in the late 1800s and early 1900s about jobs. Now, my daddy Mm -hmm. uh, well, he primarily pushed starting the Industries for the Blind here in Greensboro back in the 30s. He Mm -hmm. went to a guy and his wife here that were extremely well off and push them into backing the whole deal. Now, he didn't stay there too long because he saw that was not the place for him. But uh, he primarily got that started. Now, nobody remembers that or anything anymore. Um, My uncle, I had two uncles that worked there. One was a driver and the other one worked in a uh, mop shop there that made mop handles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Now, he was legally blind, but he could see. He insisted that I come up there and work one summer just so I knew what was going on. Well, this was in 67. I had one more year of school. Now, he would let me run machines that they wouldn't let anybody else run because he was a foreman in, the, in that particular division. So I ran about everything they had. Well, when the end of the summer came, they came to me and wanted me to stay on and work and not go back to school. Now, that didn't make any sense. I told him, nope, I was not going to do that. The minimum wage at the time was $3 an hour. We got a dollar an hour less taxes. I took home $30 a week. Whoa. Well, he wanted me to go to Miss Sternberger. She was the wife of 
the two that footed a lot of the money for this because her husband was dead at that time. I, mm-hmm. I told him, I said, Ed, this is useless. She is not going to do anything about this. Yeah, but if, she'll, if you'll talk to her, she'll probably listen to you where she won't listen to me. I said, this is a lost cause. I finally agreed to go. He and I went to her house one weekend and talked to her about this thing. Oh, yeah, well, she sat there and listened and, you know, made the appropriate noises and all that stuff when we left. I said, we have wasted our time. She is not going to do anything about this. And she didn't. They still kept paying a dollar an hour. Now, what they pay now, I have no idea. But what I, on this podcast thing, they were talking about, I think it was Indiana, had a government program to put blind people to work. Uh, sometime right around 1900. The governor gave his son this 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 deal. They set up a workshop, workhouse type thing. Uh, they lived there and worked there. The people that were running the place got paid $50 a month. They had their families there, children, wives, whatever. They got their room and board. The blind people that worked there could not have anyone with them. No kids, no wives. If they got married, they had to leave. They had to pay for their room and board, and they got paid $12 a month. Their room and board cost them more than they made after I think it was three years or five years or whatever the governor decided that this was a failure it was not going to work because they were no good they were shiftless they would not work and that is how they came to that conclusion of course after the place shut down they were building shanty towns wherever they could just shacks to live in, to stay out of the weather. They were doing anything they could to eat. Well, everybody wanted to run them off because they were detracting from the neighborhood. That's the kind of stuff they were putting up with then. Wow. I mean, it it was just (laughs) incredible. This is in a different sector. Oh, yes. Ernie Ford's I Owe My Soul to the Company Store. Exactly. People had to pay for their food, their lodging, their everything, and they had to pay more than they were earning. They yep. literally owed their souls to the company store. That was the that was the logic back. Anyone just buying people, anybody that worked mills, mines, whatever, that was the logic. It kept them. They couldn't leave because they owed too much money. Mm-hmm. And the and longer they stayed, the more they owed. It wasn't just blind people. Wow. And Ernie Ford, I think, was was um, singing about mining uh, towns. Yes. And the, and the housing belonged to the company. The stores belonged to the company. The food belonged to the company. And you're describing yes. the same thing in a different sector. Yep. I'm so sorry. I, I, I really didn't mean to do this. 
I did not mean to get into all of this. No, this is so important for me to learn, and I'm I'm getting emails from people saying, I never knew any of this, so you're you're doing good. You're doing good. Talk to them about it now. They they don't believe my mother didn't believe that children worked in mills, cotton mills and all. And my aunt worked in the, the mills here in Greensboro, and she asked her about, did you ever see any kids working? Well, and my aunt told her no, because she didn't. But back in the 1800s, they did. That's where the term grease monkeys came from. Mm-hmm. And these kids jumping around on line shafts and belts and everything else, overhead greasing the uh, machinery and everything, and just because of them, died. If they fell, they were right into a machine or something. They were dead. Yeah, yeah. And, and they were expendable. They, they were an expendable, replaceable commodity. Exactly. And people don't seem to realize that anymore. No. But anyway. Um, nope. Okay. I, I, I want to change paragraphs here. Absolutely. How are you? She did that so nicely too. Well, up and down. Um, Sometimes I I really think that this stuff I have is progressing. I I give out a lot quicker, and I can't. It's it's just hard to get to get through a day. But you just have to keep going, and I'm doing that because you know there's nothing they can do that they're not doing, so it doesn't do any good to complain. Um, it worries me a lot of times, but you can't worry all the time. You just have to keep going to do what you can, and that, that's what I'm doing. No, um, My business sure isn't doing anything. Or we are getting some sewing to do, but my wife's not really able to do a lot of that anymore either. She will be... I was going to ask about Barbara because she was not feeling particularly well when uh, it's, we all talked. She's lucky to be able to get going by noon. Um, now, she's up late at night, and some days she can't go at all, uh, although the slow sewing has been pretty slow, too. And in a way, it's a good thing. In a way, it's a bad thing because it pays the bills. But um, I see in September, she'll be 80 years old. And she got a heart problem and diabetes, of course, and yeah. her age too is not helping. But we're we're still going and glad uh, of it. So that's about how it is. Well, at the risk of sounding like Pollyanna, and I hate this stuff when people do it to me. You sound better than you did the last time we talked. Well, that's like I said, I you know, I try to keep a fairly good attitude and, and, and people aren't interested in, in, in listening to your problems and all and they may care but there's nothing they can do about it. So I, I really try not to complain to people it did it doesn't um, good, I don't guess. Answering people who really care and want to know how you're doing is not complaining. It truly isn't. No, that that may be true, I guess, but it it really is true. I promise you. When I ask how are you doing, it's because we care. Oh, I understand that. And and we really do want to know. 
I just try not to complain and keep at it. That's that's all I can do. <laughs> I have been. Everyone has been through life being reminded periodically that there is at least one person you should never ask how are you because you'll never get home in time for dinner. Oh yeah. <laughs> you're not one of them. Well, <laughs> I, I just try not. I just want you to know they, you're not one of them. I just, you know, what little I could hear of of um, uh, uh, a while ago when she was talking about her time at, at um, Kansas, I, I really would have liked to know what years and all she was there, and I wish I could have heard more of what she said because I'm just curious. But um, yeah, uh, I've only heard some about the Virginia school and some about the Tennessee school. I, don't know anything about any of the rest of them, and I'll mm-hmm. never add any of the others. So the only one I'm an expert on is one I was at for the years I sure. was there. Sure. And I consider the next, an expert. The next time Marilyn calls in, we'll ask her to amplify some of what she was talking about. Is there anything in or, particular? Or, or, or you can always hear this when it's replaced on Wednesdays. Or. Okay, I didn't know it was. Uh-huh. Patricia, uh-huh. Patricia heard we on the blue. Appearances. Oh, yeah. Patricia, we heard on the blue. <laughs> on Wednesday. Okay. Well, if I get a chance, I will try yeah. to do that. I am a blue thing. If not, what, you you you, you, be... you you know Larry Gaffman, and he, you can have him drop box that segment to you. I'll send you that part of the file. Okay. Well, that See, Larry does everything. I, I, you know, if Patricia said I'm the great delegator. Okay. The end. Indeed, the end. That's my line. (laughs) Okay. I thought the end. Um, Think about this and let us know. There might be an opportunity. I know there's an opportunity if if you and Marilyn want to do it to have the four of us on at the same time talking. Well, that would be all right too. I, I think that would be really great because the two of you could ask questions that are far more pertinent than what I'm able to come up with because I'm in an area now that I'm absolutely zero familiarity with. So that that would be great. Right. Well, it's definitely something that, that very few people have any knowledge or association with, and especially what has gone on in the past because most People got, or the, the educators have gotten smarter now, and know that's not the way to be doing things. But yeah, it was. Uh, well, this has been a great night of learning for me. Well, that's good. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, just, I, uh, I just, just glad Patricia you never have had to go through it. <laughs> And I'm sure you've had your own problems. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to make light of anything here. No, no, no. Oh. But, but you're absolutely right. This is this is an area that is so finite that very few people could speak to it or address it or understand it. And you and Marilyn have just really done such a great job of helping me catch up in an area I know nothing about. Well, zero, zero, zero. It's just this is a, a long shoe's head scratcher. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a 
a close friend out here in California who's partially sighted, who worked in the um, uh, university oh, uh, greenhouse. And they had a program for disabled employees to work. And he, I think he worked there for almost seven to ten years. And the entire time he was there, he always got paid a training wage. Right. And and we're talking about three a little a little under four dollars an hour. Uh huh. Oh my god. And and he was working a forty hour week, Patricia. So I mean that always scratched and my. When was this? Do you, do you have a, a period of time? Uh huh. I would say from the late nineties for until uh three four years ago. That's disgusting. It's disgusting. But you know, most people know absolutely nothing about blind people. And I'm sure you've run into it, Walden. People will come to, I mean, if you're eating in a restaurant or something, with somebody, Mm -hmm. they will ask the other person, what does he want? What does he want, yes. Yeah. Or... They've got to talk like you're deaf. Um, you oh, can't yeah. hear because mm-hmm. you can't see. You'll be able to see them better if they yell. I, I exactly. I I was just a competitive person. I'm still am. Um, because you know I was always in public schools. I don't know necessarily my classmate ever forgave me, but I was out working and always the the teachers would always put my uh, Especially in mathematics, we always put my all the scores up and said, "Okay, if Wong can do this, you know, here all the poor side mm. kids are trying to compete with my." Oh yeah. You know, <clears throat> it probably was not the most fair thing for them to go again, but no, it, it's never a good thing. Period. You know, mm. but oh, mm. I enjoyed it. But I'm competitive. I, I, I guess I really shouldn't say this, but yeah. I've had running stuff like this so often. Um, if if somebody asks you about blind people, you tell them, well, the way most people see it, the first thing that's wrong with a blind person is they're blind, deaf, stupid, helpless, and <laughs> I hadn't thought of what the second thing is yet. <laughs> and that's the way most of them look at it. Yeah, I, it never really bothered me because I figured if they hung around me long enough to realize, you know, all the preconceived notions in that show. Well, the thing yeah. of it is, most people that have attitudes like that, you can do a whole heap more than they can do. <laughs> I know a woman who worked with Barbara over at the tent place she worked at. She was married to this guy that he was just huge. He was ex-military. And at the time she knew him, he was pretty much bedridden because mm-hmm. he was so heavy. Of his, because of his eating and all, uh, he found out that that I was blind. And he asked Barbara, said, what in the world can he do? What's he good for? What are you good said, for? That's a great can, line. Can, he can do anything you can except drive a car. And actually, I could do... I bet you could do that. And you're working on that. Because I was in bed all the time. <laughs> oh, gee. Uh, 
stay here. Well, but now back to your one of your other statements. I'm not all that bright or ambitious, or oh. just things have to be done, and I'm the only one to do it, so I do it. And yes, I'm interested in a lot of things, and when I am. I try to figure out how to do it or learn how to do it or ask questions or what, like I said about, you know, my ham radio license. When I was in school in Raleigh, Ronnie Mills mm-hmm. was there, a guy named Danny Hampton and two or three others that were hams, but they were older than I was and they sure weren't about to do anything to help me. But I was one of the little kids. And when I finally got out of school, I saw there wasn't anybody going to help me but me. So that's when I went to work God. So I've been a ham for 48 years. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's like anything else. Um, if you want to do it bad enough, you'll figure out some way to do it. Yeah, but you know what my yeah, but is, right? Well, Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you know, I might want I might want to be a fighter pilot, but let's be realistic. Uh, there are some things you can't do. Oh, well, yeah, my habit is that we are awash in a sea of people who would just say, "Screw it." Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I think I probably told you this. I was in school with a boy. Bill Bragg didn't hear that, so we're safe. Okay. I, I I was in school with a boy from up at uh, Brevard, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And when he was in school in Raleigh, his greatest ambition in life was to get out of school, sit in his rocking chair at home, and draw a government check. That's what he never talked about. Well, I don't know, it's probably 15, 20 years ago. The local highway patrol radio shop, um, about three miles up the road here, would come down here and pick up parts and things, you know, like antenna cable connectors mm-hmm. and things of that nature. And a guy came in one day, and I was getting his stuff up, and he said, I want to ask you a question. Do you know a guy named Randall Bashirs? I said, yes, sir, I certainly do, and I've got a question for you. <laughs> see, he came from up at Brevard and just worked down here. I said, and I've got a question for you. What's he doing? He said, sitting in his rocking chair. I said, well, he at least achieved his greatest ambition. And that's all he ever had. And I couldn't do that. It would drive me crazy. I know it would. And that's one of the things that sets you apart apart from the gang out there we are swimming with. Oh, yeah. And you you just don't come out and play with those guys because they don't come out and play at all. That's right. I know when I got out of the hospital after I got this myasthenia gravis and I actually died there, um, I couldn't do anything for several weeks. And I had to stay over at Barbara's house near where she worked because I could not mm-hmm. go home. And I read books and watched TV. And I tell you, after about two or three weeks, I was ready to climb the walls. I was going out of my mind. Yeah. And let's see, I got out of the hospital on May 24th of 06. And she finally brought me back to the shop to stay during the day on July the 3rd. I couldn't do anything. I wasn't able. 
but I could put her around with this and that, and I wasn't sitting there in in the house doing nothing. Yeah. And that was a big improvement, let me tell you. Yep. My one of my famous lines that I tell myself, especially when we got hammered with the economy in 2007, 2008, that 25% of something is a whole lot better than 100% of nothing. Yes, and a lot of people can't seem to realize that. And, you know, I do things now and people say, well, but you wouldn't catch me doing that. Well, my attitude is the job's got to be done. I can't afford to hire somebody to do it. I'm the only one here to do it. So what am I going to do? i got to do it or it don't get done. Mm-hmm. Now, it's great to have an attitude like that. And if you got plenty of money and you hire somebody to do everything, and all that, that's great. But if you don't have it, you see things a little different. Agreed. But anyway, that's just my attitude. Well, did we have a great conversation? <laughs> I'm we sure that like, we've already turned us off a long time ago. Here. I'm sorry about that. But no! <laughs> no. Anyway. This is why this show is so unique. That it is. In the face of the earth, there is no other show. I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident of that statement. There is no other show. <laughs> I think you're in safe territory. Like this one. Well, I believe you're right about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty interesting. Well, anyway, I am going to let you go. And... I yeah, in case you got to get up in a couple hours to go back to work. So yeah. that I can listen to something that's a little more stable. Okay. And we're trying to change over to Windows 10, and I am not happy. Oh, it would it would have been a pain, but it's it finally starting to work. I still got to install a few things, but it would it would have been a hassle. Well, my shop hasn't changed, and Barbara started changing itself. The yep, other day. it happened. I've got to come over here Monday and straighten out a few things. That's what happened to us, yeah. I think it was really nice of you not to clarify immediately when you said, I'm going to go and listen to something more stable now. Yeah, we're not oh, stable. Well, I meant something. <laughs> I ain't got to keep punching the buttons. I can hear I it. I'm a little slow tonight. You know, once in a while my brain doesn't cooperate, and I thought, <laughs> well, all right for you. <laughs> yes, we, we are not stable tonight. No, it ain't got well, no, we ever. That's what I'm trying to listen on. It ain't stable. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, no, we I realized that. It only took a couple oh, of seconds, yeah. but I thought, well, isn't that cute? You really are wild tonight, aren't you? <laughs> I've got one brief historical thing that y'all might appreciate. Sure. Years and years ago, Einstein was asked to explain how radio works. Okay. He said it's very simple. But first, you've got to look at the wire telegraph to understand. He said, envision a cat with his tail in New York, his head in San Francisco. And when you pull the tail, the meow comes out in San Francisco. Now, radio, radio is exactly the same thing without the cat. Without the cat. Right. That's good. 
<laughs> I thought it was, too. <laughs> oh, that's priceless. Thank you. Y'all take it easy. Thanks, Harwood. You know, smiles all over the place tonight. <laughs> yep. Harwood, I'm so glad we heard from you. We've really been concerned that we haven't. Well, you have a good week. You can call anytime. Okay. Walden can or something. Yep, we can do that. All right, then. Thanks, Harwood. Night. Bye. And we haven't heard from Ralph, and we haven't heard from Ron either. Someone Ron in Hawaii? Yep. 714-545-2071. Can I tell you about our eaglet? Yes. Which <laughs> I realize now, because we've got pictures of it with people, is about the same size, or pretty close to the same size, as his mommy and daddy. Ooh. An owl pushed the two young ones out of the tree. An owl swooped down at about 3 o'clock in the morning, pushed the two of them out of the tree. One of them recovered and got back up, and the injured one did not. Hmm. So we're getting reports from the Wildlife Rehabilitation Center periodically, and he's doing reasonably well. They, uh, it, It's just... I, it, it's terrible to smile at something so that that was caused by something so terrible that one of our very protected and very loved creatures got hurt very badly, but at least it wasn't a terrible human that caused any problem. But the, it's at an organization called CROW. It's the Care and Rehabilitation of Wildlife. That's where they brought the eagle. They're working on him. They... they he was dehydrated. The poor little thing was just a mess. And one of the reports was he is on complete cage rest, <laughs> which just amused me. You know, we talk about yeah. people being on complete bed rest. He was in complete cage rest. So they moved him to a little bit larger enclosure so they could encourage him to start moving around, and he is doing that. So maybe our eaglet will be okay but I wanted to let you know that it was an owl that caused all of this damage. So I think you should put this on your ticklet file. On my what? Your ticklet file, things you do for the future. My bucket list? No, 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 no. Stuff for Walden. What? Stuff for Walden. List. Yeah. We should have somebody. What, what do you want me to do? We want somebody. I'll do anything for you. you know I know that. that. We want somebody from the Crow Society to come on and talk to us about... Oh, 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 gosh, what a great idea. See, I'm... I'm what a great idea to talk about wildlife uh -huh. and what people do that they shouldn't do and yeah. what they should do yeah. that they're not doing. And I have somebody in my, I, yeah. I, I have somebody in my life who talks to the animal. She, she you know, she, she touches lions <laughs> and things like we that. No, we, we will not be able to talk about that. <laughs> That is not something that is not something that is appreciated or condoned. <laughs> it was special circumstances, you know. But she she has a way for the animals, so I think this would be right in her alley um. to talk to the animals. So yeah, Doctor Do a lot. Uh, I know you, uh, Mrs. Doodle. Hello there, you're <laughs> on here. Greetings from the what used to be the Great White North. Oh, is it is it turned into heat or? All the snow melted up there in the great beyonds? Boiling. I can't stand the heat. Oh, my 
gosh. Oh, it must be at least 68. This is Gary in Wisconsin, who always tries to keep my feet on the ground by telling me that 32 degrees is sweater weather. It's it got up. To, I think it got up to 78 today. Holy oh, cow! Wow. You poor baby. Got fans blowing everywhere, and it's just it's killing me. So how are you gonna fix this problem? Have you figured this out yet? Air conditioner. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. I was 91 here today. I don't have the air conditioner on. <laughs> well, maybe buy a bucket of ice and stick it your feet in. That, that might help, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Patricia, I got a lady here in town that looks exactly like you. Oh. Really? Yeah. Does she know it? Hmm? Does she know it? I don't know. <laughs> would you tell? Would you tell me, please, what prompted that comment? Because you said of the lady that sounded like you. Oh, oh, oh! I'm sorry, I misunderstood. I thought you said she looked like me. I, I misunderstood. No, she. That's what I said. There's a lady oh. here that looks like you. Uh, well then. Yes. I'm confused. <laughs> Well, he 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 to say, how do you know what I look like? There you go. That's right. Oh, I have a better I have a better thing. I think I think people should call in and describe what they think Patricia looks like. Okay. Oh gee. <laughs> With your little heart. <laughs> what a sweet thing to think about. So uh, what does, does she sound like me? What Gary? What, what does she look like, uh, Gary? It's, it's, it's top secret. Yeah, it's all top secret. Top secret. I can't. All right. Well, let's uh, well let's get down to the bottom secret part here. Can't get on Facebook. So does she sound like me? I, I've never heard her. Oh. But you know no, what she you know what she looks like, but you haven't heard her. Right. Interesting. I'll tell you what, you're going to have me talking to myself by the time I go to bed tonight. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you do have the adorable voice, so what can I say? Well, I've got a voice that's being duplicated out there. Gee whiz. You're being cloned, I guess. I, my voice has been cloned. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, last night, it, uh, it, uh, uh, the the awful show cut out just before the second uh, episode. Interesting. Came I wonder if something wrong with Larry, with Larry File. And then it came it came right back on mm-hmm. as you were starting to talk again. So it was missing oh. the whole show. So did you hear it? It, it, it was I heard the first two fifteen minute shows that were playing. Did you hear both the fifteen minute shows, or did it go to dead air then? It went to dead air. But your commentary is all there. Oh, but the commentaries between, you know, you, you, you had your commentary first, then the show, then the second commentary, no show. And, and then, then your wrap-up commentary. commentary. And, okay, so one of the shows did not get uploaded. And then, um, uh, <laughs> after I think that's, is, is that the one where I said, just in case that wasn't enough awful stuff, here's another... Right. Yeah. Okay. But, well, that showed you. Well, maybe, 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 Larry did that on purpose. It was so bad. He didn't. He it just, was so bad that <laughs> we gave everyone a break. 
Isn't that interesting? Okay. Well, um, that means I I have something extra to play. Boy, now you're going to be interested in finding out that his file, his second file, never played, but you 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 were heard. But I was heard. Yeah. Yes. The, yes, indeed. The mouth of the South lives again. <laughs> the mouth of the South. Yes. And yes. Walden. Yes. I don't know why, but it's it's it only happens when when you and uh, Larry and John talk. Mm-hmm. That uh, we get that uh, that uh, double echo kind of sound. Right. I uh, something to do with the guy's sound card. And and sometimes it's, it's you that's just the one that's being echoed. Echo, echo. Yep. And then it's sometimes it's it's, it's Larry, and then it, yeah, we we've been. It's, scr- it's interesting. Yeah, it really is. We've been scratching our heads. See, you know, if Patricia was on Skype, then we would have no problem. But so, yeah. what can I say? We just sure we'd have a quadruple echo. Well, see, it'd be cute. I'm the I'm the stable one here. Uh, well, at least you didn't say you're not. At least you said you what. At least you say, at least you said, <laughs> underlined yes. it, that you're not that you're normal or not normal or whatever. I, no, norm, normal is not a word that I use very often. That's right. With good reason. Oh well. <laughs> Indeed. So, other than 78 degrees and you would love to have air conditioning under your sheets tonight, how is stuff? Oh, it's been interesting. Uh, last weekend, I um, I didn't get to hear nothing because I was, um, uh, how do I put this? She, it, uh, the the girl, the, uh, she is my semi-adopted daughter, surrogate daughter, kind of. Okay. Anyhow, I've 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 known the girl since she was um, a grasshopper. Diapers, and uh, she was as tall as a grasshopper. Yeah. Anyhow. Um, how high, How tall are grasshoppers anyway? Okay, go back. Depends on which one you want. If you have a big grasshopper or a small grasshopper. Yeah. Anyhow. Uh, Do they hop? She had a, she she just had a baby. Uh, her, uh, she just had a baby boy on April tenth. Wow. And uh, anyhow, she's been. Uh, he has a cleft palate, and uh, she's been having a lot of trouble um, dealing with all of that situation. That's what I had. I had a cleft palate. And um, so I. Uh, I went down and spent the weekend with them. Uh, and oh, that was really nice. This is hard for a new mom. How how is she doing on feeding? Um, well, we have a special special bottle, special nipples that uh, mm-hmm. that uh, yeah, it's got a is, longer nip on it. So sure, is she managing okay with this? Yeah, yeah, she's she's. She's managing okay. She was just, she just gotten ex- exhausted, and she needed some help. So. Oh boy, is that exhausting, Walden? How how much time has to elapse before surgery? 
I they did plastic surgery. I'm not quite sure. Cause you know, one out of every twenty babies have a cut palate. I did not know that. I know in India, it the numbers are just staggering. Yeah, but, but one, I didn't know overall that it was that bad. And, or and, that good and, and or see, that significant. Bo- both my brother and I have a cut palate. And I, I asked my folks. I think we had surgery, plastic surgery, by at least three. Well, probably before. Cause you know, you wanted the mouth to grow. Um, he, he's, um, let's see, today's the 21st, uh, so he's a month and 10 days. Anyhow, they're, they're waiting on him to be, be get 10 pounds. Hmm. Uh, I think he was born 7 pounds, and he's up to 8 pounds now. What they worried about was, at least for me, that I would swallow my tongue. So in a 24-hour period, they they sold my tongue to my chin, mm-hmm. and I ripped it. So that didn't work out. You know, I pulled, I I guess I wanted yeah. I wanted to use my tongue. So so and I, yeah. I, and, I and, and you're right. The the tongue has a tendency. It's not really swallowing your tongue, but the ten, the tendency is for the tongue to retract. And then it obscures everything, including breathing. And it's so funny that where they sold my tongue on my chin, mm-hmm. that little spot, I don't have any, when I grow like a beard or something, or, you know, my mm-hmm. hair, if I say, that little part of skin ne- ne- never showed hair. So it's scar tissue. Uh-huh. You poor baby. That's okay. Oh, gee. Oh, gee. So... So, Gary, when the baby gets to be 10 pounds, what are they planning to do? Then they're going to go to Milwaukee, have the surgery, and mm-hmm. and then when they get back home, then I'm going back down for a week. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Now, is this a stage surgery? So that, for example, when the baby is 6 months old or 12 months old, He'll have to go back and have additional surgery because his face and head and throat and neck and palate are growing? I don't know. I, I, I really don't know for sure. Um, all I know is that uh, um, not completely, uh, you know, his nose is completely formed, but his, uh, he doesn't really have a left nostril. Mm-hmm. And the and the and then the 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 cleft goes through that way, and he's got mm-hmm. you know the split lip. Yeah. But <clears throat> like he's got an uh, an overabundance of material on the right side of his mouth. Ah, uh, okay. So he's got two problems they have to deal with, as if the one wasn't enough. Wow. Okay, so they're going to have to reshape the one side. And repair the other. Yeah, so it's just... My goodness. Walton, did they ever use a prosthesis for use that they could change out until you got to an age where they were comfortable in permanently closing the opening? I, if, if that happened, I was never told about it. I don't think so. Mm. Okay. And, uh... I don't even know if it's possible. I mean, I'm, boy, am I showing my ignorance tonight. Well, no. I just don't know. No, I mean, I, I, you know, I stayed in a hospital, what was it, 17 days before I ever came home. Mm-hmm. 
but you know, I was such a, I was such a miracle baby. So they, uh, yeah. you know, with my all my conditions, so they we just you know, the weather. So. And one of the questions uh, his dad asked me was, um, is he going to be, you know, will he be able to qualify for disability? I said, for cleft palate, no. You know, and they said, well, he's going to have to do all his training for it to have a talk. Is it now the most he's going to have is probably a lisp a little bit, but you know, there. Mm-hmm. They'll figure it out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. The medical community will help them with things like that and whether or not they qualify for any kind of additional help or input or dollars or services. The medical community is pretty good with that kind of stuff now. Yeah. Didn't used to be, but they are now. Well, They're pretty much on top of it. So, um... They're good stuff. Well, you've had yourself a challenging and busy week or so, a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's... it's They're it's, very lucky they have you. It's really and taking I hope, a toll on my back, but... Uh, yeah. I hope somebody told them how lucky they are to have you in their lives. Oh, they... That you care enough to do this, yeah. They know it. They know it. Well, I, I'm glad that they do. You know, in my case, for, for my, cause I had such a problem to eat, yeah. uh, my dad was in charge of the feeding. And I think my folks said it would take about three and a half hours for me to work on a bottle. Yeah. So, you know, you know, you know I'm, I'm surprised. Well, you know, with an infant, you certainly want the sucking yeah. function to, so to, generally, to work. And I'm, I'm thinking of it that it might have been a good thing to consider a feeding tube. So generally, but my mom... wouldn't have done you any good. No, generally my mom... would have food in you, but other than that, it wouldn't yeah. have helped you physically but, in terms of developing muscles and so, you know, the so, kinds of reactions that babies have to have. So many times mom would come downstairs and she would, fall da- she would see dad sound asleep in the, in the rocking chair and there I was sound asleep on the chest. And the bottle, mm-hmm. and the and the and the bottle was right next to the on the table. So, yeah, that's what I did for Saturday. Yep, that's yep. Saturday and Sunday. Yep. Uh, almost every, all the time I could get a hold of him, I was, I was holding him, and he was in my arms. So yeah, I was loving it. <laughs> Good old father <laughs> instincts, you know. I'll tell you, this daddy stuff. You guys are so good. So good. Yeah. Um, so Walden, is, uh, I guess you was your palate really bad, or? Well, I, I, I it must have been because I had to do plastic surgery, you know, to cover it up. So it must have been. Um, because you know, it was one, it was one of the conditions I was born with, besides being. Extremely nearsighted, a cleft palate, and a recessed chin. That's why I would. Had standard nipples back then too. So yeah. Probably another reason why it took you so long to. Yeah. Well, with bottle. with me having such a small mouth, and so I would. You first, got a small mouth. Uh huh. I did as a little <laughs> kid. Yeah. I'm glad you said it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, <laughs> we have now, a week-to-week relationship here. <laughs> now, 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 can you believe this? When I was three no. years old, okay. <laughs> when I was three, okay. when I was three years old, I only knew five words. They say. You knew how to take your clothes off. Yeah, true. I I could do that very well in my in the sandbox. So what what were the words you knew? Mama, Papa, hot. That's that's the word I was told. Mom can't remember the other two. So she was always worried because she put me on the school bus to go to school at three. And I just knew five words. The other, the other thing, the other thing she was worried about, and it's a good lesson for, to all parents. They, they sat down with me. They sat down with my mom at like a peer conference at uh, like the first grade, and they said, "You know, Walton has a problem with memory. He can't remember. He can't put things in sequence." <laughs> so, the, the teacher. How old were you when they I first grade or so? Six or seven. You didn't tell her she was reciting the alphabet backwards, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, it was it was kind of you not to say something like that. So, so the moral of the stories, everybody. You know, if you're a parent and you got a kid with some problem, it'll work out. They don't. They don't know. They don't know everything. Let's put it that way. Well, or, my son's got Asperger's. Yep. So. And see, I bet he. I bet he amazes even you. Oh yeah. You know. That's the beauty about a kid. Very adaptable. Yes. Far more adaptable, typically, than the adults in our lives. I think. I think kids. A lot more flexible than the poor parents. I think the poor parents mm-hmm. are the one that worries yeah. about everything. And that's that's what I meant. Mm-hmm. The kids can, they just adapt. They're far more flexible than the adults in their lives. The adults have learned to be rigid in some areas. Kids haven't had enough time on earth to develop those kinds of things. Everything is new. Everything is bendable. Whatever has to be done, they'll do it. Mm-hmm. Kids are fabulous. How come we lose that? Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. You had a quote before the show. Or did you yeah. use it before the show? Yeah, but that, that was age that, and growing up. You're right. Yeah, it was similar. You're right, Satchel Page. Patricia, remember yeah. when we become teenagers, there's a chemical <laughs> change in the brain. <laughs> and everybody becomes brain damaged at that point. That's when we lose that innocence. I think... You're probably right. The hormones come up and the common sense goes down. Okay, okay. Now explain to me. Why are girls smarter than boys up to a certain point? Oh, I think they're smarter all the time. Well, we know that. But I mean, just... I, I, I just thought I'd throw that in. Yeah, I, know, I, know. I expected a reaction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody reacted. <laughs> um, it, it's a, I, that's really a great question. I don't know. But it's true. The, the maturity, mm-hmm. uh, the girls mature faster than boys and mature includes the brain. Their brain, parts of their brains develop faster than they do in boys. I heard an interesting um, talk radio topic, I think it was Friday morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, an educator has a new theory. She said 10-year-old boys shouldn't go, bother to go to school until they're 10 years old. Let them get it all out of the system first. They like to run around and build things and tear things down. 
wait till they're 10 years old before they go to school. And get, and get. Could you tell me what silly person <laughs> thinks that's going to be gone by age 10? We, we need to be talking age 45 here. Yeah, I was going to say, because I'm, I'm still tearing stuff. <laughs> Good grief. You, you don't recall which nutty person said that, right? No, no, but it's an interesting theory. So, and you know, in a way, I think it makes sense. Because I think my concentration level by age 10 dramatically jumped up. Well... Allow me to mention. Yes, my dear. That's in harmony with my theory that we should begin collecting Social Security at age 21. Live whatever we can do as fast as we can, as hard as we can, and then go to work when we're 55 or 60, because that's when people really want to work. Well, they know enough. They know enough by then to, to be really good, really good employees on the, on the workforce. You got it. They're good employees, enthusiastic, motivated, but they have to remember they're not going to get Social Security anymore. <laughs> I think we're paying it backwards. I think we ought to pay it, pay it to people who can really enjoy okay. it. Okay, I, ha- I have another, gosh, you know, so if you and I are head of education next year under the new administration, whoever that is, I think we've got some mm-hmm. interesting thoughts. I I don't like the premise, and I think this will work great for the three of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, school t- school the school day should be based upon your your sleeping cycles. <gasps> oh, so oh, uh, I'll vote for you. <laughs> <laughs> so those of us who are night owls, we get to go to night class. Those you those kids who are morning owls get to go to morning class. I think that that would have been more practical. Oh yeah. Well, what about us? At- that stay up from 11 till 7 in the morning. Well, we just got to find teachers that are willing to do the over 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 shift. You know, there has to be some. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And, see, and then we won't have to build new schools because we'll have people in them 24 I've, hours I, a day. I've often thought, why don't we do that? Because why spend the money in new buildings when you really could have full use of a building in 24 hours a day? There we go. Because, you know, I mean... So, President Walden... Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, well, you know, I mean... Uh, you know, there's been this big, this big debate in America about cost of higher education. And let's face it, a lot of the money that we throw into it is in facilities and... Just the cost of running a major school. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, let's just use it 24 hours a day, you know? Let's get, get the most bang for a buck. Works for me. Okay. Just, just oh, put boy, that we in. We have solved so many problems tonight. Well, I think... We're down to a minimum of, of two candidates for <laughs> nomination. Why don't we just throw our hats in the ring here? Okay, can we run on the bull moose ticket? I mean, we're good enough for Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> I'll be a moose and you can be the <laughs> be bull. The bull. <laughs> oh, I think we're going to be closer to the no nothing. <laughs> the no nothing. Um, yeah, who 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 ran, who ran on the no nothing ticket? I think it was Jefferson. Ah. 
I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Jefferson, the know-nothing ticket. Okay, you guys talk, and let me see what I can come up with here. <laughs> the know-nothing party, that's the word I was looking for. So, Gary, my dad's growing tomatoes in the backyard. He's, he has a, he has a green, he's trying to grow tomato again. So, anything growing over your, in your area right now? Oh, weeds. Weeds, okay. If you're going to plant, if anybody in your neighborhood were going to plant something, what would you guys be planning to grow? Um, hmm. I'm, I'm just, I'm looking at all the yards real quick, and mm-hmm. I've got uh, the lady whose yard is behind me. Okay. She's got a little, little thing that that's uh, probably a four by eight. And it's got uh, some uh, um, some flowers and uh-huh. like that in there. But um, right now, the only thing I know that's growing around here is I got uh, um, I've got a rhubarb plant in the backyard. Oh. And I got some strawberries. Uh, are, are bloomed, so. Now you know our Patricia's never had. Someone's having an experience here. You, you know our Patricia's <laughs> never had a rhubarb pie. She's never even tasted. That's rhubarb. what I mean. The leaves are poisonous. Why should I believe that the stems aren't? It's good. That because the poison goes all up into the leaves, but you you don't want to eat the rhubarb raw either. I don't want to eat the rhubarb. Yeah, the the stock. You don't want to eat it raw. You want to cook it. So what are you gonna make for your what? What can you make? What are you gonna make out of your rhubarb? Oh, well, I got one cutting already off of it, and I gave that to a friend, and she made her rhubarb crisp. And uh, I don't know. Uh, what 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 would that that be like a dessert kind of thing? Yeah. Okay. It's. Uh, basically, you know, the rhubarb and a little bit of sugar and uh, um, on a um, little, little uh, oatmeal crust. Oh, okay. Kind of okay. So, and, but um, I don't know. It depends on how much I cut and let it grow or whatever. I, I could make a pie or I could go all out and make uh, rhubarb uh, uh, preserves. Rhubarb what? Rhubarb, rhubarb preserves. Oh. Rhubarb jelly, something like that. So have you ever done that? Oh, yeah. Okay. A couple of years ago. Oh, yeah, am I learning stuff tonight? Okay, so how would you make a preserve and how would you make a jelly? Walk, walk me through the difference. Well, the difference is basically is that the, the jelly is um, has been strained a lot more and there's and where the preserves you got chunkier parts in it so would you uh, boil it first or, I mean what would be the actual process well you you, you cut you cute you cube your rhubarb all up and okay. uh, um, and then you've got uh, you Put your sugar in water and get that to a little bit of boil. Throw mm-hmm. your rhubarb in there, and uh, if you want to add any other flavorings or whatever, and uh, sit there and stir that, and um, until the rhubarb is 
um, well, if like I said, if you're wanting to uh, make uh, preserves, you don't want to uh, cook the rhubarb until it's uh, you know completely fallen apart. You want to you want it still in chunks. Okay. And uh, and then you get you get your gelatin put in there, and then put it in your jars and. And do the flat sealing process for that, and then uh, if you want to um, make a jelly, uh, the way I did it was uh, cook the rhubarb until it's just literally just falling completely apart, mm-hmm. and then put all that mixture in cheesecloth and squeeze and squeeze and squeeze and and till all the you know juices are all out and then you got that pulp left and just basically throw the pulp away but then you've just got the 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 juice and the and put your gelatin in it and then that's the jelly and sugar sure yeah well lots and lots and lots of sugar are the colors about the same if you look at the a preserve and a jelly are they uh, are the colors pretty similar? Yeah, they're both red. Uh-huh. So. so how long would you how long would you um have it set in the jar before you put it away in the refrigerator? You don't put it in the fridge. <laughs> you seal it off and put it in your cabinet. Yeah, and but then when you open it you have to put it in the fridge. Well, we put our jelly in the fridge after we're ready to have it. But that, sure, and you've already opened the jar, but when you make preserves, Gary, do you still use paraffin or wax on top for storage? Um, no, because I really don't store it because, you know, when I make it, I only make a couple of jars because I don't, I don't have a big, that big of a plant. So, how do you seal them? How do you seal them off? I really don't. I just, I, I well, you know, I just put the lids on and put them in the refrigerator because I and then put them in the refrigerator. Okay, so this is not. Well, then I apologize. I'm sorry. We're learning. We're learning, Patricia. We're going through life together. Learning. When 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 I think of preserves, I think of people doing what they call yeah. putting up preserves. So you get three dozen jars right. in your basement mm-hmm. in the in a well, cool area of the basement and you've put it in a jar and then used uh, a coating of wax which always stays on the top and it seals off the top of the jar and protects the stuff. But he eats it before he does <laughs> Well, see, I, I remember there's a one-man family show where both Hank and Pinky are doing preserves and jellies with, with with their mother, and they're walking uh-huh. through the process. It's a for for a non-farm boy like me. It's fascinating because they're they're working on a dozen jars or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the way the way you were describing what they were doing in nineteen forty-three. <sighs> you know, you're a throwback, Patricia. Have you have you have you ever figured that out? A throwback. <laughs> <laughs> Is that like a fish you don't want, so you throw them back no, in the ocean? No, no, no. Your heart, your heart is with the bygone era. Of oh yes, it is. Yes. It really is. Yes. I, I just, I, I think we have missed so much in our lifetimes. 
we, we just lost it along the way. And I know our parents said that and our grandparents said that. The good old days, we should have the good old days. The kids listen to the music the kids listen to. But I really think we got robbed. We have lost so much. When we listen to a Gildersleeve or a Fibber McGee and Molly, I sit back and think, my goodness, what a wonderful place that must have been to live. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's where my heart is. You're right. It really is. You are a small town girl. I'm a little kid from a small small town. town. Yeah. And I'm still adorable. I told my doctor the other day I'm adorable. (laughs) 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 He laughed. Well, it really is my nickname. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. We're going to have to watch you before we turn you out loose to the public, huh? I think so. That's okay. I don't know if you have to watch the public or you have to watch me. Which the public, the public is easier to manage. What can I say? The public is easier to manage. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> you are too funny. Uh, well, Gary, I am so glad you called. We worry about people we have not heard from for a while, and um, it, it's just a wonderful gift that you are giving this young woman and her husband and the baby that you care and you're there to help and you get gold stars for that. Yeah, it's, well, I, I, I call him my grandson, so it's, he's my first grandson. You bet. Mm. So you've, you've really got a vested interest in this, but not everybody would do it, and I, I just love you for that. Thank you for doing so much. Because I don't know when my my son's going to do it, you know, get me a kid. Yeah. Well, well this is good practice for you. <clears throat> yeah, this is my practice. This is your practice. You know, you're... you're, you're <laughs> this, is, this is not your dry run. This is your first run. Yeah. 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 You did good. Well, thank you, Gary. You have yourself a wonderful week, and be safe. Okay. You guys, too. You, too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Walden, I was so off base. I was so off base. What's what? I wasn't even, it was Miller Fillmore that the Know Nothing Party <laughs> nominated. Well, was, you were pretty close. It was, it was, it was an attempt, well, pretty close. Pretty I, close, 50 you know. years apart, yeah, something like that. Yeah, still pretty close. 60 years, maybe, <laughs> maybe 70. Mm. But um, it was... Former President Millard Fillmore, they were trying to elect. I mean, that poor man has been just. It, people go through a list of presidents and they say, "Wait a minute, there's one more," in there. <laughs> and it's Millard Fillmore. But um, the Know Nothing Party became the American Party. Huh. Well, those really, those really lasted, haven't they? Yeah, it, then according to, and of course everything on the internet is correct. Yeah. The Native American Party, and I think Native American in 1855 meant something different than what it does in, in 2016. Sure. So Native American Party mm-hmm. became, the Know Nothing Party became the American Party and became the nominators of Millard Fillmore in 1856. Wow. That was the Know Nothing Party. Boy, did I miss it. Well, you know. How did Jefferson get in my brain over that? 
Because you've been walking, uh, you've been working on your Jefferson book. I've been working on my Jefferson book. It really is a good book. See, you are learned. What can I say? I am learning. Oh my goodness, am I learning? He he was he he's not coming out really too great so far. <laughs> I hope I get to the great part <laughs> where he was our hero and savior or something like that. There. Hello there, Carl. You are on with the one who is learning everything about <laughs> stuff. I am We're all learning. Aren't we? Hello. Good morning, friend. I know who, I know who this is. It's the squirrel guy. Yes. <laughs> How are you? Hey. This is Fred in Vermont. I'm in a great mood today. Are you done with oh, Are you Are you done with school? Is that why you're in a good mood? Uh, no. Oh. No. Okay. That's not, a, that's not good when oh. school ends, because my income ends for the summer. Uh, so we need you to learn how to preserve or, or, or go bake, bake, yeah. bake and something. Yeah, I'm not one of these teachers that get this uh, year-round check even when they don't work. That sounds like a pretty good deal, huh? Yeah, it is a good deal if you get one of those gigs. <laughs> <laughs> no, they work hard. I don't want to say that. I don't want to get in trouble. Well, but, I guess you can only go back into the baking business. What do you think, Fred? Yeah, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> I mean, go in the squirrel business, sell squirrels. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. If you have a few more squirrels in the, in the barn, I guess you can put them back, at, put them back on. Make it through the summer that way, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, well, I did a, uh, I did a, there's an event going, I guess it goes across the country. It's a, Thing called Drum Strong for Cancer. I and think they have I. All these events during the month of May. Uh-huh. And I participated for the first time today with a goal to raise $500. And it looks like I'm going to shatter that, which is kind of cool. That's nice. I know John and Larry were performing today for something like that. So, so you did your thing too. That's good. Yeah, I did the same thing. We did five hours today earlier. Yeah. So, what did you, what did you guys do? Well, we just, you sit around, the rule is you got to have at least three people continuing to beat. You start at noon, and you just go, and you just do this, like, group drum beat thing. Um, and it's really cool. I mean, it's real family-friendly. It's real easy. Anybody can do it. You don't need to be a drummer or anything like that. You just uh, uh, show up and... They give you stuff, and you sit there and you pound it. So, in other words, you don't need to have musical talent. You just pound away. Well, as long as you can... Yeah, you should be able to, like, keep a beat, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, that would help. Although, we had a couple of little kids today that were just pounding away. They were having fun, so... Well, it, was a good, it, was, it was interesting. Wow. It was, uh, and we just went for five straight hours. Did you, have, did you have to alternate with your hands after a while? Oh, yeah. They had me, uh, they did me good. They helped me up with, uh, I'm learning to play the drums, too. I've been learning for a year and a half. Uh -huh. So it was kind of helpful for me because they hooked me up to, uh, well, they gave me a floor tom to play. And then they gave me, uh, when my arms got tired, I got two uh, pedals that were hooked up to, like, clickers. They make clicking noises, different clicking noises, mm -hmm. or foot pedals. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, so I messed around all, so I played all that. Yep. Yep. So you were sort of like the uh, Dick Van Dyke of today. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. I enjoyed it. And I met my goal, which was really cool. So. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting, interesting thing to do, but a good thing, I guess. So what's the next project for your Lion Club? Are you guys doing anything for the 4th of July or something? Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll do the parade. and. Okay. I guess this year we're going to be in it for a change, which is different. Um, I usually march in it, but I usually march with the... Uh, Sons of the American Legion. Okay. Another group I belong to. Right. Uh, but I don't know. Apparently, we're gonna we're gonna be in the parade this year as lions, and we're gonna do uh, our usual stuff: selling hamburgers, hot dogs. And we do. We don't meet during the summer, but we do a lot of things during the summer. We have uh, uh, there's usually a, a chamber auction. We usually sell stuff for that. Um. Uh, we do, like, uh, Farmer's Market. We'll show up, sell stuff for that during the summer. Uh, so we just keep busy. What, um, so in the parade, are you going to be in a, on a, in the cars? Or how, what kind of, what kind of thing you do parading I'll, I'll in? I probably do a golf cart. That's what I usually use. There's a local business that lends me in their golf carts. Uh-huh. Uh, which is cool. I get to drive around. Um, or I could, or we're going to have cars too. Uh, there'll be people marching, there'll be people in cars. Um, I was kind of hoping we'd do a flow, but I guess that was a bit too ambitious. So it ain't going to happen. Uh, we, have a big, we have a big 4th of July parade here. We're one of the biggest in New England. Our tiny little town. It's yeah. huge. We yeah. get, we get, uh, Bands from all over New England come come to our parade. Why is it so big? Why is it? Different? I don't know. I guess we just when I was growing up, we never had one. And then when I was about twenty twenty one, they started this thing and uh-huh. it, it just ballooned. They really pushed it. Uh, and it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And like I said, now it's, I know it's the biggest in Vermont. And I believe it's one of the biggest, like I said, in all of England. Any idea uh, how many miles it is? What? How 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 long do they have to walk or, or march? Is it, you know how long how long? Oh it God, takes? I, I the, the, the thing's huge. I uh, uh, we're usually up front with the sons. Okay. And uh, I mean the, the distance of the parade isn't that far. It's mm-hmm. but in the lineup is probably oh we start at the four quarters I bet I bet it's a half a mile at least so you guys decorate you, you dress up in a certain outfit with the with the sons or do they uh, no we usually well we have our, our you know our cap and stuff uh-huh. um, and then we just uh, it's usually us in the past, the, the the post has done uh, a float. Um, we haven't done one in a while, though. It's been a couple of years now. Um, so usually, it's just uh, the World War Two and the um, 
Korea, the Vietnam guys are riding the car. Um, and then the ladies' auxiliary will march. Uh, and then the sons will march. And then usually the riders, the Legion riders, go behind us on their bikes. Uh, like I said, we're right up front, which is kind of cool because we can uh, mm. uh, get done real quick and then watch the parade. But yeah, it goes on forever. I mean, it, it's. I bet it takes. I'm trying to. Th- it takes an hour anyway. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Hour and fifteen minutes to go through the whole thing, from start to finish. Um, and, and as far as how long it takes to march, um, I I don't know. Maybe. Maybe twenty minutes. So like I said, this isn't that big. It's uh, well, but it's packed. I mean, it's, you you go basically down Main Street. What what the route? Uh, yeah, we go. Uh, uh, we start at a place called it's called Park Street Extension. We go down Park Street, and then on the Main Street for about uh, a little over a quarter of a mile on the Main Street, and then that's it. Uh, we're right down through the center of town, right through the park. Um, and like I said, it's packed. There's people just everywhere. Um, I mean, I'll do, I'm going to be doing the fourth, the Memorial Day Parade, too. And the difference is, like, Memorial Day Parade takes, like, ten minutes. The whole thing. Mm. Start to finish. Um, it takes probably about five minutes to walk it. <laughs> it's a big, big difference, you know? Yeah. As far as the, the, the size and the scope of the whole thing. Uh, matter of fact, we we pony up. Taxpayers pony up. It's actually a big big gripe among some people. Uh, almost ten grand, which may not seem a lot. I don't know where you guys are from and how big the towns you are, uh-huh. friend. But for our town, that's a lot of money. Does it mostly go for blocking off the streets and things like yeah, that? Promotion, trying to get bands in. You know, you know, paying for the police department and stuff. And our gripe. You know, and the taxpayers' gripe is, you know, we we had a big issue here. We've had we've had some fights here lately about taxes getting out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were saying, well, we're paying ten grand for this, and you know, it really only benefits the chamber, the businesses in the town. It doesn't really benefit. I mean, it's nice to have it. And it's a plus. It's a it's a nice thing, and it does bring money into the town. A lot of people come from all around to be in the parade, but the people that really benefit are the businesses. So a lot of people are saying, if there's going to be anybody promoting it, they should be paying for it because they're the ones benefiting off it. So how big is your town? How many? What's the population? Oh, I don't know. Three. I'm horrible with that kind of stuff. Um, I'm going to guess 3,000. So really, you, you, you should all know everybody on the city council or however you, you're oh, governing. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh... Patricia, are you in a computer right there? I am. Population, Brandon, Vermont. See how close I am. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Population. <laughs> We'll be calling Patricia back here pretty soon because we'll lose her and we'll have to bring her back oh, in. Oh, that's right. Give me your zip code rather than making me spell something out here. 
So, Fred, when are you going to run? When are you going to become mayor? Uh, never. Why not? <laughs> uh, well, first of all, we still have a mayor. We have a council. And second of all, it's a town manager, and they hire them. They, we don't elect them. Um, well, you guys can fire him, right? I'm you, not stupid enough to be a town manager. You guys can fire him, right, if you wanted to. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, well... We've had issues. We've had real issues. We just, we just, we just, I, I don't really want to get into it, but we, we hire managers that have been fired by other towns for being corrupt. Uh-oh. <laughs> That's not good. We're, we're really brilliant that way. And then we wonder why we have to end up letting them go two years. You know, we just, we just, we just didn't went through an issue with one, and we had to let her go. And we ended up, she ended up, we ended up giving her a buyout. Um, so, well, you know, you know six thousand like, population and a buyout. This is, yeah. this is rocky territory. Wow. Yeah, there's so, lots of money too. For, it's crazy stuff. Yeah. For, for a really it's sh- like, why do you hire this person with that kind of background in the first place? So for, it's a long story. So okay. I mean, so for a small town of five thousand people, why do you need a a a, a management? I mean, good question. Especially the money they pay them. Right. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah, I agree. Why? I, 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 that's, I've been asking that question for a long time. I mean, I'm assuming the biggest... You have a police force. There's seven friggin' police cars. <laughs> Five thousand people. <laughs> okay, how many... Uh, it's, it's, it's nuts. It really is. <laughs> and then they wonder where we pay all these tax dollars. Maybe, maybe it would help to know... Geographically, the area of the town. Do they need seven patrol cars? I mean, really? Do they? Do the cops go home with their cars? Yes, that's half the friggin' problem. Okay. <laughs> well. Uh, and then they friggin' it, it, we've only got two guys yeah. on duty. Now get along this. We got. There's no more than three on duty during the day, and then from two in the morning, which is probably when we need them the most, to seven in the morning, nobody's on duty. They're on call. We got seven full-time police officers counting, or six, I think, counting the chief of police. And we got like five or six part-times. We got seven vehicles. It's it's crazy. It really is. Hold on, Fred. I think I need to get Patricia back. Okay. So I think we lost her. So stand right there. And this is fun. Jaws Professional, Patricia Alt Tab, Skype Trade Tab, Online Tab, Walden Tab, Search Edit, Active, Favorite, Martin, Ed Clue, Patricia Application, Send, Invite to Enter, Leaving Menus, Contact, Unloading, jo- Cancel, OK, Enter, Patricia. F-
Uh oh, you there? Hi, I'm here. <laughs> I'm just seeing if we got Patricia. Uh, uh We had a little phone issue earlier. Let's see if it's just straightened out. If not, I have to call her back. There you go. Okay, everybody, we're gonna give a call back. I thought I heard Patricia bleep, then she disappeared. So we're gonna hang up and call right back. So stand by, everybody. Okay. Jaws Professional Patricia promotes tab, Skype trademark tab, Online tab, Walden News tab, Search edit. Act favorite. Martin Ed Clute, Patricia, Bill Bragg, enter. Bill Bragg, end call button. Alt tab, Skype trademark tab, online tab, Walden Hughes tab, search at active blank. Active calls list box, Bill Bragg, favorite. Martin Ed Clute, Patricia, application, send and invite to enter. Leaving menus, contacts, unloading job, cancel, okay, enter. Patricia from... Are we going to stay on this time? Yes, we are. <laughs> Miracles happen. As, as I was saying. Yes. <laughs> oh, this is fun. We're talking about small town America here. We're seven, oh, we're seven police ago, cars. Yes. This is where I left off. Uh-huh. Did you hear me say years ago? No, no. We missed that. Well, you missed, missed that. Was, yeah. uh, where are you when located? The, with the cops taking cars home. It, okay. Years ago, it was called the Philadelphia Project. They started it in Philadelphia as an experiment. And everybody involved came up with all of these fabulous reasons why cars should go home with cops. But I'm not convinced. Oh, I'm not either. And, and we do use it here. The sheriff's office here sends uh, patrol cars home with their officers or their deputies. I mean, so, it's, it's makes, crazy. Makes for a safer neighborhood, that's for sure. Well, the other thing we just did, and, and, and it's just all this stuff that's, it'd be nice to have, but we can't afford it, and that's what they don't get. It, it's, mm-hmm. we just, we just hired, when I, when I, when I got out of college, I was on the recreation committee, and that was basically a group, we were, we were elected by the, by the voters, but we were like, like the Lions Club is basically, I mean, we got together once a week, we're volunteers, and we ran the whole town recreation. We ran the Little League. We ran, um, you know, the swimming program. We, we did we did all that stuff. Now, I guarantee the wrecks has gotten bigger. I, 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 I get that. Okay, but because now they do everything. There's no more school sports here. For, for little kids, it's all run through the rec department. So it's like no more elementary basketball, for example, if run by the rec department. But they're not that, programs aren't that hard. They're not that big. Mm-hmm. We, the rec committee disbanded because there was a big issue with the town. We would put in our budget, um, and then the budget, and then the, it would be voted for by the taxpayers. And then the town would take that money and put it in the general fund and control it, and then they would spend it somewhere else where we'd go to we'd go to use it and it'd be gone. Oh. And so there was a big thing, and finally the rec committee just said, "You know, we're done," and that was it. And nobody would run for it again. But 
we did fine when we were together. And as long as they let us have our money, we'd probably, they'd probably still be going today. And it wasn't costing anything. Now, we pay a rec director, I think it's almost $50,000 a year. For a small town. For a small town, a lot of recreation. Full benefits, you know, the whole bit. And again, it was, and, and, and they just got this in three years ago, and the, and, and the way they did it even was really kind of crappy, because what they did was people kept voting it down because they didn't think we could afford a rec, a rec director. And everybody said that's why they were voting against the budget. And they would resubmit the budget. It took six times. I think six times, but they, but what they would do is they didn't take the rec director position out. They kept cutting stuff that we needed. Oh my gosh! Okay. Sidewalk repair and all this other stuff, and their whole attitude was eventually voters will get sick of the ones who are against it. Will get sick of turning out and voting, and we'll eventually get this budget passed. With it. and they were right. That's the sad part. It took six friggin' times, but they were right. They ended up getting the right director. All right, Fred, who was the driving force behind keeping the director in the budget proposal? I, it was some certain members of the, the select board. Um, and, and I think the town manager <clears throat> had something to do with that, the one that we no longer have. Um, but it was certain members on the select board, richer members. Um, high, mm-hmm. there's, there's, see, there's this element of people that have lived here forever, their families have lived here forever, ever, and then there's this element of people who have made their money already and they've come here to retire kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, the, and those two groups are kind of at conflict with each other as to what they want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it's frustrating because it's... Is the fire department all volunteer? Yes. Yep. It's, uh, but I can't believe the size of our, our police force for me, again, for, for such well, a especially small Especially they're not, it's, and there's nobody on duty at night, so that, it, oh, that's an interesting... Yeah, there's nobody on duty for the four hours. I mean, they're on call, but they're not at the station. They're not yeah. calling. yeah. Matter of fact, there was a big um, thing here, uh, must have been 10 years ago, they, they talked about getting rid of the police department, uh, which and, and I wasn't like sure where I stood on that, because it is nice to have a local police department. Yeah. I mean, you, so you would be forced to get use coverage. The we would get coverage from the sheriff, or we would get coverage from the state police, yeah. but it's not the same. Um, and not necessarily the best choice because they're stretched thinner than local yeah. police departments are. Yeah, exactly. And and the and the issue with the sheriff's department is a lot of their funding is for tickets. So, <laughs> like like for example, and I never realized this, but like when our when our town when our police officers write a ticket, mm-hmm. that money goes into the town coffers. Right. Some of it goes to the state too. Um, right. When the sheriff's department writes a ticket, they that, the sheriff's department gets seventy percent of the proceeds on that ticket. 
And my nephew, who worked for them at one time, he would tell me they that's what they encourage. That That's their number one thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. The sheriff's it, office is run differently and apart yeah. from traditional police um, departments and organizations. The sheriff is an elected official. He's not... Um, Yep. He, he's not part of the system. You can elect anybody as, as your sheriff. And the sheriff gets to choose everyone who is on his force or her force. Right. So all of the positions are chosen positions. The sheriff is elected. He gets to pick everything underneath him. And typically when a new sheriff comes in, the old sheriff's office goes out. It really is a political system. Yeah. Yeah, what well, you have a police commission and a a chief of police. We have a chief of police. Um, so who who is he accountable to? The select board. Okay. Was, uh, we have a select board, and then the town manager kind of kind of runs that. And, and like I said, we've had a history of town managers that just we hire these people that. They're professional town managers, and they're not—they're not invested in our town. Matter of fact, our town is like a stepping stone to most of them, and that's another issue. Um, what about I'd your hire somebody who has a history here? What about street repairs and things like that? Is that a problem? Yeah, it's a big problem, um, and uh, we're. I mean, we're, they're doing it now. Things are getting a little better. Uh, matter of fact, I'm getting a brand new front lawn. I'm kind of excited because my lawn, um, somebody, my neighbor planted this tree, and it it's a beautiful tree. But the problem is now it's got it's 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 really my front lawn. It, there's moss spreading because of the shade. My whole front lawn is like all moss. It's, it's gone, and I can't, I don't have the money, really, to fix it. I mean, I, I wanted to fix it in the spring, and I'm, I'm trying to fix it, but it costs so much money. Well, the water department is replacing all the pipes. They're putting down a whole new pipeline down my road. Oh, and so there's basically just, what they have. a matter of happenstance, you're going to wind up with your new oh. lawn. This is cool. I'm gonna get a whole new front lawn out of the deal when they're done, yeah, which is really, really cool. So do they? You get okay, to, so you, how, how, I'm you, sorry. Go ahead. Do you get to choose what to be planted in your lawn, or did the city take care? Did, did the city say, "Well, you're gonna have marathon grass or whatever"? Yeah, they pretty much tell me what I'm gonna have, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah. All right. Then, then my question becomes: How long do you have before the moss takes over again? Well, that's yeah. That's hopefully I can stay stay up with it this time. Uh, instead of kind of letting it go. Yeah. Because uh, that was kind of my fault. I kind of let it go, and then it goes and spreads. So yeah, if I put lime down fault. in the spring, I should be all right. <laughs> uh, just kind of oh, life in it. America. See, Tim, Ricky, and Molly didn't have to worry about this kind of stuff. No, I mean, well, they... we are doing some exciting stuff. We've got a little town theater, and guess what we're going to have here in a couple of weeks? What? We're going to have uh, old radio shows done on stage. Oh, right. Oh, my yeah. gosh. What? Uh, Tell me about this. What's going to be happening? so cool. There's going to be, uh, they're doing an episode of Fever McGee and Molly. Oh, right. Doing, oh, my gosh. I forget. They're doing like four of them, and they're charging like five bucks for people to come listen. 
Um, and you will show up with some old-time radio CDs and say, these shows are really available. Oh, I've been pushing, yeah. I've been pushing you guys. I've been pushing the station, too. Every time, I, every time people talk about it, I'm like, yeah, if you really... So now everybody knows you're mad at the manager. <laughs> That's all right. They probably wouldn't be. So how big the theater? Maybe 100 people, 50 people? How big the theater? Oh, uh, it's not that big. Well, maybe... Again, I'm bad at estimating. Here I have uh-huh. a math teacher and I can't estimate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let me think. Uh, let's see, probably... When we do, when they do when I do the plays, they probably have oh ten yeah it's one hundred and fifty maybe that's pretty good yeah one hundred fifty two hundred so, so are they local it's people an old, old town hall which is a really cool building so is it local people that will be performing who who can yes. be ah yeah it's all local people um and they uh I just heard about it at the Alliance meeting because one of our members is going to be in it. Um, so he's kind of promoting do, it, do, it. Do they still have summer stock in New England? You know, where uh, that... come around our area in a while. Uh-huh. Last time I remember a summer group coming through here was about 15 years ago. Uh, doesn't mean they don't do it. Right. Um, but I haven't, I haven't seen them in a while. Um, I know that there's a, my mom was sick. And when she was six, she was, before she died, she was uh, in a nursing home in Williamstown, Mass. Mm-hmm. And there's a theater there, at least then. That was, again, that was 15 years ago. But they were big in the summer stock. They used to have summer theater every year. Groups would come in. Matter of fact, William Shatner performed there mm-hmm. years ago. Before it, it was big it. stuff. Catherine Hepburn, a lot of people would, would do the summer stock. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love live theater. We got, we've got a uh, a group here, and our, our local high school is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, matter of fact, they just won states, and we're going to New England's. Um, I don't know how they did New England's, but they did. We have a local. Like, Rutland's are kind of like our big city, if you want to call it our big city. Right. It's like a half hour away. And they have a theater called Paramount Theater. And they have some pretty big names. We've, uh, I've seen Lewis Black there. Melissa Etheridge is coming there. I've seen Joan Baez there. Uh, I went and saw Peter Yarrow there. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Peter, Paul, and Mary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they, I mean, there's some pretty big names. But our... Local, the two state finalists um, did perform there. They they did for five bucks. They had they there was a Woodstock High School and our high school, and these were really they were these plays were not only not only were they performed by the high school kids, they were written by these these kids, and they were really I mean. I mean, we're talking. I uh, risk. I mean, you know, real, real. Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? There are contemporary subjects. Uh-huh. Like, for example, the Otter Valley one. Uh, well, first of all, the Woodstock one was all about foster care hmm. and 
kids in the state who are just like they're lost. Right. Mm-hmm. Lost in the system and they got no home and they've got and then um the Otter Valley one was like about uh, it was all dance and it was basically about kids that were hooked on heroin. Wow. And and how they're they're, they're dying at alarming rates and, and yeah it was and it was really really and how kids are feeling you know it was all about heroin and like teenage suicide and and all this stuff wow and it was all done through dance and it was like very very little dialogue in the whole thing there was dialogue in the beginning and in the end and that was it and it was really good I mean I I was impressed I was like wow. You know, and it, and it got the, the both the plays got the message across. Um, it was impressive stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Sure sounds like it. Wow. Yeah, and it was, and, and so I, you know, it's so there's some some good stuff. We get we get some good stuff for our tax dollars. I mean, I, I'm, our schools are good. Um, real happy with our schools. I'm I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Uh, but you know it's it's frustrating though because I'd like to I'd like to die in my house, but I'm not sure if I can be able to afford it. A property tax going up in Vermont, or how do they? Uh, yeah, it is. It's although Vermont has been helping out, they got this thing where they they subsidize. So for, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be able to live here. Mm-hmm. I yeah. the, the state of Vermont basically pays 65 percent of my property tax to the town, mm-hmm. um, which is great. I mean, I'm not complaining about it, believe me. Um, but it's, they're, they're not sure how much longer that's going to continue. Yeah. Vermont doesn't have a whole lot of money either. Uh, and what they did with me, about five years ago, they said, well, we're going to drop your property tax rates. Uh, and like almost in half. I'm like, great, that's cool. Well, then they went around and reassessed everybody. Uh. And and basically they went they they reassessed me. I was at ninety seven five on so I was paying before and they, they upped my 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 value to like almost hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Wow. Ninety seven thousand almost thirty three percent, yeah. Oh my and I was like, gosh. you know what, I'll tell you what, if you think my house is worth I went down and told this too. Do you think my house is worth hundred and fifty thousand dollars? I'll cut you a deal. You write me a check for hundred and thirty right now and you can have it. You know, this is staggering because the assessed valuation on a house is typically less than the market rate. Yeah. And this is crazy. I I'd be lucky to get a hundred thousand dollars for this place. And I'm paying on hundred and forty seven five, so the funding for education is it is it you know redistribute income in other words and they tax they take it from every county in Vermont and it's shipped up to state and then the state decides what, how to spend the money through different sh- schools. For, and what do you mean for for property tax? They do that here with the school with the school district. We pay, for example, we pay our school taxes. But it goes to the state, not to the county, oh, no, no. and then well, the local. state takes the money and redistributes it. And I, is that what? Yes, that's, that's what how that's yeah. how California does it. Yeah, yeah. We uh, I don't I don't know how other states we do pay, it. Uh, we pay a certain amount of money for a 
Okay, so basically, we have a, we have a an elementary school which we pay for, and then we have a union high school which we split with four other towns. Proportional. Okay. So each school will put forth a budget, and then the town will put forth a budget, and then the taxpayers will vote on each of those. So we'll vote, we'll vote on the elementary school budget, we'll vote on the Otter Valley budget, which is our high school, and we'll vote on our town budget. And then once those are passed, they will basically calculate your property tax mm-hmm. for, for all those. So everybody, mm-hmm. yeah, no, we, 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 we fund our school. Our money stays in town for our school. Our town, town pays our... Now, I don't know how the high school stuff works because we get, it must, it must go to the district because we get, I work for the high school and I get paid by, the, I don't get paid by the town. I get paid by the supervisory district, supervisory unit. So I bet so, uh, everybody keep track of local politics then. Yeah, I mean, it does. I know I know the town charges us, uh-huh. so I don't know if it if it goes to the town and then they they pay the district. I don't know how that works. I'm not sure. I know that that we we vote for our, we vote on the budget though for the high school. Do they broadcast the the city council meeting on TV like they do out here in California? Oh uh, yes, they do. Yep, they have the the closed access TV. Mm-hmm. Um, we finally got some new blood in there last election, so hopefully, and I think things are changing a little bit. Um, so, or <laughs> everybody and everybody knows nobody knows your last name, Fred. Oh, <laughs> well, they all don't. Be. So maybe there's an element of anonymity. However, you have a very distinctive voice. I don't think you're safe. No, they don't be. But, but they're, they're, I'm not shy. Everybody knows my opinions on this stuff. I'll bet I would have bet on that. Have you gone down to the city council and let your and let your uh, your voice be heard? Oh, I'll tell you what. I the last oh, manager we fired. It 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 takes a lot to tick me off, but she did it. Uh oh. She uh, my my family has been paying. We bought this house in 19. 19- 61. Wow. So between my parents and me, we've been paying taxes to this town for, you know, 45 years, 55 years, 55 mm-hmm. years. And uh, she comes in, and, and I understand delinquent sewer bills and water bills were a problem, a big problem. You know, we've had people that haven't paid their water bill in like five, six years. <laughs> Crazy stuff, you know. Does anybody and, know where the off switch is? And, and, and I'm all for shutting those people off. I, I get that. Okay. Well, I I owed I, I don't know, fourteen dollars or something on a sewer bill. <laughs> but it was like you know I I didn't pay the whole sewer bill. I'm going to pay it off the next time around or something. Uh-huh. And I get a registered letter that costs them eight dollars or something to send. <laughs> They just sell my house for a fourteen dollar bill. Well, you know their computers are working. I was friggin' livid, and I went down there. We had a chat, 
and, <laughs> and I just I just waited on why. I said, this is nuts. And, and she sent it out to everybody who owed any money. And they're, they're complaining they don't have money. And she's sending out hundreds of these at $8.50 a pop. And I'm like, are wow. you kidding me? Over $14? <laughs> Oh, no, 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 i got to legally do that. I, I can't send it with just one. i got to send it to everybody. That's the law. And I'm like, well, then maybe you shouldn't send them to everybody. I mean, I don't know. That, that sounds crazy to me. Especially at $8.50. Yes. I, I yes. Was, can, I was, can we introduce the concept of common sense and judicious use of money? What what the old story I heard that, yeah. that it, it, sometime in some cases... It cost them more to send a, it, it put the stamp on the letter than oh, it, sure. the, than the oh, check. Sure. They, I, got an, I got a bill one time for thirty four cents. <laughs> That's crazy. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, it's, you wonder why you ain't got no money. You know, mm. you know, wake up. <laughs> and, and and she was oh then after all this, and I and she's like, you know, I'm like, and it, it's not like I got behind on purpose, you know. This lady has already ripped off one town, and oh my. So she she makes everybody knows who Fred is. Hundreds <laughs> of thousand dollars a year, and then when this conversation's all over, and, and I finally come to you know agree with her, and I'm like you know, she's like well you know don't worry about it, you can pay next time. I said like lady, no, I'll pay you now. Here's my card. Take your fourteen dollars and seventy cents. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't even want to deal with this, you know. Fred. The, as I'm leaving, she's like, oh, and I would encourage you not to fall behind anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I, I walked out because I wanted to hit her, uh, you know. I was like, I just wanted to slap her. That's, that's as good as encouraging people to do <laughs> Fred, I have a question. <laughs> What's that? I have a question. Okay. If we don't hear from you for a couple of weeks, who should we call? <laughs> Oh, God, that's a good question. Um, Just as a house check, they they do a well check. On on, Police officers will do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, yeah. We'll call the the Sunday of the Legion or the local Lion Club. We we can't call the police department. We've already (laughs) talked about their seven cars. We can't call the general, the, the manager of the um, oh, of the community. The We've already put him in the trash barrel. Um, who's left? Well, don't tell me. The, sheriff, the sheriff's no, no, office no, no, keeps the money, and they, they're elected uh, and uh, appointed. Don't tell me so hasn't don't... been long enough on the job to get screwed up yet. So <laughs> we can we call the school? Oh, yeah, there you go. Okay, we'll, we'll call it. This is the high school we should call, correct? Oh, no. Yeah, the high school would know. The high school would know. All right, we will call and say we, we're asking for a well-being check. <laughs> oh, gee. Oh, well, and they certainly well, would well, recognize well, your well, name. Well, when I got sick in 2013, mm-hmm. yeah, my nephew called the school and explained to them, this is how much I'm loved here, explained to them <laughs> what was happening to me and how I almost died, basically. Right. You know what their response was? This is one person, though. This is the secretary. And she might have been having a bad day, so. <laughs> but she was like, well, I don't know if we can get a sub for him. <laughs> <laughs> and my nephew was like, uh, well. What? 
<laughs> Probably. <laughs> this, is, this is not a bad day. This is an absent without leave day. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Oh, my heavens. Oh, Fred. The guy almost died. Are you worry? You think I care? What, will you get a sub for him or not? How about asking if he's okay? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, it was oh, my like goodness. That. I couldn't believe it. But are you serious? <laughs> no, they were all worried because they couldn't find a sub for you. Well, now, all right. Now you've now we've done this with the school, Fred. We have to we have to protect someone who will be amenable to going out to your house and saying, "Are you okay?" Oh, they love being towns. Everyone okay. loves being towns. Well, yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not sure. Not sure about the town officials, but we'll work on that. Chief of police loves me too, and I tell him to his face that I think he's got too many cars. <laughs> <laughs> well. When when you consider they have to run twenty hours a day, yeah, and you need at least a backup because not all of them are going to be in the garage at the same time, obviously. So you're up to four. Does the police chief have his own vehicle? Oh, of course, yeah, he is. He is. That's a- five. <laughs> we're up to five, and we're really we're we're down to the wire here with a twenty hour a day. So we got to have a couple backups because exactly. You know, something gets something breaks down. You need, you need a minimum of four to cover uh, your twenty hours a day, and probably five plus the police chief's uh, car, plus uh, one for backup because the all of them know, have to have a service cycle. So seven is their minimum. I'm sorry, Fred. That's it. Yeah, we go by there the other day. Oh, they got a brand new police station too, which is nice. Oh, <laughs> did they get new yeah. phones? Brand spanking new. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's, uh, went by there the other day, and it, like I said, there was like five cars in the parking lot. And they only have two people on duty. I don't know where the hell they have five cars in the parking lot, but they were there. Um, so. Four of them were paying their traffic tickets. <laughs> That's probably it. Probably it. But they're, uh, you know, I mean, I don't. I, I mean, I'm glad we have. I'm glad I have police. Don't get me wrong. I, I, police is a good thing. Um, but, but you know, now we get to the qualifiers. This is a good thing. It is a good thing. <laughs> you know, but you can have too much of a good thing. <laughs> you it's know? a good thing to have you qualifiers. These are these are Fred's yeah buts. That's right. It's. Uh, mm-hmm. But I love my town, so you know, I'll stay here as long as I can. And, and I and there's a lot of good people in this town. It's a, it's a good. It's the kind of town where, like, for example, I don't I I can't plow my driveway, but I never have to see. I never worry about it because it gets mm-hmm. people do it for me and they don't charge me. Um, you know things like that. People help each other out. You know, it's it's, uh, it's a small town with a small town personality. Yeah. Small town attitude, which is which is nice, uh, and I love the town. It's just I hate to see it. You know, it, it seems like there's a, there's a. We've had towns here, like my mom's town, for example. She grew up in a in a town called Manchester. We've probably heard of it. Um, mm-hmm. And at the time, it was a small country town, and it is just it, it, it happened quick. Too. It happened in a matter of like five years. It is now so commercialized. Oh dear! 
and you've got to have you. You basically got to make six figures on a house there. Ouch! You know, nobody else can afford it. The taxes are crazy. It, it's my 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 aunt and uncle made out like bandits because they basically they lived in the house the house that my mom grew up in. and They took care of my grandmother. Mm-hmm. You know, she pretty much owned the house. And then when she died, they had taken care of her for so long that the rest of the brothers and sisters basically gave them the house for a, for a song. I mean, real cheap. Yeah. They, I think they paid each one like $7,000. And then... That's, that's not even a song. That's a little tune. Wow. I mean, there were six of them still. Yeah, it wasn't a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, even in the 70s. And well, anyway... You know, 10 years later, 15 years later, this commercial boom comes along. And that whole, all the houses on that street are being bought up and turned into businesses. Mm, my gosh. They hold out, they hold out. And they're the last ones to go. And I think they got almost a million dollars for that place. Just for the property. Wow. It, they they made out it was like they like won the lottery yeah they they made out really well, um, which is you know good for them. It happens, but but the towns the town but gets back to my original point. The town's destroyed. It's horrible. It's not the same yeah. town. They even level the hill. My my across from my parents' house, my mom's house. I got a picture. Um, my mom used to like to draw, and I got a picture of her of her doing her house, freehand drawing, and she didn't, never never finished it. But it was when she was 15 years old, and she was sitting on the hill across from her house, across the road. Mm-hmm. And and you can also see there's certain photographs from their porch of a parade from you know, like the 1920s, and you can see the hill in the background across the road. And I remember the hill when I was a kid. They could across from there, and can see it. It's now God. They leveled it. Took the whole hill right out. It's flat to put it in Grand Union. Wow. It's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, and, and we're talking a matter of, you know, four, four years, five years. That's all it took. And, it just, just got, and, and I just don't want to see that happen here. There's a big push for that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, putting stuff up we can't afford. Yeah, you're perfectly ripe for it with your small-town personality. People flock to small towns, and suddenly they're not small towns anymore. Yeah, exactly. They and that's play. what happened that you're describing. Oh, no. dear. Okay, well, as long as we know, we can call the school and check on your well-being. We're good. We're good. Uh, And like I said, you know, I don't smoke anymore, so I plan on being good for a while. Uh, Did you? Oh, gosh darn it, I haven't checked. Did you quit? Oh, yeah, I quit. Oh, my gosh. High five for you. I am so proud of you. I I, I did fall off the wagon with my Pepsi, though. Listen, that's a slip. That's not a yeah. fall off the wagon. That's a slip. Yeah, but but yeah, no cigarettes. They're done. They are done, done, done. I done. am. Oh, just high five for you. Oh, so, uh, here, see, our eagle got a successful surgery. What? Maybe eagle that got hurt. 
<gasps> oh, my poor eagle. Yes, he did have successful surgery, and they yeah. checked the pin in his leg today, and it was good. It was in position, and he's starting to move around, and they put him in, a, in an enclosure that's a little bit larger than his complete cage rest. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize until I heard you earlier tonight say that that little owl cost created the whole deal. Huh? It, it must it must have been a big one. And he he knocked both of them out of the tree. They were the cam is I don't know what happened. It's either the cam or the nest. There's something wrong because all you can see are a couple of tree branches. So I don't know if the cam got moved. As a result of it, or the nest got down, I don't know. Anyway, you can't see anything with the cam up there except a tree. Um, but from what I understand, there were people, there are people 24 hours a day who are watching this cam, and it was about 3 o'clock in the morning, and they saw this owl swoop in, and down went the two birds, and only one came back, and they were looking for him for a long day. He was out seven days it took them seven days to find him oh wow that's why he was so sick he was dehydrated he had the broken leg he couldn't move and, and the poor he must have been able to move because he was not at the base of the tree and both uh, of them had fledged so they were able to fly and the one was able to get back up but not the other one so, wow Anyway, they found him, and he is still in critical and guarded condition, but he is doing better, and they put him in a larger-than-complete bed rest cage. Oh, cool. Good. So okay. I'm really happy to... Uh, now, how long do they, they stay right till the end of the season, then they don't come back? Is that how that works? And they, and they don't come back. They stay until the end of the season, and then they migrate, and the young ones leave with the parents. I don't know if... They stay with the parents, but it's the parents that come back. We never see the juveniles again. Right. Okay. That's what I thought. But, uh, it's cool watching them, the whole developing thing. It's, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, it is. Yeah. It's, and I was a wreck. <laughs> I'm always a wreck. When she had twins the last time, it was two years ago, and I, I was I was back and forth at the computer watching, saying, are they okay? Are they okay? Because one is always bigger than the other. They're born about three days. I said the eggs are laid about three days apart, and, of course, then they hatch about three days apart. This time it was only, gee, I think maybe less than 48 hours. It might have been like 36 or 38 hours between the hatching. So the younger one and got a little bit of a head start, except he's the poor little guy who got the fishing line wrapped around his leg. and Oh, well, yeah, I, he's I'm a, a wreck. And the I older one I'm, still has been a bit of a bully at times, too. Say that again, please. The, the older one? The, yeah. The, 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 the e, uh, E7. E7, E7 he's, yeah. He's a bit of a bully at times. And that's that's why we lose so many of the younger ones. Those two or three days make such an incredible difference. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And they, they get bonked on the head and pushed out of the nest and yep. pushed aside when it's food time. But, yeah. I, I remember so, anyway. one time when they were, were eating, and it was like the, the, the father was feeding the big one. 
And mm-hmm. if the little one would try to get in, the, the the big one would kind of snap at it. Yes. But then the little yep. one would, like, sneak a bite real quick. <laughs> it, it was like... Good. It, yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool the way it was doing it. Yeah. It was waiting for it. In, interesting. It was time, I thought it was... Moment, in- and then it would, like, grab a bite real quick and then, like, chew. It, was, it was funny just to watch it. And Yeah. Yeah, and they are so cute. But one of the things that happened as a result of the littler one, which is the one that's injured now, and he's not so little, um, when he was caught in the fishing line, I'm assuming it was still stuck in a fish that one of the parents brought back for the kids, and he got tangled up in the fishing line. I don't know how he wound up at the rehabilitation area Somebody must have gone to the nest and gotten him. I, I can't imagine who would have put on a hazmat suit to do that. But anyway, while he was there, he was being fed regularly. So he kind of got a leg up on what his brothers and sisters in other nests would be going through. Oh, okay. So I think that, prob- that, that because he got fed at the rehabilitation center until they could bring him back, I think it made a difference. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. We have uh, uh, an organization here in Vermont called, oh, what's it called now? When I worked at camp, they used to they used to uh, bring birds in and do presentations for the kids. Mm-hmm. And they've had eagles in the past and uh, stuff like that. They're usually birds that were injured, same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They were injured or whatever, and they, they went in and brought in to rehabilitate. Uh, it's called Vermont Institute of Natural Science and they they have this whole program um, it's fascinating I mean mm-hmm. they've had eagles they've had um, you know, all kinds of different birds uh, and they do shows on them they, like I said they bring them around to, to kids and a lot of the I think a lot of the ones they bring in are ones that they can't return to the wild for whatever reason yeah you know, they're never yeah. going to go back. Um, but the kids get a big kick out of it. I uh, do. And, and the birds seem to do okay with it. Uh, but it's, I don't know, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. They're interesting creatures. They are. Uh, and we're so lucky to have them. And my friend's got an owl She's got an owl cam that she turned me on to. I watched that one, too. Those are interesting creatures. Uh, Only when they don't grow up to pick on my eagles. Yeah, well, there you go. I don't think these are from New Hampshire, so I don't think these are the same owls. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. But it's the same thing. You know, they usually have babies and a little bit. They show the whole thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I remember the time my mom got a, we had a bird in here, a bat, in the house. <gasps> yeah, that was so funny. Funny, that's mom, scary. That was, oh, she was petrified. They bite. We had all the friggin', we had all the doors open, and, and she's chasing this thing around the house with a broom. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. It was, mm. I felt bad for her, though, but she had, you know, I had to get it out, because what happened was we have this attic, and it's not, it's not really an attic. It's like a offshoot room, but 
but it's not insulated. And it, and the birds could get in underneath the rafters. Mm-hmm. And we had a bag get in there. And uh, she opened the door up to get something, and it flew inside the house. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I also have a problem where I'll find uh, birds dead on my porch now and then because I got glass windows on my porch, mm-hmm. and they'll fly into the porch, and then they can't figure out how to fly back out. Now we have something else to worry about for you. Well, Our worry I, buttons are in overdrive tonight. You understand that. My dog used to take care of it, but I don't have him around anymore. Yeah. Was he, loved, sad. he loved playing with the birds. Deb, Deb was great playing with the birds. He used to chase them out all the time. Never heard him. He used to play with them. He never heard them. No, he didn't. He wouldn't. He wouldn't bite them. He wouldn't. <laughs> I don't think they liked him, though. But... <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but he's... Probably not. So, well, anyway, I'm glad you gave us contact information. I'm glad you are well. You sound good. You said yeah, you're having a happy yeah, week. I'm very good. Like I said, I'm so proud of myself. And you should be. Today, and you should be. So, okay, we'll put you on our worry list and keep you there until we hear from you again. Well, it ain't my fault. I try to call. <laughs> I do. I believe you. I usually end up falling asleep before I can get through. Yeah, we we, we have a propensity for doing that. We put a lot of people to sleep. <laughs> That's a good thing, though. Yeah. Good thing. It's our purpose <laughs> in life. To put people right. to sleep. Everybody's got to have a We purpose. keep you at a comfort level. That's right. It's, 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 a, it's nice going to sleep to a soothing voice. Absolutely. Oh. Uh, and I noticed you never answered, how come, you, you never answered, uh, some, somebody said he said somebody in town that looked like you, but he yeah. said you, were, you, you didn't answer, you didn't ask him the question, how he knows what you look like. I know. Well, did. What did he say? Well, Walton did, and he said he was only kidding. Oh, okay. I didn't hear that answer. I was curious. He was joshing. Well, okay. just think of it this way. Just, you know, think of, th- think of Mel Monroe, and she had nothing on Patricia. You know what I think you ought to do? Right, that, yeah. I think you ought to have Otherwise, a... I'd never be the pinup girl. <laughs> I think you ought to have a contest. Uh-huh. Where... Viewers send in pictures of what they think Patricia is. <laughs> <laughs> and you can, like, post it on the webpage. There you go. Yeah. There you go. And then Patricia can pick the winner. There you go. Perfect. The one that's the closest. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you some, I'll give that some thought. Okay, you do that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll put it on Facebook. That way her sister can look, look at him. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. The sister can pick the winner. Yeah, sister can pick a winner on Facebook. <laughs> there we go. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't seen each other for a while. <laughs> Are you twins? No. They're not no. twins. Now, twins. What was the question? Are they twins? Are you and Barbara twins? twins? Oh, good grief. She <laughs> says no. <laughs> No, we're not. Oh. We are not. We're not even triplets. Oh, 
I've still got my dollar, by the way. Oh. Well, we're, we're going to buy the stock. And that, the, uh, yeah, well, we, we're, we're inside General Mills. We're just negotiating the final deal. Okay. So we have accomplished everything, everybody. So, so right, cool. yeah, yeah. It's taken a, a few years, but at least we are ne <laughs> negotiating the final deal with General Mills. So we... Well, one dollar never left my bedside. I'm well, that's key. See, we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to figure out another. We'll have to. Well, your influence did. Well, we might have to buy stock in something else. You know, like a. I don't know. I still have to, and I, I keep forgetting to do this. Ralph and Tony out in California disobeyed instructions and sent two dollars at least three years ago. Right. And I I pinned them on my bulletin board. So when they go back, they're probably going to be bleached out, 50% bleached out because they've been hanging in the same place for three years and a punch hole in the corner. <laughs> but I have to get their $2 back to them. Well, maybe we come up with another investment, you know, like a uh, a tree farm, a Christmas tree farm for Patricia to run or something, you know. Oh, there you go. Oh, uh, there's the call. Here. I have to... Good grief. Wait, Ralph and Tony still call you? Yep, when they can get in. Okay. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's just, uh, Ralph got home from the hospital a couple months ago, so he's been, uh, recuperating pretty well, so, and they, they're starting to go out, they're starting to go out to the Moose Lodge to eat, so that's a good sign. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And they're getting rain in the lake, so maybe they're out fishing. There you go. Yeah. Had a friend of mine that posted a, they got Facebook today. He got mm -hmm. a big old fish, probably enough to feed our whole town. It was huge. They're probably levy a tax on him, huh? What's that? They're probably levy a tax on him. Yeah, probably will. You know? Yeah, gonna gonna have money to take care of those lakes, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. Well, I'll let you go. Thank you, Fred. And we will get sleep. back so to you, putting you, you to sleep. Keep on talking for me, okay? Well, we we got stuff to go over, so you bet. Okay. Thanks, Fred. Have a good night, guys. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, I think family. I think that's just gonna be Patricia and I. It will be just the two of us. Uh huh. And I have questions for you. And coffee in my microwave. <laughs> <laughs> You talk for 45 seconds while I go retrieve my right. coffee. Oh, Are you there? Yep, yep, yep. Okay. I am oh, you're retrieving something, too. Yep. What a pair we are. Oh, yeah. Well, she here. Tomorrow, Ed Coot will be on with us, so we'll probably stump the Coot. My mom will have to get out her songbook, and we'll come up with more obscure songs to see that Fred, that Fred and everybody knows that, it, that Ed may or may not know. So that will be tomorrow. Um, next week, Memorial Day weekend, so we want to salute everybody who have served our country. We love you. Thank you for uh, serving. It's really fun. Up in the San Francisco, look, look like I got four or five World War II airplanes on display. Oh, and, how cool. And you can go in and take a tour and go in and see them all. So that's what they're doing next week. So I'm asking... Each community got something very special, so uh, you might want to check your local news and see it's something special to on the Memorial Day weekend. You know, it, after all, it's more than just a sale. You know, you know, it's mm -hmm. 
So put that. We lose sight of, as a country. We have lost sight of so many of those things. Um, Fourth of July is not just a picnic day. It really is a critical part of our history and something that we celebrate. And we wind up going on picnics and saying, "Boy, am I glad I have the day off from work." So what? It means more than that. That's true. So if you listen to her on July 2nd, Patricia's going to tell you why America means so much to her. Hmm. Patricia's going to yeah, write... I could do that. Patricia's going to write an essay and read it out, out loud. Why do I love America? <laughs> why do I love America? Uh-huh. We don't have enough time. Well, that's going to be... On a Saturday night, we do not have enough time. I'll have to break it up over a period of time. So so start that during the... Se- don't know July second special programming. Why do I love America? By Patricia. Okay. Yeah. So it was a dark and stormy night. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You know, I I was laughing about that today. Oh. I don't know why it crossed my maybe because I've got it in my bookmarks, the Bulwark Litton writing <laughs> competition. <laughs> It was a dark and stormy night. It's not exactly awful. I mean, you could probably come up with something a little bit better, but I mean that sets a mood. So, a so, tone. so, so, I, so, so adorable. If if you're te- write, teaching a writing class, and I've, mm-hmm. if I put that in at the top, at the, my top line, you might I might get a smile out of you, right? Well, however, there yeah. is a P.S. to this. Uh-huh. I thought, nobody has ever put this in context for me. I don't know what it was a dark and stormy night was attached to. I don't know what came after that, which may have put it in the toilet. (laughs) It was a dark and stormy night. Snoopy was sleeping inside his doghouse. And Snoopy's typewriter was covered for the night. (laughs) So just today, just today, I said, Patricia, and she said, yes. Mm And I decided I had to go out and find whatever piece of work begins with it was a dark and stormy night and read the first paragraph or at least the first page and find out what context this opening line is in. Now, doesn't that sound like something I should have done a long time ago? No, it sounds like you have just reached critical mass and decided (laughs) to do it now. My brain woke up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh well. At least it cut, at least it opened. You know, my my little brain door opened. Sometimes I just want to slap myself upside the head and say, "Are you in there?" Woohoo! Anybody home? Mm-hmm. Anybody exactly. home? Okay. All right. Here's here. I'll give you one more. National Park question, uh-huh. and then we can do to go to your questions, right? Right. Okay. Which president, or did we already do this one? Let me see. Well, mm-hmm. da, da, da. My answer was, and it wasn't. He signed in 1872. Okay. Yeah. All right. Which, which president signed the National Park Service into existence? Was it Grant? No, that, cause that's what I said. Didn't we do this one already? Yeah. No, it it was, the question was, um, the question was, 
Which one was the first uh, national park? The first national park, yes. Okay, well, my... And, and, so, and this time I'm asking you for the National Park Service. Which president signed that one in? I'll bet a, a million dollars. How about Teddy Roosevelt? It was Teddy Roosevelt. Bless his little heart. By yes. the way... Um, oh, wait. Wait, yes, wait, yes. no. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> it wasn't. Oh. <laughs> That's when I got wrong. I said Teddy Roosevelt, <laughs> and the answer was wrong. How? What did they know? That's what I say. Yeah. But I looked it up, and everything on the Internet agreed, sure. so I'm going to believe it. Um, it was not, no, I said Teddy Roosevelt, and I was wrong. And if you tell me, each time I ask you a question, you can say, you were wrong on this one, weren't you? <laughs> You'd be pretty good. I mean, I got six out of ten wrong. Not bad. Abraham Lincoln. No, it was Woodrow Wilson. Oh, well, you're doing that Created thought. the National Park Service, which was a new federal bureau within the Department of Interior. So how about that? By the way, mm. you know, they had the, they had the preakness rate today. In yeah. Belmont, I mean Baltimore, Baltimore, whatever you right. pronounce that. Yeah. Uh, there was a real young horse who never been in this type of level. Uh, in other words, he was going to get the top of the top, and mm -hmm. he was and he won last two races big time. Somebody put a nice size bet to win on him. I want you to guess what the. Amount wise, I mean, is this, this isn't the one that that had like seventeen to one, is it? No, this one, this horse went off at eight to one. Eight to one. Mm-hmm. And he won, and, he, and, he, and he wound up running third. But somebody put a nice size bet to win on him, even though he's never yeah. raced at this level. Yeah, I I haven't. I I do not know. The only thing I looked at was the. The lineup, how right. the horses came in. Right. He was, when Nyquist was number three. That's right. Nyquist came in third. That's right. This horse was number eleven. So this, he must he must have been fourth, I guess. Um. Huh. Anyway. You okay. What well, was the size you, of the bet, and what did he come home with? He did not win. So this was a losing. This was a losing bet. Yeah. Are you sitting down? With my feet up. $80,000 to win. <laughs> what a day at the track. Oh, my goodness. Was he at the track? Or yeah, was it in most the likely at the bed? track. So I asked Dad, at the track. So I asked Dad, so how do you think he negotiated putting that kind of money down? Well, they do have big ticket windows, so I guess he could have walked there with a suitcase of money. Wow. Good for him. Eighty grand. So how much? How much of a bet did he have? Did he have to put down to go home with eighty thousand dollars? No, no, that's what he bet. Eighty thousand. What he bet? Yes. Oh my! Oh my! Oh, I'm so glad I'm down with my feet up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. What did he come home with? He didn't hit it. He he lost the bet. I am. I misunderstood. Yeah. I thought maybe we were talking no. about like number two. No. And he had a win place. No. No. So, no. No. Silly. No. He put. He lost the bet. eighty thousand dollars on a horse that, that had never performed before. Right. So maybe it was Nyquist. <laughs> no. It was a, it, at least Nyquist had won the Derby. That's why he hasn't won anything. Yep. Oh, okay. Eighty thousand to win. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't think he went home. <laughs> <laughs> would, would your dad come home if he did something like that? <laughs> I uh, well, yeah, your mom is so my sexy. my yeah my, well my dad is so conservative I don't I think I don't think he would think that would have been a smart move to put eighty thousand dollars on a on a horse that he's never run at that level. Yeah. Well, I suppose if you put eighty thousand dollars on a horse, you're either certifiable, in which case they'll let you off the hook, <laughs> <clears throat> or you've got the money to spend, and then who cares? Well, it also, it it could be a good tax write-off. You can write off a betting loss? Oh, yeah. I know you have to declare a betting win. Mm-hmm. Do you have to have wins in order to be able to deduct losses? Yes. I think, I think, I was gonna, just going to say, I think I remember reading that. Yeah. So you have to prove that you're actually active yes. in betting. That uh-huh. you're just not showing up and saying, gosh, I lost all this money. Right. Okay. I don't feel any better. So Patricia can. So the next time Patricia takes eighty thousand down to the track, then we know what she. <laughs> it's going to be acorns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, eighty thousand dollars. I'm in hives here. I, I've got itchy hives from this. How could you do this to me? Oh my! Buddy <laughs> came home with eighty thousand. <sighs> he went with eighty thousand. Yeah, he went to put down eighty thousand dollars. So if we were to hit, it'd been six hundred forty thousand dollars he could have come home with. Plus his bet. <laughs> he must have needed a write off. <laughs> he must have. I mean, it it the, uh, well, how could he know at this time of a fiscal year that he was going to need to drop himself down into a, a different tax Tef- bracket? By the way. We were talking about. They were talking this morning on the show. the the horse The horse that won the Derby, yeah, uh, it paid one point six million dollars. Then they thought mm-hmm. to talk about the expenses. To enter the mm-hmm. Kentucky Derby, twenty five thousand dollars. Right. To get to the starting date, it's another twenty five thousand dollars. So there's fifty thousand right. dollars out the door. Right. The jockey gets ten percent of the purse. Mm-hmm. The trainer get ten percent of the purse. Works for me. Then, the stable gets three percent. Okay. So it's interesting. Before you know it, the money's disappearing. Okay. Well, you know, it's even worse because it's it's not done mathematically uh, according to banking or industry standards. It's not the jockey gets ten percent. So now we're down to 90%, and the next person who gets 10% gets 10% of the whole, not 10% of the 90% Correct. that's left. Correct. So you're really paying out a bundle of bucks here. Oh, yeah. Okay, so out of the $1.6 how much did the owner wind up with? Well, we don't know, because he probably took a bunch of friends with him, and so he would uh, pay for their expenses. So, not 1.6 million worth. Well, you never know. But do they have do they have boxes? Yes. At the Derby, like they do for football, for example. Yes. The Super, they do. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. So anyway, at least he we figured if if he didn't take any friends with him, he could have walked out with <laughs> 1.2. million. <laughs> he could have bought some Starbucks <laughs> on the way home. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. However, 
we're talking stud fees here, yeah. Uh huh. Now, one of one did I read correctly that never mind, doesn't have anything to do with the preakness. Um, okay. So now that you've rocked my boat, shaken my shins <laughs> Oh dear me. Eighty grand. Eighty thousand dollars. Eighty thousand. Can you can you mind your can you, can, can you imagine your heart rate going in, putting eighty thousand, pulling out all in cash, and going up to the window and just thopping out eighty thousand in cash on? Uh, I should have all this to win. Can you imagine your heart rate? Boom, boom, well, boom boom, boom boom. That uh, I don't know. I, just to pack up eighty thousand dollars. I think would have either put me in arrest or I would have been fine. I don't think there's anything in between. So you 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 either Miss Miss Cool Cat or mm-hmm. I, I'm either Miss Cool or Miss Dead. <laughs> yeah, nothing in between. I mean, you could give yourself a heart attack putting that kind of money yeah. in your pocket. Yeah. Or you couldn't put that kind of money in your pocket. The highest denomination you can get is a $100 bill now. So we're talking about 800 bills, right? Well, rest assured, you, you can put that kind of money in your pocket. You can put 800 bills in your pocket? Mm-hmm. Well, you and a friend can. you got bigger pockets than I do. <laughs> Uh, That's what underwear is for. I oh guess. yeah. Oh no. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> um, my word. Okay. All right. Well, I've got all of your questions. All right. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Which ones would you like first? I will go through the list for anyone who might be new and not know that every Saturday night Walden gets a list of questions, and he is marked on his answer. So we have a Stump Walden question, mm-hmm. a brain teaser, a presidential question, a presidential quote, colonial history, which I just love, first lady question, and your baseball question. And I'm, I'm working on something new. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, which would you like? My Stump Walden, please. Your Stump Walden question. Okay. I like this one. I started out in a different way. Mm-hmm. Jack Webb had five major shows, major in the sense that um, people are most familiar with them. Dragnet is one of them. So I'm, I'm going to read to you the names of the programs, and you're going to tell me when I'm finished, you're going to list them in order, which one came first, which one came second, and so on. Okay? Okay. All right. We've got Pat Novak for Hire. Johnny Madero, was that Pier 23? Yes. Okay. How am I doing? I didn't even write that one down. You're doing good. Dragnet, Pete Kelly's Blues, and Jeff Reagan Investigator. Okay. Put them in correct order for me. Uh, might be off. I guess you roll the dice here. Pat Novak, Johnny Medell, Jeff Regan, Dragnet, and, and Pete Kelly. 
You are absolutely right. I would have messed up on Pete Kelly's blues. Well, the, to, oh. me, to me, the tough ones are those, uh, those three detective series before you had that. Can, the, the, yeah. Because, they, yes, and they, they just crashed right into right. each other. Right. Um, Pat Novak, the only dates that John Dunning had, and I was too pressed to go out and find specific dates, he said 46 to 47. Uh-huh. Johnny Madero was April 47 to September 47, very short. Mm-hmm. Jeff Reagan, July 48th to December 48, another short run. However, it came back in October 49 and ran to August 1950 for the West Coast. Um, Dragnet was June 49 to February 57. And then in the middle there, they stuck Pete Kelly's Blues. So Dragnet started in 1949, Pete Kelly's Blues 1951. It only had a two or three month yeah. run there. Yeah. And it was in the middle of the summer on a dragon in the middle of the Dragnet series. Wow. Did they cut out for summer on Dragnet? I they must have. I think for I think they some series did. So they probably did. I, I never recalled that they had done that. There are so many shows it's hard to know if anything's <laughs> missing in there in terms of dates. Yep. But 49 to 57 was Dragnet, and 51 to 51, just July, August, and half of September. So two and a half months. How about that? Nice. You done good. Oh, my goodness, you done good. Pat Novak, I would have screwed up. I'm, I would have, I'm really, I would have messed that one up. I would have put Johnny Madero first. Oh, definitely okay. a possibility of doing that, but I, would, nope. I, I you, did you okay. Did Exactly right. Exactly right. And I was smart enough to list them in order on my sheets. <laughs> so so I knew what was happening. Okay, what's next? What's next? My brain teaser. Your brain teaser. Now, this has got to be the dumbest brain teaser I ever asked you. And <clears throat> it's embarrassing to let you know that I knew the answer. If you have three apples and four oranges in one hand and four apples and three oranges in the other hand, what do you have? Uh, you have seven oranges and seven apples. Not the correct answer. Well, my answer is not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> not the one I'm sort of in the market for. You have really big hands. That's exactly right. Very good. That's the, that's the answer. Three apples and four oranges in one hand, four apples and three oranges in the other hand. What do you have? Very large hands. Yeah, very That was good, good Walden. You get credit for that Woo-hoo. one. That was good. Okay, what else? Uh, my presidential question. Okay, now I have to look at this because I put a whole paragraph here. Let me see. Da, 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 da. Hold on. Oh, okay. Um, gee. I probably should have really worked on a question here because I've got this great piece of information 
All right. Well, well, so you, 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 well, you want to do it the other way around? You give me the information, I'll give you the question. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I can't do that. Oh, well. In 1800, the year 1800, President John Adams ordered the federal government to do something that was really significant. What was it? Well, the entire federal government he ordered to do this. Okay. Well, I thought he ordered China for the White House. <laughs> well, I don't think he ordered the federal government to do that. <laughs> he didn't say, this is what I'm going to do and you guys are going to pay for it. He actually issued orders for the federal government to do something very significant. He told him to take the Force joy off. Tom and I get Tom and I signed a de- piece of paper. Take the Fourth of July off. That's when they went to England and chipped off something that belonged to Shakespeare. Yeah. That was so funny. They they went to England together on a trip, uh-huh. and they they chipped they they took a chip of wood out of William Shakespeare's desk. Oh wow! And took it off. Oh wow! I know. Nice to know they had a sense of humor. Sure. Um, no, I, I, I wish I could ask this a little bit differently, but it was on May 15, 1800, John Adams ordered the federal government to begin packing up to leave Philadelphia and set up shop in the new Washington, D.C. headquarters. So after Congress adjourned its last meeting right. on May 15th, that's what they did. Ah. And on June 15th, one month. Wow. One month. They were in the new White House. Well, also, he, he practically moved the whole federal government. If you think about it. He, he did. He moved yeah. the entire federal government out of Philadelphia. And in one month, they were able to set up housekeeping in the new location. Well, see, you know, if he could do it, Donald Trump could do it. You know, what can I say? You know, I'll tell you what. I'm going to put this on why I love America list. (laughs) (laughs) Look at what these these people did for us. Okay, what's next? I'm sorry I couldn't ask that. No, no, I'm I'm glad you did. I didn't ask that in a different way. No, no, I'm glad you did. My presidential trivia question. Like my quote. That's what you just got. My quote. Your quote. Okay. I really like this one. I always remember an epitaph which is in the cemetery at Tombstone, Arizona. It says, quote, here lies Jack Williams. He done his damnedest, close quote. I think that's the greatest epitaph a man can have. Harry Truman. It was Harry Truman. Wow. And I think you're right. I think Harry Truman is the only president in our history who could have appreciated the true significance of that epitaph. He did the best he could. He'd done his damnedest. And Harry, that was his life. That's the way he went through life. You know, isn't that remarkable when Jim gave us the... uh book report or whatever it was a couple of weeks ago that 
Harry in 1948 wrote a letter to Eisenhower offering to be his running mate. That way he, he'd be happy to go back as vice president. How did I miss that? So, interesting little tidbits. Walden, that is absolutely out of my head. What a remarkable piece of information. Yeah, because, you know, I, people did not know Eisenhower was going to run either as a Democrat or a Republican. Uh-huh. In 1948, he decided not to run, but Truman sent him a personal letter and said, willing to be your running mate and I'll be your vice president. So I guess that, wow. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Well, you talk about a man with no ego. Uh-huh. Wow. Okay. Boy, I'm impressed. I am, too. Okay, what's, what's next? What's next? The first lady quote. Your first lady quote is down here. Your first lady quote. Well, actually, it's a first lady question tonight. Is that all right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Who was our youngest first lady? Oh, let's try Edith Wilson. Nope. Um... How about the gal who married John Tyler in the White nope. House? How about the Which gal? One? Oh, the <laughs> second one. The White yeah. House, no. Yeah. The one he ran away with? Yeah. How about the gal? How about the I gal? He was such a hoot. He eloped. Our president eloped. eloped. Yeah. You, you think that would happen today? Huh? 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 Oh, my gosh. These poor guys can't even put on their shirts privately. Um, how about Grover Cleveland's second wife? It was Grover Cleveland's oh. wife, Frances, age 21, and the only bride of a president to marry and give birth in the White House. When did she pass away? Um, 1947. Wow. My goodness. Wow. She was born in 1864. This is incredible. She was born before the end of the Civil War and after the end of this World, World War, II. War II. Wow. Yeah. I, I did not look at the date or pay attention to the date until you just asked. So, yes, it was Frances Cleveland. She was only 21 years old, and she gave birth to a child in the White House. How about that? Okay. What's next? What's next? Ooh, this is fun. This is fun. Um, my baseball question. All right. Now, this is another one. I have to do a better job of this. Um, let me see. Okay. Ooh, ooh. Did, I like that little pop we just heard today. Both Patricia did very well. Very good. I, you like that one? Uh, Does it sound like one of Lawrence Welk's bubbles? Yes. Turn on the bubble machine, Patricia. Very good. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> you can shut it off now, Patricia. <laughs> All right. Let me see here. Let me see here. Um, okay. On May 14, 1914, Washington Senator's pitcher, Walter Johnson, did something. <laughs> did something. This is really terrible. Um Walter Johnson, he's a pitcher. Right. And, gee whiz. 
Okay, I'll just I'll just give you the information. He he he, he had his one hundred. He, he had his one hundred nine sh uh, shutout. Really? Uh huh. One hundred nine. I think that's what well, he had. Yeah, I think he got the record for the most shutouts. He well, he did. He threw his fifty fourth consecutive scoreless inning at Sportsman Park, Illinois, and he led the Washington Senators to victory over the St. Louis Browns. With that win, he broke a 1910 record. Who set that record? Probably Christy Masterson. No. Rube Waddell. No. How do you know all these names? Well, you could put Winnie the Pooh out there. I don't know <laughs> when he played. Three, three, three Finger Brown. No, it was Jack Coons of the Philadelphia Athletics who had thrown 53 innings in a row without letting up a run. And Walter Johnson did 54 four years later. Now, the record's over 68 innings or so now. Is it really? Yeah. And these are consecutive? Yeah. Wow. I think it's like 68 and two-thirds Earl Hershiser for the Dodgers. Wowzers. Yeah, he broke Don Greigel. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. You know, you want to cheer the guy for doing such a good thing, and you want to cry because, you know. So did I ask, okay, now we got your colonial history. I think that's it. No, I've got your colonial history. That's, that's, that's what I mean. I think, I think that's the last one you got to and do. That, and that's the last one. The okay. question is, who wrote Poor Richard's Almanac and what was it? Benjamin Franklin and it was a, a witty wise things. It was filled with witty wise things, yeah. but what was it? It was a moneymaker for Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> you know, it sold for years. Well, it, you, it you, you, you know, last, a few months ago, I went and saw a American Revolution uh, reenactment. And, uh -huh. you know, and Ben was there. Uh -huh. You know how Ben made money on the deal? No. Well, I know that, that he sold 10,000 copies a year. Mm-hmm. How did he make money? Was it was this his brother printing it? Well, something even more than that. What? He was also head of the post that Matt, he was also head of the post office, so he was the one that mailed it out to everybody. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, this will change my answer. <laughs> no it won't. <laughs> Poor Richard. Yes. <laughs> Poor Richard was actually a pseudonym that he used, his pseudonym that he used periodically was the name Richard Saunders. And that's how poor Richard got into oh, being. Very nice. But what he wrote was an actual almanac. It had weather. Wow. It had witty phrases. It had um, practical household hints and puzzles. And it, was, it was an actual almanac in the traditional sense that we understand today. Which I think is pretty cool. A penny earned, it's a penny save. It gets a lot of the little cat faces he was known for in those books. Mm-hmm. Early to bed and early to rise. Again. I never tried it. 
make a healthy man wealthy wise. Yeah. Right. But it's not something I ever tried. <laughs> Early to bed? You've got to be kidding me. Yes. So anyway, that was it. It was, um, and it, he, he wrote it from 1732 to 1758. So we're talking 26 years uh-huh. here. And he sold uh, 10,000 copies a year. Well, help to have your help to have your own mail mail order business on the side, right? I I suppose so. Did did he actually realize an income from the postal service? No, he probably he probably he probably donated that part free. What part? He probably didn't take a salary for running the U.S. Postal Service. Oh, I I see. Yeah. So if he didn't get a salary. Um, maybe he mailed them for free anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to, to say that my next thought was pretty stupid. Of course he could have sent them. He sent 500 copies to his brother's widow when his brother died. Mm-hmm. Sent 500 copies and gave them to her to sell. I don't know what the price tag on these things were. But that was five percent of his uh, his annual run, so that right. that was pretty good. Nice. Yeah, better than flowers. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was good, Patricia. Oh yeah. I'm getting tired. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell. Uh-huh. I'm ready to say good night to everyone. All right. We'll be back next Saturday with Dick Tracy. We'll be here with Dick Tracy. Somewhere between now and next Saturday, Walden is going to let me know who I am going to, whom <laughs> I am going to interview. And Patricia will say, hello, Dick. Nice having you on the show. Is Flat Top with you tonight? <laughs> <laughs> or B.O. Plenty and Sparkle Plenty and um, what was B.O. Plenty's wife's name? Gravel Gertie. Gravel Gertie. Yeah. Gravel Gertie, yes, and we'll have to get. I really have to brush up on my, on my uh, Dick Tracy. Well, we know what your homework's going to be this week, don't we? I know. Oh my goodness! And I have to get shows ready for recording. Yeah. Now that I can read my computer. You're going to be a busy young lady this week. There's no doubt about oh. that. Oh, and I have two documents for my one of my California clients Good. to do. Good. And stuff like that there. Perfect. All right, my dear, shall we hit the road? It is time for us to say good night. Good night, everybody. Thank you for spending so much time with us. I hope somebody is left out there. <laughs> we haven't put to sleep yet. We, we can do that so well. We will be back next week. Thank you for being with us. Good night, Walden. Good night, Patricia. Good night, everybody. We love you all very much.
Jaws Professional, Patricia from FL Home, Bill Bragg, Edit. Select a system tray icon, dial D, Dropbox 3.20.1, up to date, Escape, Escape. Alt Tab, Skype Tray, Alt Tab, MP3, Skype J, Desktop, Folder S, Skype J, S, C, K, S, Sound 4, Enter. Alt Y, Sound 